All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our new un- yet untitled and probably won't be entitled till the se- till the run is finished uh, season- series, a holiday series. I'm thinking it'll be like North Pole stories. As an, I, 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 I had it on my to-do list to brainstorm this because I had as the North Pole turns. I think that might be it. As the guiding northern lights of the North Pole turns, like, and you can probably get the wordplay already. As the North Pole turns, uh, there's like, a, like, a, as the guiding light of the North Pole turns, uh, I don't know the other ones, uh, but so this is our new holiday series. It's a, uh, soap opera, or inspi- I guess it's inspired by the soap operas, uh, cause it's not sponsored by soap. And I really think like uh, soap operas, I didn't watch a lot of them as a child. I watched, like, I think I talked about this one other time. One time I was home with my mom and uh, like for two weeks from school. And I think I watched uh, soap operas then. And I kind of got into it. Maybe in the summer I could see like, oh, and she said, I can see the appeal to this is very adult. And uh, like, I like the cliffhangers. So this podcast won't have uh, those things. Uh uh, but, but like, and then I read, I've read a couple of good articles. There's this New Yorker article I talk about that I can't find right now. And it had to be the early aughts or just the end of nine, like 99. It was probably the aughts, uh, about, uh, soap opera writing. And I said to myself, uh, like, I, like I had heard of like, uh, about this, uh, like I said to my sleuth self, I have sleuth self. I said, uh. I said, I wonder if there's anyone keeping track of, like, uh, like if there's any old archives or anyone kept a journal or even audio recordings of the North Pole, it's particularly in the 1950s, because I said, well, I'd like it to have, uh, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a, and, and I, I tracked someone down. And I guess for everything to make sense. So this is our... Uh, you're not a narrator. Come on in. Well, good to see you. This is a Jack Frost, and I'm going to get Jack Frost and mic'd up here. Uh, but Jack Frost uh, uh, has these, uh, like, uh, has helped me uh, put this together, this series. And Jack, you're not exactly a narrator. You're kind of like a voice of conscience, conscience like kind of like I would hear on some of these radio broadcasts. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, Jack Frost here. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not the uh, narrator per se. Uh, you may call me the voice of conscience or uh, I like to call myself the place setter. Like I'm there setting the table for the characters. Uh, and yet yeah, these North Pole stories, they were recorded in the 1950s. Very, very popular in the North Pole. And there has been some debate, and I've kept the files as secret as I can because a lot of people say, well, is this fiction or nonfiction? And, you know, we've agreed to just play them as they exist, uh, uh, these North Pole stories, which you're calling, uh, Jack, I'm calling it As the North Pole Turns. And, Jack, you know, normally I have Antonio Banderas introduce things, but I'd love it if you would... uh, so you're going to see, you'll, you'll do the play setting. So every scene you'll set the table for us. So as listeners, uh, 
like it'll be it'll be because the podcast sleep podcast is usually accidentally confusing i mean the listeners don't know that uh, but i say well this totally makes sense uh that's when i know i have myself a sleep hit uh you know what i'm saying am i making any sense jack uh, you're making a little bit of sense so yeah i'll set the scene and i'll try to give some clarity but remember this is a radio uh drama they call them uh, so it's going to be a little bit different. I've checked out your other podcasts, and this will be a little bit different, but very similar. And I think it'll put people to sleep. Now, Jack, now that I have you here, you're not going to be nipping at anyone's nose, are you? Uh, no. Oh, because there's a song. Like, what about uh, to, 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 like toes like Eskimos or something? Did, did you do you know anything about that, Jack? Yeah, I don't know what you're referring to, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, to be a part of uh, As the North Pole Turns. So that's that's the title that we've settled on now, Jack. Uh, so, Jack, why don't you tell us, actually, let's help in, like, uh, so why don't you tell us about a few of the characters uh, that we can expect this season in As the North Pole Turns. Okay, well, we have uh, Donner and Blitzen uh, play a big part in this uh, season of uh, these stories here, uh, two of the reindeer. We have uh, uh, Reverend Molding, who is a uh, uh, or, or like an American who is uh, uh, working with the North Pole, and it, it plays a big part. Uh, we have Ginny Jingle, uh, who's the uh, head of uh, production for the Elves, kind of the leader of uh, of the Northern Pole Elves, and her husband uh, Jangle Jingle. Okay, so we have Jing, Jenny Jingle and Jangle Jingle, Donner and Blitzen. Common and Cupid appear at all? Uh, let me tell you about a few of the other characters you could expect. Is uh, uh, Fiona Fireside, a reporter uh, uh, for Elf News 1, and her partner, Rolfine, who is uh, like a head caretaker and trainer of reindeer. And Jack, what about Santa and Santa Claus? And so this is the 1950s in the North Pole. And I didn't really pay attention to history class. Like, is it so? Is this anything like Happy Days, uh, Jack? Oh, now I know why you're on the. Now I know why you're on the. Oh, my on the naughty list. Uh, like, it, just being a buffoon can get you on the naughty list. Uh, is Fonzie or Fozzie in this? Okay, do you have any serious questions? Because I'm ready for North Pole stories to, as the North Pole turn, you know, I'm ready for what we agreed upon to begin. Well, is Santa Claus or Mrs. Claus in this story? Uh, you know that uh, we can't reveal those things at this time. Okay, well, uh, I'm very excited to see. So this is the 1950s. Can you set the mood, like I've never been to the North Pole but I can picture, like, uh, is is there, like, a beautiful snow falling? Yes, there is. Uh, there's a chill in the air, but it's not too much of a chill. And the pine trees grow uh, as the shadows grow up in the north. But the northern lights uh, also bring joy to your heart. And the joy in the heart of the elves preparing for the holiday season and everyone at the North Pole, whether it's 1950, 1951, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 1999, or 2017, uh, everyone there is preparing for a happy holiday season. Uh, 
uh, to spread good cheer. And uh, but at the same time, everyone's uh, also just living their lives. Uh, but that's the part you don't see down here in the netherworld, as we call it. Uh, but uh, we're here to give you. Can we start, please? Okay, Jack. Well, I'm just trying to, you know, maybe set the, like, uh, does it smell like gingerbread at the North Pole? In some places it does, near the gingerbread, like, uh, also smells like pine, uh, cranberries in places, uh, turkey, who's stuffing even at the uh, cafeteria. Is, is stuffing aside every day at the cafeteria? Like, I can get, I can picture 1950, so I go to the cafeteria if I'm an elf, uh, also, are meals included with your uh, service? Uh, they are. Like, so I can go, like, I go into a cafeteria. We don't really have cafeterias anymore. Uh, I mean, like, uh, that I know about, except at schools and stuff. Uh, but so I would get a scoop of mashed potatoes and a scoop of stuffing in, like, an ice cream scoop. Uh, we call it a stuffing scoop, a scooper, uh. And a mashed potato scooper, but yes, you could do that. Uh, could I still, do you have like throwback nostalgia, like 1950s uh, cafeteria still there? Actually, you're very uh, forward thinking. We do. Uh, yeah, but, but it, I'm not here to like uh, give you a do. Okay, thank you. Um, so I guess that's it. I guess I'm here with uh, Jack Frost, and we're here to present the first episode of As the North Pole Turns. Uh, good morning, Miss Jingle. Uh, you're going to go downstairs. You could smell that Blitzen's already prepared breakfast. Uh, and you know Blitzen wants to talk about returning to active duty. But there's something in your oven, your cookie oven, that says different, doesn't it, uh, Miss Jingle? But there's part of you that doesn't want to say anything, huh? Is it because you're worried about uh, what Blitzen will say? Or is it that you're worried you're wrong? Well, I'm sure everything will work out just fine, uh, Ginny. Uh, why don't you go downstairs? It sounds like Blitzen's uh, finishing up breakfast. Oh, hello, Blitzen. Thank you so much for making breakfast, uh... Well, I know you have a big meeting today, uh, and I want you well-fed. Oh, thanks, Blitzen, yes. Uh, and how are you feeling today? Uh, here's, your, here's your eggs. Here's your eggs, Jenny. I've got them uh, just like you like them, over medium. And uh, how am I feeling? I'm feeling full of that holiday spirit. Uh, I feel like a sugar plum. Of, I feel like a vision of a sugar plum uh, dancing, dancing along at a sugar plum dance. Uh, oh, well, that's good, Blitzen. Did, did you have you heard from Doctor Ross? What did Doctor Ross uh, uh, say about you dancing? Oh, there was. A, oh no, the toast, the toast burnt. I'm sorry, Jenny. I'm just excited, or nervous, excited. I guess. Oh, about going uh, back to duty, huh? Yes, yes. So, sorry. Here, the toast is, uh, I'll make another set of toast. Uh, but yeah, I know I can't dance. Uh, uh speaking of dancing, what do you think Santa's going to say about this? Uh, I was reading uh, this article here. It says this plastic stuff, uh, that the toys, it's really made from oil. Is that true? Like oil, 
like the geysers uh, at the Texas Goo. Oh, uh, yes, I'm supposed to get a briefing on that today, but it is uh, it is a composite. Yes, I, I think uh, petroleum is one of the main ingredients in plastic. Yes, uh, yes, well, it's in. It's also one of the the main appeals, I guess. So it's not metal. It's not wood. It, it, I heard that it, they, they're going to use molds. Uh, what all the elves uh, think about all that? Uh, injecting a goop into molds instead of crafting toys. Well, Blitzen, I, I think, we, you know, we'll build consensus as we always do. Uh, but, uh, you know, just because we're at the North Pole doesn't mean we don't have to come to grips with reality. And uh, sometimes that means things change. You know, we all know, we all know what it means, uh, change or progress, uh, Kind of like the progress you're making with uh, Dr. Ross. Uh, oh, geez, the ring, ring, ring. The phone's ringing. Uh, excuse me. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it, Blitzen. You you do worry about the toast. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, oh, yes, he- hello, Donner. It's good to hear from you. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, yes, I'm terrific. Thank you. No, no, I'll pass the message on. No, no, you have a good day, Donner. Uh it's the toast. The toast is burning again, Blitzen. Oh dear, I'm so sorry. Okay, well that was Donner, and uh, Donner said to have a good day back at work. Uh, Donner might not be there when you come in. Uh, Ginny, is everything okay? You seem you don't seem to be yourself. Uh, is there something you're not telling me about these plastics and the uh, the representatives that are here to work with? Uh, uh, management. Oh well, Blitzen. It's 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 you know it's it's just that I want the best for everything and everyone. But I really I'm here to mainly represent the interests of the elves and the elven workers and uh, our co-workers. Uh, that the best thing for everyone. But when we share a vision, I don't know. You know, compromise is very hard, Blitzen and. And like we just said a few minutes ago, change is even harder. Uh, and I just worry about everyone. You know, I really, really worry about uh, people accepting change. And and while we'll have to accept the, the change of the plastics and, the, you know, the less metal toys and less wood toys and the wood carvers and the metal crafters... Uh, I don't know how to get them to accept the change. They, would you have any advice uh, for them? You know, when things change, uh, maybe they can't go back to the way they were. What would you say to them, uh, Blitzen? Well, that's a good question, Jenny. I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep an eye on this toast. Uh, and it's really hard uh because what if you don't want things to change, uh, and then they do, and you don't like it? Uh, yeah, it's just not fair. And I thought, uh, you know, what are we up here working for all the time? Uh, if we don't get what we want, uh, and I know that's a kid's way to look at it, uh, but I just think that maybe that's what they're thinking, is saying, well, I'd rather not change, and now... Uh, this change happened anyway, and now what am I going to do? Maybe I'll just, uh, uh, you know what I mean, Jenny.
Oh, yes, I'm just trying to watch the toast, too, but it looks like the toast is almost done. Yes, it's odd, but, uh, you know, I have to run along now, so I'll, I'll take that toast to, to go. Just pop it out now, and I'd rather be underdone. Uh, uh, you have a good day, Blitzen, and, and I'll see you later. Okay, you have a good day, too, Jenny. Well, Fiona, uh, Jack Frost here, your conscience, uh, this is one big interview. I hope you're ready, because this could be a big break, uh, a break you've been waiting for. But there's something nagging at you. Is it the disagreement you had at home with Rolfine, or is it something else? Well, you better get ready for your interview, Fiona. Yes, this is Fiona Fireside, here live uh, for Elf News 1. Okay, great. So, like, okay, let me see. Can you can you hear me in the headset? Okay. Uh, okay, can I have a few minutes? Because uh, I want to do some, uh, is, is uh, Reverend Molding in the building? Okay, just send him in and cut our mics. I, I want to just have some quiet time with him uh, to build some rapport, and then I'll be ready. Yeah, hello, everyone. Let me just do one run through before he gets here. Okay, just cut the mics, please. Uh, no. Uh, okay, whatever. Just send him in. This is Fiona Fireside for Elf News. Elf News. What? Oh goodness! I guess I am a little nervous. Uh, Fiona Fireside reporting for Elf News One. Oh, Reverend Molding. Hello, right over here. It's good to see you. Yes, I'm Fiona Fireside. Oh, you do recognize me. Thank you. Uh, what is this you have here? Well, uh, Fiona, I've brought you and the rest of the station staff. Uh, these poinsettias, uh, poinsettias, uh, some people say. Now I see you recoiling, because uh, I heard you were allergic to poinsettias, uh, poinsettias uh, but I want you to hold this one and to take a good look at it, Fiona, because uh, I don't think it's going to bother your uh, allergies. Oh, oh, uh, it's, it's lighter than a no... Is this... Uh, this isn't a real plant, is it? It looks so real, and there's even little snow and water crystals on it. Uh, is this what they, I've heard about these? Uh, with this, is this a silk poinsettia? Oh, no, Fiona, this is a plastic poinsettia. The uh, latest uh, thing we're working on uh, at a Molding Industries, and uh, I thought I'd bring some of you for the, some of the station staff to bring home. Well, particularly, I knew you, you, you love uh, the color, but I had heard you had an allergy, and I figured it would be... I didn't mean to, you know, frighten you and worry about you sneezing. I know we're about to go live on air. Oh, no, I think this is terrific, Reverend Molding. This will be good uh, for... Uh, we, okay, we're going in uh, live in a few minutes. Uh, you're all mic'd up, Reverend, right? We'll have a seat. Uh, and I know I'm not allowed to ask you. You call yourself Reverend Mo but I know I won't be covering any... Uh, any of that, but I'd be more interested to just talk to you one-on-one -on -one about, uh, kind of reverend, you know, not on the air. Yeah, that's fine, Fiona. I'm glad you're curious. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I'll, uh, why don't you put the poinsettia in your lap and, uh, and, uh, okay, thanks, thanks, Brad. Uh, yes, this is, uh, Fiona Fireside here for Elf News, Elf News, Elf News One. Nobody's perfect, right? And I'm here live with Reverend Molding. You may be, uh, of reading some things about uh, 
the future of uh, toy production and uh, the worldwide uh, demand that's increased. And, uh, you know, Santa's, but, but I'm here live uh, to ask some questions of Reverend Molding, who's consulting with Santa and how we can increase output and increase joy in the world. And you might see here, uh, if anybody knows and they follow me, uh, if anyone uh, has been read, read about, read up on me, you know I'm allergic to poinsettias. Uh, but, uh, Reverend Molding, you have a poinsettia in your lap and I'm not sneezing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, thanks, uh, Fiona, and thanks everyone here at the North Pole for being so welcoming and so forward-thinking about the future of spreading joy at the holiday season and all year round. Uh, and yes, this poinsettia on my lap is uh, made of plastic. It's a, you might call it an imitation uh, a poinsettia, but even you, Fiona, you thought it was real, did you not? Oh, yes, I did. I was uh, There's even little uh, snow crystals on it. Uh, are there sparkles uh, hidden? I'm noticing it's sparkling a little. Yes, Fiona, we have uh, snowflakes and crystals and sparkles. Uh, I don't know if you can see it at home, but uh, this poinsettia, has even more holiday cheer than a living one, I think. Uh, and, you know, no digging and no planning. You just put it there. No sneezing by Fiona. Thank you for having me on. Uh, now, Reverend Molding, I guess I want to get right into this interview and ask you some questions. Uh, there's allegations of a work slowdown here at the North Pole related to, to Santa's uh, Plastics Initiative, which you are the lead consultant on. And some of the trade unions have expressed uh, a lot of objections uh, to using the word work slowdown and that there is no work slowdown. So those are allegations, as I said. Uh, but they, they even calling into dispute uh, the, 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 your argument or the argument being put forth of uh, sustainability and meeting a demand and increasing Santa's, uh, increasing the joy, uh, that was his 20, uh, that was his 20 year plan that we're in the middle of, uh, and there's also this, uh, recent paper by, uh, uh, Dr. Puffybeard, who says that, uh, loss of these tactile skills of, uh, the craftsmanship of, uh, woodworking, metallurgy, that a lot of these things are being lost in the pla with the plastics initiative and that they won't be able to be recovered and uh, that, that it's going to have an impact not just on the elven economy uh, but on the elven way of life and uh, well-being of the elves that are the craftspeople. And I wonder if you could comment on that. Well, thanks, uh, Fiona. You know, I'm here at the North Pole because I believe in Christmas joy in the holiday season and I'm working very closely with Santa and the leaders in the Elven community, uh, the leaders in other communities and even the, uh, crafts, uh, unions, uh, uh, to try to meet the demand to increase Christmas joy across the world. Uh, you know, we live in something that's being slowly called a global village and, uh, I want to see happy faces on all of the villagers in the global village. And as many reports have also come out, uh, uh, the beliefs in the North Pole and Santa Claus are uh, plummeting. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, and at the same time, uh, 
you know, output, uh, whether it's a work slowdown or it's just reality, uh, uh, that we can't keep up with demand here at the North Pole, what would happen in which, uh, is a lagging indicator and which is a leading indicator? Is joy down because belief is down or is belief down because output is down? Uh, but Fiona, I wanted to talk about the other thing you said, which is, uh, the tactile skills and, uh, I would put forth to, to all of the uh, Elven people watching uh, this report uh, and to those wise, wise leaders that said, what about these tactile skills, the joy of woodworking, of metallurgy, of painting, of crafting, of building, uh, that I'm not here to threaten any of those things or to make them go away. I'm here to say that that's a higher calling, Fiona. And while that will be mass production of toys will move away from that, uh, that could be a good thing uh, to open up these craftspeople uh, to putting more time into it. Instead of it being an industrial process, it could be a process of, of joy for themselves uh, as a pastime, and they could take all the time they need instead of trying to meet output schedules and... Uh, you know, we all know that down there in the the, the lower lands, uh, they think that this is all accomplished by magic and not by hard work. But we know different, don't we, Fiona? Oh, yes, yes. So, so could you elaborate a little bit more on what you're talking about, uh, about these precious skills uh, to, 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 to the elven people? Well, you say, I mean, I believe working with your hands is an important thing. And that not only could they start to create... Uh, you know, a higher impact, uh, pieces and maybe models that we could model toys after they could also become teachers and pass this knowledge on uh, to not just elves, but the children of the world or the adults of the world. Cause oh boy, do those adults need something to do down there. And, you know, I, I come from a quite a background, Fiona, and I've learned that uh, self-determination of being a bootstrapper is uh, just as important as having vision and Christmas joy, right? Uh, am I right, everybody? Okay, well, I, you know, Reverend Molding, thank you for that. That is a brilliant answer, and I think that'll uh, settle the hearts and the minds of many of the people listening. Uh, but I have one last question about the toys and and the movement to plastic production uh, and away from, uh, wooden toys and metal toys. And, you know, while we have a tiny bit of your plastic, uh, in, in some of the toys here, we've always had something here at the North Pole and it's an unofficial rule, but it's called the Andy rule. Are you familiar with the Andy rule, uh, Reverend Molding? Um, uh, well, Fiona, well, we use a little Andy, as maybe you're all familiar, I'm not sure, but uh, anyone that's listening, I think everyone knows, but little Andy is a little Earth boy, and we use him as a model uh, for toy usage, and not exactly the ideal model little Andy is, uh, but we always go on the assumption that whatever we make here at the North Pole, little Andy's going to put it in little Andy's mouth. And he also, not only will little Andy put it in his mouth, he'll chew on it, little Andy, and he'll do many other things. So we ask ourselves, what would little Andy do with this? Uh, and then we do a little, little Andy's teacher or his caretaker, his mother, his father. Say, what did you, why would you do that with that? Uh, 
why would you take a wooden duck and do blankety blank? Uh, why would you take a metal? So I'm just wondering if plastics pass, have passed uh, the little Andy test uh, or, or, or what you're thinking about that, because that's an essential part of the North Pole uh, thinking is that even though we're mass producing things, uh, uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it where this is systems based uh, economy. I think that maybe I read that somewhere. Uh, it doesn't take in this uh, little Andy factor. Uh, so I guess what I'm asking, well, Fiona, let me just stop you right there. Cause I think I hear what you're asking and I think I can tell you, uh, that I don't know what movies you've been watching or what you've been reading in your spare time. But I think I can say in the words of uh, uh, a very popular person with children, uh, it's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, Fiona. The future is a wonderfully safe place uh, where people that are allergic to uh, poinsettias, for example, could have a home full of poinsettias. And where children like little Andy... They could have all sorts of toys, and they could pass the toy test, or maybe little Andy would find his new toy so interesting, uh, so engrossing, so immersive, that little Andy wouldn't even put them in little Andy's mouth. Uh, because when you start to think about what the opportunities that plastics allow us here at the North Pole, Fiona, uh, they unlock things uh, beyond the imagination of uh, simple craftspeople, uh, maybe like a child, a uh, little elven girl who always dreamed of a furry octopus. And you get it because I have a gift for you here, Fiona. It's in this box right here. A girl that always told uh, Santa Claus, uh, I'd like to have an octopus I could pet with fur. Uh, oh, wait a second. Uh, is that what's in this box? Oh, my goodness, I'm opening it up. It's a furry octopus. And this is fur. No, Fiona, that is a plastic. That octopus is of many different types of plastic or plastic-based products. And not only does it feel like real fur, does it not, Fiona? Oh, yes, it does. Oh, I can pet this octopus. And uh, it's also a little bit squishy. I can even hold it. Uh, it it's nice. Uh, that's right, Fiona. It's a nice, uh, it's a, uh, it's an octopus. So that's, I think that's all we have. Thank you, Fiona, for having me on. And, uh, I'm glad I can see the Christmas joy on your face. Uh, and I hope uh, to work with everyone here at the North Pole to replicate that. Okay. This is Fiona Fireside for Alpha News One uh, reporting. Hey, Donner. This is Jack Frost. Uh, Looks like Rolfine said uh, she's really looking out for your uh, best interests, huh? Uh, but if uh, flying reindeer were born to fly, or reindeer were born and then given the power of flight, so in some sense they were born to fly, why does Rolfine uh, seem so set on uh, keeping you from flying, Donner? And what does this have to do with Blitzen? What really happened? Oh, here she comes. Uh, good luck, Donner. Uh, good afternoon, Rolfine. Uh, how you doing today? Oh, hello, Donner. Uh, how good to see you. Uh, 
His slate seems are looking very good from uh, the reports I see from training this morning. Uh, it's very good. H- have they been? I don't see any reports though on following uh, my uh, uh, bedtime uh, uh, sleep protocols. Uh, do, do you have those reports ready for me, Donna? Well, I uh, uh, the team was a little bit uh, uh, tired. They said they didn't need your bedtime routines uh, to sleep. Uh, we we found it a little bit uh, like uh, get, putting the cart before the for the horse, as they say, Rolfine. And really, like all this running and and the stuff's got us tired. And uh, I wanted to talk to you actually. Uh, Blitzen's supposed to be back to work today, and uh, it's a little bit uh, awkward, you know. Uh, and I was hoping we'd get to fly to uh, welcome Blitzen back. Uh, well, you can't possibly expect to fly if uh, you uh, if you haven't slept properly or followed the sleep protocols. Uh, and I've been paying strict attention to your calorie counts and your food intake of the entire team, and you seem to be setting a terrible example, Donner. Uh, this isn't a laughing matter, and I know you're smirking at me as I speak, but uh, uh, you you are a team, uh, and I am the manager of the team. I am your superior officer. Well, I mean, I'm a reindeer and you're an elf, Rolfine, no offense. Uh, and I know you're uh, part elf and part uh, uh, snow person, but, uh, you know, we don't take orders. We uh, we work as a team with our team leader, uh, Santa Claus. Well, uh, actually, you don't anymore. I- I'm in charge, and I think we've gone through this. And with Blitzen, uh, Donner... Uh, there won't be any flying today, and there may not be any more flying, period. Uh, and I know you say, well, what about Christmas, or what are we going to do, or go find, you know, I know what you say about me behind my back, and I'm only here to help, uh, to help all of the reindeer and all the other creatures of the North Pole. And let me ask you another question, Dana. Are you a beast of burden? Do you consider yourself a beast of burden? Or do you consider yourself like a, uh, a a bird that likes to fly higher than an eagle or whatever it is? Well, I don't know what you're trying to say, Rolfine. And, and I don't understand. Uh, you seem to just be, fo- you seem to focus on the details and lose focus on the plan, uh, on the big picture, which is uh, flying the sleigh Christmas Eve and working the long nights and... Uh, I've been assured by Santa that this plastics initiative is going to lighten the load by 88%, uh, which will counteract all of the stuff you've been working so hard, the dieting, uh, the, the training, the muscle mass, the sleep. We don't need any of that because uh, we're not going to be carrying as heavy loads. And uh, this is what we're, we, we do. We're Santa's reindeer. And I don't know why you're standing in the way and claiming it's uh, like that you know what's best for reindeer when you're not even a reindeer. Well, you know what, Donner? I, I, do, I, I don't uh, claim to know what's best. I'm trying to learn what's best. And again, you might have one impression of what uh, uh, Santa Claus wants. Uh, 
and I may have another. Uh, but when you look at the chain of command, uh, it, it, it has me at the head of the sleigh uh, until Christmas Eve. And, you know, uh, you're not the only team of reindeer that can fly anymore. And I realize you have these veteran, this veteran attitude and all this experience and and all this knowledge. And I'm here to try to help you. I'm not here to keep you from flying. I'm here to keep you flying long into the future. I'm just wondering uh, the difference between right and wrong. And, uh, you know, just because a kid loves candy doesn't mean they can eat candy all of the time. Well, I don't like to be talked to like I'm a child, especially uh, when you have someone uh, who's... Uh, I mean, I, you know, I realized with, with Blitzen, you know, you, you know, I don't know if you caught the news at lunch, uh, but there was someone in someone else's life out there, propaganda, plastic propaganda. Okay, we'll just leave my wife out of it. I don't want her, I, you know, this is none of your business. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my best. Uh, I have a vision of uh, sustainability for reindeer, and that's my focus. And yes, my focus must complement uh, what you as a reindeer team wants and what you feel is best for you within the protocols that I've developed. And you know, Donna, I, I don't mean to, uh, uh, you know, point fingers, but I think if you were following my sleep protocol, you wouldn't be so grouchy because I think this might be a part of it. Maybe your judgment's off because... Uh, Maybe your judgment's off because you haven't been sleeping well and you've been eating too much junk food. Oh, oh hello, Blitzen. Uh, sorry, Don, Donna and I were just uh, uh, having a discussion about, uh, you know, I'll leave you to excuse me. Well, hey, Blitzen, it's uh, good to see you. Oh, yeah, it's good to see you too, uh, uh, Donna. Uh, how are things over at... Uh, uh, Jenny Jingle's house. Uh, are they treating you okay? They are. Uh, I was hoping to get up flying today. Did you? you it doesn't sound like Rolfine. Did, did, did Rolfine say you've been only eating junk food and not sleeping? Yeah, Blitzen. Uh, you know, I've, I've uh, missed you and uh, miss hanging out with you and having to be a part of our team. And I miss your friendship and I'm sorry. And I thought I'd uh, talk her into uh, letting you fly and let us all fly today, but we're grounded if, uh, until all the reports go back, uh, get back on what happened exactly. Have you remembered anything since you've been over at uh, Jangles? I've been having these dreams. Um, I've been dreaming about, uh, well, it's just these strange dreams, uh, you know, like, uh, the, the kids and Christmas, you know, the, the, how they dream. I've been dreaming. I'm a kid dreaming on Christmas. Uh, and that uh, I'm starting to dream. And then these sugar plums come. And they put me on their shoulders. And they say, you're the king of the sugar plums now, uh, Blitzen. And I say, no, 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 I'm a reindeer. And they say, no, you're you're a little boy. And you're the king of the sugar plums. And then I go off to a sugar plum land. And I realize uh, 
that uh, the sugar plums are, uh, they say, we care about you. We lo- and they make me feel good. They say, wow, tell us more. And everything I say, they seem impressed and interested in. And, and I start to make friends with all these sugar plums. And I feel like a leader. I feel like I'm producing. And I feel like I'm flying on the inside. But really, I'm just there uh, working with these sugar plums. And it's a dream. So everything happens kind of fast. And then... Uh, Oh, so sudden the sugar plums, there's a big chaos. And I say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they say, there's uh, somebody that likes eating junk food and they've arrived in our world and uh, uh, their favorite food is sugar plums. And it was you, Donner. And then you've been having a dream. Uh, I guess that's why I asked why you're you're eating so much junk food. Uh, It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's weird, Blitz, and, uh, but I gotta get back, I gotta go check the, like, maybe we could talk about this some more later, I'm sorry I couldn't get you a fly today. Okay, well, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna take a break, I guess, uh, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, good night, uh, I mean, good night when you go home to the, to the Jangles, uh, talk to you soon. And this is Jack Frost, everybody, uh. Saying good night uh, as as your uh, world turns, uh, so does the North Pole. Jack Frost uh, uh, saying good night and kissing at your nose. Okay, I want to thank everybody who reviewed the podcast. Uh, J I L P E D said snoozeworthy. My sleep has improved so much. I used to wake up ten to fifteen minutes after falling asleep, then struggle to get back to sleep. Uh, now I wake, if I wake up, I don't even notice because there's Scooter droning away in my ear. Excellent podcast for those of us, uh, who have disturbed sleep. Seriously, give it a try. Seriously. Uh, always works. This is from Deanna. Can't quite explain it, but it helps distract the mind and you'll find yourself, uh, the next morning, uh, wondering how, when you fell asleep, definitely come back to it when my mind is restless. Excellent podcast. Yasana says the verbal tics uh, couldn't g- got to me. Uh, maybe it's not my style. Well, that's honest. Uh, thanks. Uh, Lifesavers from M. Bagley from the UK. Almost every night I put this podcast on with a 10 to 30 minute sleep timer on my podcast app, depending on my level of insomnia. And 99% of the time I'm asleep before it reaches that point. My favorite podcast, even if I don't know what is said. Alana says, uh, finally sleep. I have insomnia. I can't believe this worked. Nothing ever works for me. I write this in the morning after a sound night of sleep. I recall his voice being calm and friendly. And best of all, it wasn't too quiet and soothing, like most sleep podcasts. It's like he invited you to stay awake, but then he got so nonsensical, my brain wandered, and I eventually drifted off. It was interesting enough to pay attention to in the beginning. So I wasn't bored, but then he started to ramble and stumble, and next thing I know, I'm asleep. Uh, uh, Mel, Melikai, says, Godsend, I love this podcast. Normally I'm tossing and turning, but this puts me right out. Uh, I don't even know if they actually tell a story during the episodes. I never made it that far. Thanks. Uh, C. Melody uh, says, voice too scratchy, uh, irritating. Uh, knocks me out cold. That's from Junior Dancer. Not Tiny Dancer, but Junior Dancer. 
hold me closely because they deal with anxiety, especially when going to sleep. A voice is like the most boring teacher you had in school. Puts me out like a light. How about J Jat runs chronic insomniac and not a cure for all, but Scoots makes your life easier. This podcast has changed my sleep sleep for about a year. Often bizarre, but never made it through a whole episode. E M she says I don't know how it works, but I've been listening for over a week. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Dan from the UK says, distracts brain bots, helps me sleep. But even when I can't sleep, it mildly amuses me. And finally, Jade, uh, says this podcast definitely helps uh, to distract me and fall asleep more easily. Try it. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for those kind reviews over on Apple podcasts and good night. All right. Hey everyone, Jack Frost here. Scooter gave it right over to me. Figured it'd be a smooth transition. And this is the second episode of uh, As the North Pole Turns. A, uh, he's called, it's an actual account of uh, life at the North Pole in the 1950s. Uh, he's calling it a me- like a melorama uh, or a soap opera. Uh, but it covers uh, some people's lives at the North Pole, uh, particularly Rolfine, uh, Fiona, uh, Jenny Jangle, or Jenny Jingle, I, uh, my notes, uh, uh, the scooter wrote my notes, even though I should be good. I'm Jack Frost, uh, uh, filling you in. Also Donner and Blitzen and Reverend Molding, uh, who we've met so far. And we know this much, uh, Jenny seems to be the uh, elf in charge uh, at the North Pole. Uh, Fiona, Fiona Fireside is a reporter for Elf News 1. Uh, her partner, her wife, is Rolfine, who may be the lead of the reindeer teams in the North Pole. Uh, Donner and Blitzen, you, you may recall, they, they're not the most famous reindeers of all, but they're pretty darn famous. But Blitzen seems like uh, uh, Blitzen's been going through something, something we're not sure about. Uh, I don't know if it was a strained antler or uh, what, uh, but Blitzen's been out of duty. So there's a little, you know, the Melorama level tension there. And then there's the mysterious Reverend Molding, who uh, seems to be a North Pole consultant uh, from the plastics industry. I don't know if his name was once Benjamin. Maybe that's his first name. Uh, hint, hint, joke, joke. But uh, he is there. Uh, I guess uh, we don't really know. Representing the plastics industry, maybe. And that's all we know, because we're all we're doing is peeking in. If you're a little taste of the North Pole, uh, as the North Pole turns, Jack Frost, uh, giving you, like, uh, setting the table, uh, that's my job, Scooter says, uh, as the North Pole turns. Reverend Molding, Reverend Molding, it's Jack Frost. Uh, Reverend Molding, you're dreaming, you're tossing and turning. But you're in a dream, Reverend Molding. Uh, what are you seeing? It seems to be something that's got you, uh, your limbs. Are you akimbo? Uh, Reverend Molding, this is Jack Frost asking you. What are you seeing? Uh, do you even know you're in a dream, Reverend Molding? Oh, oh, where am I? He somewhere. Oh, I forgot I'm at the North Pole. Eternal night is here. And, uh, huh. Uh, where, why, uh, 
Why am I dressed in my pajamas? Uh, put my robe on, at least, and this cap's keeping me warm. But why am I outside? Why am I not even colder than I... What? What's coming towards me? Those reindeer, hello, uh, Reverend Molding here, I'm a bit lost, uh, uh, hello? Oh, hello, are you, uh, Donner and Blitzen? I've been around the reindeer enough uh, to know you two. Hello, Donner, wait a second, uh, there's something strange about you, other than you're not greeting me like humans greet one another, or elves, and, you know, the, the, uh, social, uh, you look strange, uh, the two of you. And I feel strange. I've just found myself. Wait, uh, Blitzen, are you made from wood? Are you carved from wood or you're reindeer? Why aren't you speaking? Do you mind if I touch you, Blitzen? Yes, you would. I remember you as a reindeer. This is strange. Is everything okay? What is it, Donna? Donna, you're made from metal. Oh, goodness. Uh, maybe this is a dream. You want me to follow you, uh... Well, I could, could I ride on one of your backs? Uh, I prefer the wood one because the metal's going to be quite cold. Uh, sorry about that, Donna. Thank you, Blitzen. Blitzen, Donna's running ahead. Where are we going? What's that? Uh, there's a stomping noise. What's that? Uh, where are we going, Blitzen? Why are you wood? Is this a dream? Blitzen, please tell me if this is a dream. Oh, I hear. Sounds like the elves, they're chanting. What are they chanting? Oh, hello, elves. Uh, what are you chanting? I can't quite make it out. It's like a, you muffled this. Little, little Sandy, little Andy. Are you chanting little Andy, little Andy? Oh, uh. That was what Fiona Fireside was talking about, the little... That's a metaphor, I think, else. Uh, oh, look at the northern lights rising up there. Oh, we're in a circle. Thank you. There's a fire there, Blitzen. I'll get off and... Now I have a chill, but it's not from the cold air. It's from the chanting of these elves. Oh, but, uh... Why... What's that? Again, there's the crashing. It feels like a thumping... Wait, the elves are changing the chain. Little Andy waits. Little Andy waits. Little Andy. Should I chant with you, elves? Uh, little Andy waits. Uh, little Andy waits for, for what? Uh, is little Andy coming? It feels like, are those little Andy's footsteps? Uh, is little Andy coming? Oh, dear. Is little Andy coming to taste? This must be a dream. I must wake up. But the thumping, the thumping. Oh, no, I can't wait. Oh, my, I'm, I'm made of plastic now. What is happening? My, okay, Reverend Molding, this is a this is a dream. This is a dream. Tell yourself that this, I still hear that thumping. Yes, Reverend Molding, it is a dream. But now, you're awake. Yes, yes, I'm awake. Uh, I don't know what that other voice was, but there's still thumping downstairs. Uh, or outside. Uh, oh, it's a storm. Oh, no, but that must be the gate uh, for the sheep. Uh, oh, quickly, I'll run downstairs here, running, running down my stairs. Uh, grab my stocking cap, uh, my robe and my slippers. I'm going to find myself right back in the dream. But that's the the gate for my sheep. Uh, it's, it's, oh, dear, it's, a, oof, it's quite a wind out here.
I went to bed so early, I wasn't feeling well. It's, uh, feels late, but it's not quite late yet, uh, not quite midnight. Oh no, my sheep have gotten out of the pen. Uh, the gate must have blown open in this uh, storm. It's just starting to pick up. I better go inside and put on my boots and find my sheep. Uh, uh, I'll go back inside and get dressed and head out uh, before the storm really hits. Yes, Reverend Molding, Jack Frost here. You should go catch your sheep, a tender of sheep, uh, a reverend who has an actual flock of sheep. Uh, all the elves have a good laugh at that. Uh, is we still don't know why you're called Reverend Molding. But yes, it looks like a storm is brewing or has already been brewed and is just spilling out across the North Pole, Reverend Molding. But it hasn't come yet. You'll be able to find your sheep. You won't be like little Bo Peep because uh, uh, we can see the prints in the snow. But what did that dream mean, Reverend Molding? What did that dream uh, say, was it the, uh, oh, wait, uh, there's more going on here at the North Pole. Look, uh, here at, uh, what the Jangle House, uh, it's a game night. Uh, I can hear laughter and cheer coming even out the windows, even with the coming storm and the missing sheep of Reverend Molding. Oh, look inside the window. There's Fiona and Jenny and Rolfine. Uh, uh, drinking and laughing and snacking and uh, what are they saying what are, are you having a disagreement uh the rules clearly state that uh there's no uh je there's no sounds allowed i'm sorry so i have to uh rule is that i'm sorry rolfine it's i'm very sorry but i have to rule that that was an illegal maneuver and I have to give the points to Jenny because you can't make any sounds. It's not fair. Oh, Fiona. Oh, I can't believe you. Oh, uh, that was funny though. Did you, did you, did, did, did you get that sound? Everybody got it because I couldn't help but make it because it's like, uh, it sounds like, and I said a horn sounds just like that. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I'm glad I won. It looks like I'm, I'm getting ahead. Uh, at this game, but yes, sir, thank you, Fiona, for sticking to the rules. Rules are important. Uh, we should we should pick up. Uh, I think I, we could declare it a victory for Ginny because uh, you know I, I and I don't like to win by rules. I mean, Mister Ginny, oh my beloved, he was a stickler for the rules. Uh, always he was always going by the rules and tradition, and then being. Uh, Having to to uh, be a contrarian at the same time, it was always so frustrating playing with game, games with him. I mean, I remember uh, when we had our partnership celebration and the two of us came together. He researched all of the traditions uh, all the way back into the furthest elven archives and got out to other elven communities and uh, tried to look at other partnership celebrations and the traditions within the North Pole region and comparing all of it uh, and saying, oh, Ginny, look at this beautiful, this is the meaning behind this, and this is why this must be done this way. These are why these rules are here. These are the traditions behind them and even the story behind those traditions. And he would talk about it and he would plan 
And he would get into all the details, and I'd say, well, I would prefer not to wear, like, a." he said, why would I wear sappy branches? Uh, I don't prefer to wear, a, a, like, a headpiece of sappy branches. It's not, uh, and he said, well, well and, and we would we would debate these little things and all these traditions that he held so dear because he was researching it and getting into it, but then... When it came time to talk about the celebrant, uh, uh, he did not want Santa to be our celebrant for our partnership ceremony. And I said, well, tell me a ceremony that, uh, I said, what about Mrs. Claus then? Because uh, I said, tell me a ceremony, a traditional ceremony that doesn't have Santa. And I said, well, we're more progressive now. And Mrs. Claus, uh, uh, and he said, yeah, that's no choice, uh. And I said, but it's a tradition, and the reason it is a tradition, you know, when we went into the history of the Colossus and all of those things, and he would not, I said, okay, so you want me to wear a sappy branch because it links to the power of uh, the tale of the uh, thirsty earth or whatever, but we can't have a Colossus. Uh, I, I said, what about Edgar Claus? Uh, and he said, who's Edgar Claus? I said, Santa's brother, you know, and I, I joke. I said, there's no Edgar Claus. Uh, and he went on about royalty. And I said, what's, uh, and we, and I, it was exhausting. He said, what are they, queen and king? And, uh, you know, that's why things have been so hard lately with, uh, I mean, you both know that he's, involved with the resistance somehow because of this need to hold on to the traditions almost uh, too tightly that I've lost him. Uh, I mean, uh, he became so attached to the minutia and to being both for and against. Uh, I don't even understand it myself. I find it all, if I wasn't directly affected, I would find it amusing, but I, you, you know... Oh, Jenny, I'm so sorry. Well, it's not uh, here, no. The... Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, it's just that uh, now it's uh, everything that I hold dear uh, seems to be being threatened. Uh, you know, in, and I still love him greatly, so it's 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 a confusing thing. But uh, uh, what's that noise? It sounds like someone's at the door. Oh, it's Blitzen. Blitzen, come on in. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, hello, everybody. Uh, Blitz, it's a good, oh, Rolfine, uh, uh, Jenny, um, uh, Fiona, hi. Just been out, uh, out on the town, uh, celebrate, I'm full, I'm full of holiday spirit, sorry. Oh, Blitzen, have you had a little bit of eggnog or something? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're having a great time. I was singing, uh, we were doing some karaoke. We did some Halloween karaoke and then some joyful holiday tunes. Uh, how's the game night going? Who, what did, uh, Rolfine, did, uh, did, uh, did you win? Oh, uh, no, I didn't, Blitzen. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so I'm having a great night. I was, uh, then that we had, uh, uh, like, uh, I was down at uh, the, the the empty the empty nose, you know, and the, whew, it was a good time. If there's a storm coming in, though, really, like I don't know, if it's like can can you feel the house? It's almost vibrating a little bit. Uh, 
really coming in fast. Uh, I don't know if you, maybe you should all stay here because I got to get to, I think I got to go to bed though. But if I was as one, two, three of you, well, Jenny, you live here. And I kind of live here, though. I would like to move back, uh, but Jenny's keeping an eye on me, keeping me close. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate it so much, Jenny. And just, you know, uh, well, it's okay. It's okay, Blitzen. You've had a little bit to drink. Why don't you, and uh, could you do me a huge favor? Rolfine and I will clean up. Uh, uh, Fiona, Rolfine, I'd prefer it if you stay here. If, if uh, Blitzen, if you could help Fiona get the uh, guest room ready. Uh, for, for, for Rolfine and uh, Fiona and, and just make sure the bed is made and, uh, and help her turn it down and then get ready for bed. And, uh, Rolfine and I will clean up down here. How's that sound, everybody? It sounds, uh, come on, Fiona, let's get this, let's get this bed made. Now, Jenny and Rolfine, you're cleaning up and cleaning up the game night. Uh, but your thoughts, uh, they don't seem to want to go away. Uh, there's some thoughts, uh, you can't just uh, uh, soak away with uh, dish soap, is there? Oh, I'm sorry about getting so emotional, Rolfine. It's just, uh, you know, uh, can you pass me those glasses? I'll do those, and I'm going to soak those, actually. Red wine, and uh, uh, thank you. Well, Ginny, it's okay. I mean, I understand uh, that uh, it's a confusing time up here in uh, I think everyone's having second thoughts and or first thoughts or third thoughts, you know. I mean, I've been having second thoughts about Blitzen and Donner and the whole, you know, the whole idea of the reindeer and the workloads. But it's been more second thoughts about the whole thing, you know. It's like, uh, are we being called to understand Christmas magic more? Is Christmas magic waning? I mean, the whole plastics thing, I can't imagine with uh, what you're going through. And it's true what you say. It's like uh, things are changing here in a place where maybe we thought they'd never change or maybe that was just a way we were brought up to believe uh, with our kid-like minds. But now it's like I don't even get it in all these decisions got to get made, and I'm supposed to make the decisions around the reindeer, but I still have second thoughts, and I have second thoughts about my second thoughts. And, oh, well, Rolfine, I understand what you're saying perfectly. It makes perfect sense. Uh, you have a very important job, and a job that you care about, and you care about the reindeer, and you care about doing your job well, and... I don't think those things, I don't understand it either. It's like they're independent and interdependent at the same time. And we've learned that the way we've done things for a long time isn't going to keep working. And there doesn't seem to be a clear path forward. And yeah, even I, I, I guess I always thought Santa and Mrs. Claus had all the answers and they made all the decisions. And anything that was odd, you'd go in and you could uh, talk to one of the Colossus and they would have a hearty laugh and put it all in perspective and give you candy cane and send you on your way. I mean, isn't that what we uh, signed up for? 
we were younger then, I guess. Uh, oh, I was younger. You're still Rolfine. You still have your whole uh, career in front of you. And I think uh, you, you got to decide, too, if this is what you want to be doing. Maybe is that part of your second thoughts about your job? Wow, Ginny, I never thought about it that way, really. I mean, I've risen through the rank of reindeer trainer, and I mean, I remember my first job was just uh, like uh, watching the right field boundaries for different reindeer games. And then I moved up and I learned new things. And then, you know, as the North Pole has become more integrated with the teachings from the rest of the world, like learning about the biomechanics of reindeer and and then doing my thesis on wild reindeer and learning about the dynamics of, of light and ma- magic, what you can understand about all that. I guess I always thought I'd just be in the reindeer business uh, forever, but I don't know. Do you think I'm too, I mean, I mean, is that the second thought? Like, I'm too close to my job. I care about the reindeer too much. Uh, but at the same time, I don't care about Christmas or presents uh, any less. And I'm just worried, you know, about what other people would say. Like, what would they say about Rolfine? Well, Ginny, I mean, uh, it's got to be hard for you with this plastics thing. I, I, I didn't even see how similar what we're dealing with is, uh, but it, it kind of, it, oh, yes, Rolfine. I guess we're two peas in the pod, huh? Uh, two, ooh, it was really windy out there, really blowing. But yes, I, I uh, it's uh, so confusing. At least, uh, and I don't mean to say this in a way, uh, I'm so glad, I guess is what I mean that you have Fiona. And I know you and Fiona probably talk about these things, but maybe maybe that's good why we have friends, too. Like, maybe Fiona's there for you to rest in her arms and and to get away from all this, and maybe I'm here uh, for you to talk it out with. And I'm glad you can have both. And I don't even know, maybe I'm just projecting Rolfine. Or maybe I'm just a little bit lonely, and uh, and you have to hear the brunt of it. Uh, but I'm not telling you to appreciate Fiona uh, anymore, or saying, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm fumbling over my words here because I'm scrubbing this uh, this uh, uh, cake cake is caked on this pan. No, Jenny, I understand. I'm I love Fiona so much, and and you're right. Uh, we do talk about a lot of this stuff, but sometimes we talk about it in, in a rules way, like kind of like the game and in a puzzle way. And then I need a break. And I guess, uh, uh, there's a different kind of listening. And it's like kind of like, uh, maybe we're two peas in a pod for a reason. I just wish we knew the reason and it wasn't full of second thoughts and third thoughts of like, okay, well, why can't we have unlimited rain? What, what, what is this? So, you know, what is this power source? What it, I just wish, I guess that that myth was true, that someone had all the answers and they could just, uh, 
I guess I just want to be a baby elf sometimes. Well, you could be a baby elf with me. Would you like a, like a candy cane, Rolfine? They're up there in the cupboard there. Go ahead. I don't, I won't tell anyone. You don't even need to brush your teeth. Uh, get one for me too. Yes, yeah, so you know what? We'll leave the rest of the dishes too. We're going to be children and as childish as we wish. We're going to have candy and then we're going to go to bed. And tomorrow we'll see how it feels. Uh, maybe we do need to be more kid-like and say, hey, it's tough. Uh, uh, yes, uh, we all want all the answers and we all want it to be clear and not so... Wow, just really blowing out there. We should, uh, we should shut down for the night and, uh, you know, you should go check on. Wait a second, uh, I'm hearing a sw- swishing. I wonder if it's those two upstairs joking around. And upstairs, uh, Fiona, you're making the bed and, uh, Blitzen's being a little bit helpful, but it can be confusing, uh, when uh, someone's acting full of cheer, but you can feel it right below the surface, uh, tugging at both of you. Yeah, there's songs about it, The Tears of a Clown, and many others, uh, Fiona. But maybe your job's not to uh, suss it out. Maybe your job's just to keep the cheer going uh, so that Blitzen can get a good night's sleep. Or is it to uh, just make the bed and talk to your friend? can be so confusing sometimes, uh, right, Fiona? Oh, right. I mean, Blitzen, get out of the bed. It, it's, uh, we're making the bed and not getting it. This is, this is a bed Rolfine and I are staying at. I'm sure you could go off to your room. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, Fiona. I'm just confused, Blitzen. Always confused, Blitzen. Uh, Blitzen is slow on the uptake. They say, I'm getting out of the bed there. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I wish I had a mint to turn down the pillows for you, too. Oh, Fiona, you're such a good friend, and you, and Rolfine, and Jenny's kind of like a bossy friend that, uh, like, kind of like a mother for a friend that's also your mother, that's also your boss, uh, and, you know, uh, does, does, does Rolfine ever talk about me when, when you, I know I'm not supposed to ask this to Fiona, but, like, I'm going to sit in this chair here. Like, does Rolfie never talk about me at home? You you don't have to tell me, but you could. Oh, Blitzen. Um, I can't, you know, I can't talk about what Rolfie and I talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm there for her to listen to her, and that's not anything against you. And you know Rolfine cares about you deeply and the whole team. I mean, she's been involved with all of you uh, for almost her entire life. And she loves the job. And she takes it very seriously. And it's not easy for her, you know. Uh, but I can't. I mean, I, I don't even know what I'd tell you. I really don't know anything about reindeer teams except what I read on the news. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it, like it because I don't report that stuff because it's uh, kind of like a conflict, uh, just kind of like this. I'm your friend. And yeah, Rolfine's your friend and your boss. Uh, but as your friend, I can tell you that uh, you, we know you've been through a lot of these past few months, Blitzen, and we care about you. And Ginny cares about you, too. And not in some way, shoulds or woulds or coulds, uh, 
in a way that's uh, right here, right now. Like, did you have fun tonight, or uh, what? What, what was? Uh, or is there something else on your mind, or is there something you want to know? You want me to confirm? Uh, I don't know. I I want to be here for you, but I also need to respect my relationship with my wife. Well, well, Fiona, I'm just confused is all. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to go out tonight and blow off some steam. It's just been hard because I, uh, I don't know. Am I, am I like, uh, am I down too? You know, when people talk about feeling down, uh, do I need to get back to work or do I need to take more time off? Uh, uh, will being back at work make me feel better? Or am I just pushing it? Uh, or is it was is it time for me to move on? And it's confusing for me, and it's confusing time here in the North Pole with all these changes and everybody really being on edge and saying, no, that's not, uh, I don't know, Fiona, I never told anybody this, uh, and I hope that because you just showed me how strong your boundaries are, that you won't listen to this as a reporter, that you won't listen to this as anything but my friend. But uh, I, I like I was uh, I was out one night walking, thinking, and I was hoping that the northern lights would appear and I'd be out on the edge of the woods. There's this like meadow. And there's like all these night rabbits that come out there. And it's the one place where I really feel okay. I mean, a little cold. It's a little cold out there, even for me. But I like to go out there and I like to stand at the edge of the meadow. And the pine trees are rising above it and a couple of the hills and some craggy rocks. And then right at the uh, edge of the sky, you know, sometimes the northern lights will go up and... Uh, I don't know, it's nice to look at, but it gives me a reason to be out there alone, looking at the sky. Really, I'm there to kind of watch the night rabbits and listen to them moving around and and be alone and at peace, away from my thoughts, away from it kind of being like, what am I going to do? What what does it mean to be reindeer? What does it mean? What is the solar, you know? I mean, I get the Christmas spirit. I have it. uh but the rest of this stuff, it doesn't, and things with me and Donner and the rest of the team, it's like, uh, I don't, I just don't understand it, any of it. And when I'm out there, none of that matters. Whether the Northern Lights are there, it doesn't matter, but I usually stay for less time because I'm always thinking if somebody came up on me and saw me, and they'd say, what are you doing, looking at night rabbits? Uh, or, But if you say you're looking at the northern lights, they don't ask any questions. I say, oh, cool. But, you know, really, I just want to be out there. Uh, but uh, that wasn't what I was going to tell you, Fiona. I'm sorry you started to talk. But uh, uh, I was walking back, and, you know, it, the meadows on the edge of the Colossus Ranch. And I guess I was kind of curious. uh you know, like everybody is, to peek in and Santa, you know, off, uh, kind of off-season, off-duty, and the window was open, and I was listening in, and Santa and Mrs. Goss were talking, 
And I don't know what they are talking about, but I know I heard. I don't understand it either. I don't even know what to do. And I'm at my wit's end. I heard Santa say that I'm at my wit's end. And it was like they were like uh, disagreeing with each other about something like they couldn't figure out, too. And Mrs. Goss was like, well, I just wish, you you know, you're supposed to just uh, trust your gut. And Santa said, I don't know what my gut says. So, you know, it's like uh, I'm not supposed to see that side of the Glosses and it just kind of let all of this uh, sink in, like this myth I had in my mind, and uh, that somebody had all the answers, that had the Christmas magic, that could just say, boom, there's a toy. When you start to realize, no, there's uh, resources by, you know, this whole transfer of resources, and, oh, well, is this, uh, like, the future, or is this something... uh do we know it? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry for sharing that, Fiona. I don't know if that, uh, I mean, this Reverend Molding, right? It, it, like, didn't, that interview with him was pretty good. Well, thanks, Blitz, and thanks for sharing that with me. And as, a, as your friend, I didn't hear it as a reporter. But I can tell you that uh, as a reporter at Elf One News, Fiona Fireside reporting here with my friend, it's just, I'm just kidding. It, well, it's actually like muscle memory. It, you know, everyone thinks I have the answers, sure. I have all the insights, and I've heard rumors, um, like similar to what you're telling me. And, you know, elves and humans, uh, nobody has all the answers, uh, Blitzen, reindeer. None of us know what we're doing, really. We're just doing our best, and sometimes I guess maybe there can get to be uh, a sense of somewhere that not everybody's tr- like. I don't know. It gets you're right. It's confusing, like you said at the beginning, confused and confusing. But I don't know everything, and everybody acts like my life is. Oh, you're on the news, Fiona. Oh, you and Rolfine are so close. So. You know, you you should be so happy. And you talk about the times when you're at the field looking at the night rabbits. And, you know, sometimes I think I'm not allowed to have times like that because I have a good relationship, because I have a good job. I'm just supposed to feel great all the time and have all, like, I, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to know how to uh, help Rolfine solve things at work, or I'm supposed to know the right thing to say to Ginny uh, to make her feel better, or I'm supposed to know how to help you, or maybe we could break a report on something that would help San and Mrs. Kloss just, you know, but I, I don't have all the answers. And it's like these limits uh, we're coming up against all at once up here for some reason. And what does it mean to be limited I don't know. It's not easy, right? And um, you know what? I'm really glad I have friends like you, but and uh, you know, because I know I'm not perfect, and you know I'm not perfect. If <laughs> that's what you're gonna say, uh, Fiona, you're right. Though I'm glad I have a friend like you too. 
And what is that? Bang? There's a bunch of banging downstairs. Oh boy. What do you, do you hear that? What is that? It sounds like somebody's, uh, like, uh, is that Mr. Jangle or, or so I hear another voice downstairs. Oh, we better, let's go downstairs and find out. That's right. You better go downstairs and find out, Fiona and Blitzen. Because uh, down there, uh, there's some noise and it's, uh, a guest uh, seeking shelter from the storm. The noise down there, dear Fiona and dear Blitzen, is the arrival of one uh, Reverend Molding. But Reverend Molding's not alone. Reverend Molding has a flock with them. Oh, Reverend Molding, come on in, come on in. What, what have you... Uh, but you come, come in. It is storming out there. That storm is really blowing. What are you doing out there? Oh, th- thank you, thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a storm. Listen, I need a huge uh, favor. Yeah, I'm outside. Uh, what's that? What's that noise out there? It sounds like uh, it sounds like uh, what? It, what is it? It's a, is that buying? Yes, it's my sheep. They're buying. They got. I know this is. Uh, is there any way I could bring the sheep inside? I know this is. Uh, I hate to do this to your home, uh, Jenny. And I know, uh, the, like uh, this is totally. Could you please bring my sheep in too? Uh, they're, they're stuck outside, and and I just uh, just got them all together. Oh yes, Reverend Molding, send your sheep in. Come on in. Oh, look at these beautiful sheep covered in snow. A uh, little bit of hello, hello, hello. One sheep, two sheep, three sheep, four, uh, five sheep, seven sheep. Six, uh, how many more? Oh, 12, okay, 32, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, yeah, uh, but, uh, like, no, they say literal sheep. Uh, uh, but, oh, you'll have to teach us all their names. And don't worry that they're tracking mud and water. And it's fine. Come in, sit down, Reverend Molding. Sit down. Sheep, uh, I guess you do as you wish. Uh, uh, Blitzen, why don't you, uh, bring the sheep into the living room where there could be the fireplaces on there. And, uh, you know, we're going to redo that carpet anyway, so let them in there. The Reverend Molding, is that fine? The sheep could sleep on the carpet in the living room. It's very warm in there. And I'd love for you to be our guest. It's no no, no storm to be outside tonight. Uh, you could tell us all about it. It seems like it came out of nowhere. But Reverend Molding, you could, if you want to sleep with your sheep, you could have the couch. Otherwise, uh, we could figure out arrangements. We were all staying here tonight uh are you all right? Uh, here's a, oh, thank you, Rolfine. Yes, yes, Reverend. Here, have some, uh, hot cocoa. Uh, beautiful sheep. They are, oh, you have a curious look on your face. Are you curious the sheep? Uh, Reverend Molding, what's this, the look on your face? Are you still worried about your sheep? You seem, uh, yeah, it's a storm, uh, Ginny. It's not like anything. There's something strange going on out there. It, it, uh, well, I had this dream, so maybe my judgment's off, uh, and, uh, Blitzen, you were in it. Uh, you were made of wood, and 
I don't know if that has me off tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, that's why my look seems so distant, but, uh, well, there's something seriously not right about the storm, but the storm itself was strange to begin with. It came up quick, but, uh, I don't know. I just, my gut was off. And then as it got thicker and thicker, I started to sense, uh, that not all the snow was cold. And if you look in the back of my hood here, look at this. This is shredded plastic. It's not snow at all. But there is snow. You can see the water everywhere from me and the sheep. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, this is the plastic in the plastics warehouse. Uh, so something strange is, uh, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, Rolfine, you're the only one with clearance to know this. But at this point, uh, uh the storm itself is, uh, a result of the North Pole to the North. It sounds like your gut was right, and it does seem uh, that it could be uh, the North Pole Defense System. Uh, we do have uh, weather-making technology, and that'll be part of your NDA that you signed anyway, Reverend Molding. And that could cause a storm like this, and that would only be in a situation, you know, to obscure observation or... Something else, some other event could have triggered it. Uh, uh, but the plastic, I mean, like, uh, uh, there's plastic in the air out there. Let me open the, oh my goodness, like the snow and plastic mixed together, and it looks like even thicker snow. Uh, Fiona, is your phone working? Are you in touch with anyone? Yeah, it's, uh, right now, everybody have a seat. It's, uh, it is the defense system, and there's something else happening. It seems like uh, uh, the rebels, uh, the resistance, uh, has gotten into both uh, the wood, the metal, and the plastic uh, storage warehouses, and uh, uh, something's happening. Uh, but basically, it's just a storm. I think uh, no one knows. They say it's just a really bad storm. Uh, but Reverend Molding... Well, my dream, there was a giant Andy coming. Is, uh, is that part of, uh, uh, what's happening? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh, oh, my sheep are buying too. And as your sheep buy, Reverend Molding, and as you check your phone, Fiona, and Rolfine, and Ginny as you rack your brains, and Blitzen as you nod off, uh, we all wonder what's happening here at the North Pole. What's going on uh, as the wind blows the snow and plastic around. But you're all here together. And you're all here to help one another. And you're all snuggled in a warm place uh, full of uh, nice uh, fuzzy sheep. Uh, so maybe the answers will come in the morning. After a good night's rest, and oh, you seem to be listening to me and nodding and saying, okay, okay, well, the storm's too thick, uh, so let's all go to bed and get a good night's sleep. Uh, Ginny really is a leader, sending you off to bed. Nice job, Ginny. And Jack Frost uh, is nipping at everyone's nose that's outside right now, but also... 
nipping at your toes to tell you, hey, go to sleep, uh, sweetie poos, uh, a good night. Uh, I want to thank people that reviewed the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Deanna, not Troy, but it always works. Can't quite explain it, but it distracts the mind. And you'll find yourself the next morning wondering, how, when, when did you fall asleep? Definitely come back when my mind is restless and I'm ready for bed. Excellent. And Jill Ped uh, says, snoozeworthy. My sleep has improved so much. Used to wake 10 to 15 minutes after falling asleep, then struggle to get back to sleep. Now if I wake up, I don't even notice because there's Scooter droning away. Give it a try. Seriously. Uh, the Toss Mom says, I look forward to falling asleep now. I usually don't write reviews. This goes how much I believe in this podcast. A stay-at-home mom with two boys and run around a lot. When it comes to falling asleep, it's hard for my mind to stop running. You know, it would take hours for me to fall asleep. Discovering this show is the best thing that ever happened to me. Instead of dreading going to sleep and knowing to be up for hours, I can relax and fall asleep easily. My favorites are Star Trek episodes because I'm a huge Trekkie. Uh, it sounds strange saying I favor some episodes because I fall asleep to them anyway, but it makes me happier as I fall asleep. Please don't ever stop making episodes. Uh, better than a sleeping pill. That's Lake's Originals. Uh, when nothing else works, this will put me to sleep with just the right combination of unique humor and dullness. I always come back to it at bedtime. Uh, Elliot from Australia says, helps my insomnia immeasurably. I have become a patron of Spycast because it helped my sleep in an unbelievable way. Thank you, dear Scooter. Thank you, Elliot. Uh, Co Hooks uh, says, voice keeping me awake. Uh, speaking sounds harsh and keeping me awake. Don't recommend but you know who recommends it? Uh, Hackley number two. Uh, Scooter's words gently drowned out. Uh, the Debbie Downers in my brain as they slip under the covers. Uh, really dream about nuns, brainbots, and butterflies coming together for an adventure. Uh, my favorite character is the soda machine. Uh, maybe we could do a fundraiser to uh, do a big whopper with all the characters uh, melinda and sheffield thank you so much i just realized this is the first view i've ever written yay me yeah thanks melinda thanks sheffield uh, also M- mel thank you so much uh you no idea how the show helped a compulsive worry ward uh, like myself and seriously at one point he said uh uh you know i do like uh, to do a lot of overthinking like scoots uh and uh, I'm honored to consider you my friend. Uh, and uh, I just wrote a collider instead of what it's called. And that's like me. Uh, thanks, Mel. Uh, Bozeman, uh, Callie, uh, says it works. Thanks for helping me get back to sleep. Uh, uh, Petey Swag says, Scooter rocks my socks. Uh, the podcast is great. I feel like I've developed a personal relationship with Scooter. What's up, Pete? who seems to put a ton of work into helping people fall asleep. Uh, yeah, it's funny to think about it that way, but the fact is the stories are so pointless and meandering. It's near, narrating style so quality that these will help you fall asleep. Thanks, Scoots. By the way, you're an inspiration from your, for, for recovery. Thanks. For, keep it at Stay at it, Pete. Yeah, a Celtic gal uh, says, Excellent. Like a warm blanket on a winter's night. Like having someone read you a bedtime story till you fall asleep. Love it. And finally, I, I don't, I can't confirm, this isn't a confirmed, but Celine Dion, according to this review, uh, capital C and D, uh, I don't know why it works, but it does. I could hear her singing that, uh, to me or to her audience. 
I'm not someone who usually has trouble going to sleep. However, these last two weeks, I've been getting about two to three hours of sleep uh, for work on Monday. Heard about the podcast and another podcast, so I decided to give it a try. And I'm asleep within 10 minutes. I haven't finished any stories, which is great for my sleep. Thanks, Celine. Thanks, everybody out there for reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. Good night. All right, so we're back with another episode of uh, As the North Pole Turns. Uh, but I did want to mention Lauren had some good, uh, good, the cold and the beautiful, the sleighs of our lives and the young and the festive, uh, uh, which are great titles too. And uh, so let's see, where do we leave off last? Well, we're at the North Pole. I know that much. I do know that uh, it, when we started last episode, it was game night and uh, at the... Uh, Either the Jingle or the Jangle household. They did like Ginny, Ginny Jingle or Ginny Jangle. Maybe it's Ginny Jangle, Jingle, Jingle Jangle. Maybe that is it. Maybe it's a hyphenated last name. Ginny, Jingle Jangle or Jangle Jingle. And she had over her friends Rolfine and Fiona uh, for game night. And they played some, they were playing a game and Blitzen came home a little buzzed, heavily buzzed. Yeah, right at the edge of it. Then a storm came. Oh, also, uh, Reverend Molding had had a bad dream. And then Reverend Molding's sheep had got away. But then Reverend Molding found his sheep and, and his sock, saw, sought solace, uh, at Ginny Jingle Jangle's house, or Jangle Jingle's house, um, from the storm with his sheep, uh, and then the group realized that something was amiss because a lot of the storm was made up uh, from shredded plastic. And also maybe the storm was part of this North Pole. I don't know if they had a chance to do this exposition. That's a good thing about this uh, beginning part, uh, especially in a sleep podcast. Is, uh, so the, there's this North Pole defense system. I think stage one is just a heavy storm. And that way... Uh, you can't see anything because, uh, you know, so like this is 1950s. I think they even had spy satellites back then or the U-2. And uh, so they could cover it up. Uh, so you can't find the North Pole on Google Maps, maybe. I mean, you can find the North Pole. You know what I'm saying. Uh, then they realized that the uh, underground uh, or the rev- like uh, resistance, I can't remember what they're called, but they, they had a... Uh, uh, like they were up to something as far as like the shredded plastics. Uh, oh, also, just in case you're totally new, you really don't need to listen to the other two episodes. I give, I'll give you everything right now. Okay, so we're, it's a North Pole in the 1950s. Uh, this is a soap opera, but it's more of a melorama than a melodrama, which means lots of talking while events unfold in the background about, you know, mild personal uh, life. Uh, in the North Pole in the 1950s, uh, right, the main like uh, thing is that the North Pole is getting ready to transition to its main uh, natural, like not natural resource, obviously, but its main produ- uh, production. I don't know. The main thing they make to- toys out of is going to go to plastics from wood and metal uh, because of market, of, you know, just because of, uh, I don't know, that's, I guess, one of the reasons that, uh, people, there's a resistance because they say, you don't know about this change. Wooden plastic's pretty good for toys, uh, since when, or wooden metal. So I think that's about it. Oh, so the characters are Reverend Molding. He represents the plastics industry. 
in some manner, like a consultant at the North Pole. Uh, Ginny, Jingle Jangle or Jangle Jingle, she's the lead of the Alpha Unions, I believe. Uh, Fiona Fireside is a reporter for Alpha One News, and her partner is Rolfine. We didn't talk about it in the last episode, but I believe Rolfine is, uh, is like a, like a, she's part elf and part of maybe snow person. Uh, but I'm not sure on that, uh, cause it, it ended up not being essential to the plot, <laughs> the plotting plot. Uh, uh, but she is a lead reindeer trainer or in charge of reindeer training. Then you have Blitzen. Blitzen has been through something we're not sure. It was something mildly, you know, mild life event. Uh, and moved in with Ginny Jangle, Jing, Jing, Ginny Jing, Jingle Jangle. Uh, to kind of, you know, kind of like a rehab recovery thing. Uh, Blitzen and Donna are particularly close because they're like, uh, like uh, Donna, you know, Common Cupid, Donna and Blitzen. Uh, so Donner appears in the episodes, uh, but Donner's kind of a tertiary. I'm, I'm not trying to throw Donner anything, but, you know, Donner's kind of a tertiary character. So I don't really know too many deets about Donner. Donner cares about Blitzen, um, but maybe could be more sensitive to Blitzen's needs if, you, if you're asking me. But I'm, I guess maybe I'm closer to Blitzen, so that's where I'm coming from. Also, I don't know if Jenny Jangle's husband appeared in the first episode. Or, but there's been talk of him being with the resistance or the leader of the resistance, uh, which is an interesting wrinkle. And so when we last left off, everyone was at Jenny Jangle Jingle Jingle Jangle's house, uh, uh, dealing. Oh no, they went to bed because they said, holy cow, we're going to have to deal with this in the morning. Uh, a revolution at the North Pole. I don't know if it's a revolution, more of a chaotic disruption. And, uh, you know, snowing plastic and a, a storm, regular storm supplemented by shredded plastics. Uh, and we think communication and power has been cut off too. So that's where we, we open our new, we're going to jump ahead though. So I'll just prepare you for that. Uh, we're going to jump ahead. Like you'll be able to fill in the details, but basically we're going to be going to planning. They're going to be in a planning meeting. And Ginny Jangles, like, of course, the lead on that, uh, planning how they're going to deal with uh, uh, what they found out is going on, uh, which all that should unfold. It should be able to do a little backwards exposition with this uh, planning meeting. And I'll turn it over to uh, Jack Frost, uh, who does this place, sets the table for us with these episodes in a faux, not a narrator or conscience, but something in between. Uh, Ginny Jangle Jingle, uh, leader of the Elf Trade Unions. But can you lead Ginny as you go uh, with your friends? Uh, can you lead when you don't know where you're going and you're doubtful you even know what to do, uh, Ginny? Because seems like the North Pole needs a leader right now, but a leader that's... Uh, Maybe a little more clued in than you. Is that what you're thinking, Ginny Jangle? This is Jack Frost and nipping at your ear. Okay, okay, Fiona, go back over. What do we know now? Okay, here's what I've been able to get from my sources on the phone and from the reports at the station and the paper. 
Uh, the resistance has joined with some, uh, some, some, they're supplemented by something. And they took out that first plastic warehouse, which Reverend Molding has told us is just a backup uh, uh, for full production for next year. And they're headed to all the completed toys because this is their last uh, full season of metal and plastic toys. And it seems like they're setting out to, to, to get rid of all those toys. And I don't quite understand it, like uh, uh, what we know. Uh, but we know that they've launched the wooden soldier brigades and those, you know, those wooden soldiers move slow, but then terribly the two main pieces, which has always been rumored about, uh, the North Pole Defense Force is a giant, uh, the giant wooden, like, uh, I don't know if you remember as a kid, because even though they were the North, these were always decorations as well with the giant snow person statue. Uh, with arms and things is actually like can roll on that. It's made from wood and it is wreaking havoc in the, in, in it's disrupted most of the assembly plants and it is headed to, 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 to deal with, uh, and everything's in chaos. So no one even, these are the main things we would use to stop these things. Uh, but it's headed towards the metal toys. And then there's a giant metal, uh, I think you, Rolfine, you said it was aluminum or some, like, I don't know. It's some sort of metal, uh, remember they said, uh, oh, in the future we'll have Christmas robots. So it's present by 2000. And it looks like stacks of presents, but also a robot, uh, from the movies and those motion pictures. And it is, uh, it has a giant spring in its back, but I think Rolfine said that now it's did it say it's diesel powered now? Uh, but uh, whatever. So uh, that's headed for the wooden toys, uh, completed toys, ready to go uh, for Christmas Eve. And I just can't believe that it's in, in, in like uh, that, that that's what's happening. So that's what we have, Jenny. What do you think? Okay. Well, we went through that. Thank you for going through that again, Fiona. And here's what we have planned. We're going to deal with this, and it's going to be fine. We have plenty of time for the wooden soldiers, and we've charted out the wooden soldiers' path, and we expect them to head to the plastics facility. Uh, I don't know why. The res- I guess it's not time to ask reason why, because uh, I don't know why the, uh, they're doing this. Uh, they're going to disrupt all of uh, the holiday season. Uh, but here's what our plan is. Uh, we're going to split up into groups and we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to get this done. And we, I think we have developed a pretty good plan. So we're going to try to deal with, uh, the, the metal. The, don't worry. I know the ins and outs of the metal, uh, uh present by 2000. So that's going to be taken care of easily. Uh, so you two are going to go deal with that. Uh, then the four of us are going to, to go uh, deal with the wooden robot. I mean, the wooden, whatever, defense uh, snow person. Uh, because it's going to be a little bit t- 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 tough because just because of the density of the wood we used on that. Uh, and the fact that that one is also, we, we were working on upgrading it. Uh, so it's uh, like uh, it, ha- it has uh, some... I don't know. We'll deal with it. I have, I have, we have our plans. Everyone knows their roles and their team member. We're buddying up here, buddy, buddy. So let's, uh, let's get split up and let's head out and 
Reverend Molding, I think we're gonna we're gonna bring your sheep. Uh, well, we'll come back to the house and get the sheep because we're gonna use the sheep uh, uh, for the final stage. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's uh, get this dealt with, and then uh, yeah, let's go. Let's break. And break they did, Donner. And you headed off to help. Uh, now, Donner, did you ever think you would see the North Pole in such chaos like this? Uh, not that it's a surprise with uh, the chaos that goes inside of all your relationships, uh, Donner. And your need for order. Uh, it's strange, Donner, that your need for order causes such chaos. Uh, and the harder you've tried uh, to make everyone fit into the reins, as they say, for you and for poor Blitzen, the harder you've tried to squeeze everyone into those round pegs. Uh, the hard. Oh, did Jenny say? Actually, Jenny's talking to you, Donner. You better listen. Uh, Donner, I said, hand. Can you hand me that blanket? Thanks, Donner. You looked like you were a thousand miles away there. You got a lot on your mind? Uh, no. Oh, what was I saying? Well, these blankets. We're going to put these blankets over them and see. I'm just going to staple it in here. These blankets will hold uh, hold better because uh, uh, these are uh, these are the kind of blankets we use for the uh, the, the smoke brigade. So... Anyway, Donner, why I'm putting these on, and you keep handing me blankets. Uh, we, uh, we, 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 we were noticing that Blitzen came home pretty. Bl- Blitzen was blitzed last night a little bit, Donner, but a happy, according to Blitzen, oh, so happy a buzz. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about it, uh, and I know probably now is the nice time because it, it, all of uh, Blitzen's happy actions made me feel a little down and a little sad. Uh, and I know it's really not my business, uh, Donner, uh, to get involved in your business. Uh, but I'm your friend and I'm Blitzen's friend. And I mean, I guess I learned this the hard way. You're talking to someone on the outs. Uh, you can't make Blitzen be happy, uh, Donner. You can't, uh, even Blitzen can't make Blitzen happy. And maybe it's not about being happy. You know, it's about, uh, finding, finding it's like, what's going on here? And, uh, but maybe, I don't know. I was just thinking like, uh, even though it's not about being happy, what would make Blitzen, like what puts a smile on Blitzen's face or, Okay, hand me, hand me a couple more. We got to get these done. We're, we're doing good. You know, then we're going to, we'll pack it in here and we'll be ready to go. Um, like, you know what I mean? Is there any time you remember the lights uh, really coming on in Blitzen's eyes? Because it's been a long time. I don't know, Jenny. Well, when was the last time you talked about, uh, uh something and you felt like Blitzen was almost a Christmas tree? You know what I mean? Yeah, go ahead and relax. I'm doing I'm doing the work here. You're just handing it off. Uh, well, there was this time. Oh, I almost forgot about it because it didn't seem like that big a deal. But we were on an overnight with uh, the Colossus. Uh, we were out there. We were doing undercovers at these uh, fake North Poles. Uh, 
we were filling in on the, like second and third shifts, uh, and we were fake reindeer, and you know Santa was uh, uh, Santa Claus with the great beard and everything, and you oh you even came with your own Mrs. Claus, you know that kind of thing. Uh, you know Santa likes to check in on those operations, and this one was a little bit interesting because it was in a cold area too. And they had this big log cabin, uh, main lodge called the coffee house. And everyone in there, you could go in there and you could have coffee. You could sit by the fire. And in this particular time, you could just tell Santa what you were looking for for Christmas. We even had the reindeer inside. And while this was going on, they had a little stage and everything. And people were playing those acoustic guitars. I don't know if they're, some people said these were beatniks, Jenny, but I don't know what that means. Uh, and they were just doing carols. And some of them were a little bit more political carols. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember your husband was there. Uh, but a lot of it, it was just a spirit. There was a spirit there. And Blitzen was enthralled uh, with the whole thing, the wood the guitars, uh, the environment, uh, I just remember, uh, his eyes, uh, looking around the room and yeah, he was smiling and he said, what is it? Uh, and he said, this place is great. Uh, and every once in a while after that, I would wake up and I would look over and he would have that same look on his face, uh, and I said, what are you, what are you thinking about? Uh, and first he'd say, you. But then he'd say, the coffee house. Uh, and the first time I said, what coffee house? And he said, the one at the North North Pole, uh, Silly Goose. And I think he really liked that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, anyway, Jenny, I'm sorry. But, but I, I don't know what that has to do. Is it not like a... I mean, we have coffee here at the North Bowl. Okay, yeah, yeah, Donner. That's thanks for sharing that with me. That's powerful. I'm almost finished here, and I'm just thinking and wondering uh, how things are going with Blitzen and Reverend Molding uh, right now. Jack Frost here, Blitzen, uh, Blitzen, oh Blitzen, who is this Reverend Molding and? Why do his sheep follow him with such long eyes, Blitzen? What is he up to? What is a consult? Why, uh, why these plastics and why the sheep? Uh, none of it makes much sense, does it, Blitzen? Even more confusing uh, than before. Uh, well, Blitzen, these uh, steam plows are amazing devices. Uh, we're really going to pick up the uh, plastic in no time. I can't believe that outside the North Pole they don't have... Now, you see these are going to transition. The engines are going to change. Uh, but it's a steam-powered uh, plow with hot steam in the plow. Like, why wouldn't they put all the boilers of the plows uh, in there? And it's raised a little bit out the bottom uh, to relieve the pressure. Uh, but the plow is so hot, it's just melting all the snow. We're just picking all the plastic right up. But I just don't understand uh, uh, how, why this would work, why this wouldn't work anywhere else, Blitzen. Yeah, it's a, it's a steam plow, uh, Reverend Molding. Works with boiling water. 
No, no, Blitzen. I'm, I'm saying, why didn't it? Why doesn't? Uh, why haven't any of the other plow companies uh, uh, just put a steam boiler, uh, run their plows on steam? And uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Oh well, because it, what it does is it boils the water in the back, uh, but the water pressure builds up in the plow. Uh, the plow is airtight except for the steam holes at the bottom. You said right for the pressure. And to melt the snow. Now, if it gets really cold, uh, you know, they, they'll occasionally clog up, but not really because it's so hot. And then we can relieve the steam in the back. That's why I'm, that's my job. You're driving and I'm making sure the steam doesn't build up too much and that we can, I can let off the steam by pulling this lever out the back, uh, like the steam hole in the back. It's just like train, almost, uh, rubber molding, but, uh, you know, with the boiler in the front to melt the snow. Couldn't do that with plastic, I guess, huh? Oh, we could could not, maybe not. I don't know, Blitzen. Uh, but it looks like we're going to have, uh, we're gotta, it looks like we need more plastic. So let's just keep driving here. we got a little bit of time for a chat. Uh, it's great to spend some time with you, Blitzen. One of Santa's reindeer, one of the legends. Uh, it really is an honor to be trying to help you. Uh, deal with whatever's happening. A giant wooden snowman. I never thought I'd be dealing with that. It was a snow person, actually, uh, because it, it's just a statue. It was just a, a statue that would move for, for the kids. Uh, okay, Blitzen, that's terrific. Uh, Blitzen, how, like, uh, despite what's happening now, how have you been feeling about your future? You know, I'm, I was Reverend Molding. I look to the future and, uh, you know, I'm always thinking about the future. You know, that's why I'm here is I believe plastics are the future uh, for not just me for, or the North Pole, but for the whole world. And uh, how's your future looking, uh, you know, up until today or yesterday? But listen, because I notice you, uh, you're a little frowny, you know, reverend molding. My future is not feeling so great. Uh, uh, but shouldn't we just like keep collecting the plastic and not talk? uh I need to focus on this. I can't let this steam build up too much. Uh, you know, I have to let off some steam. Oh, Blitzen, you're talking almost like you're talking in riddles. Uh, oh, Blitzen, tell me. Come on. I'm here. I'm uh, Because I'm a reverend, it means you could talk to me. Uh, and I see it on your face. Uh, you're wanting something else, uh, Blitzen. Uh, something different. Uh, you just go ahead and tell me what, what it is you want, if you're comfortable, or what, what do you wish, uh, where do you wish you were right now? You know, feel the motion of this plow, the chugging, the you know, whatever these tracks are called, uh, as we go here, we're on it, uh, on this nice, uh, thing. Where are you, Blitzen, if you're comfortable? Where am I? You know, Reverend Molding, where I am, I'm standing. Uh, I got a mop in one hand and a mug in the other. And I'm just taking a sip of uh, my latest uh, cocoa invention. Uh, Cran cocoa, maybe. I don't know. That one I haven't tested out yet. And uh, and then I'm getting ready to mop uh, the floor. Uh, and it feels good. Uh, that's that's where I am. Uh, wood paneled floor with oil soap. <laughs> oh, 
reindeer from Santa's reindeer blitz in, uh, to clean up crew. Hey, that's where you are. Uh, maybe you're just comforting yourself by picturing something so different from our current circumstances. Or are you more of a, like a business person, blitz and janitorial? From Slanus, Santa's sleigh. Uh, to clean, to take your cleaning blues away, or something like that. But listen, uh, yeah, is that what you're getting at? No, no, not a. Uh, well, yes and no, uh, Reverend Molding. Uh, uh, not a janitorial service, but a coffee house, uh, a cocoa house, a house of cocoa with uh, wood, kind of like a log cabin. Where you go and you drink cocoa or coffee or tea, and people can perform uh, and play music and and uh, do poetry. They call it like a like a, where people can snap and and get down to the beat. Uh, maybe even some jazz music uh, on Friday nights. Well, that sounds like a little bit like a rev- revolution. Uh, what, what, uh, well, no, it's, uh, it's like a place of my own, Blitzen's, uh, Blitzen's House of Coco or Coco House. Uh, it's a place where other people can get on stage and I can be behind the Coco Bar or cleaning or shining or polishing. Uh, I don't know. Just, it's just, you're right, uh, Reverend Molding. It's just a dream I had. You asked me what I was, where I'd want to be, and that's where I'd want to be. Uh, just feeling the weight of that mop handle in my hand. Well, 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 I guess it's a future you've envisioned. That's great. Uh, speaking of the future, Reverend Molding, uh, is this plastic really what you make it out to be? I mean, we're getting a lot of it here. Uh, I think we should start pushing it towards where uh, Ginny... In honor are, uh, can it really be? Is uh, uh, like have all the benefits of wood and metal, and I realize they can't have all of all of them, but uh, you see just the benefits and not all the downsides. But uh, and I don't understand how you say it's a, a fix for limited resources. Doesn't it come from oil or something like that, uh, or? Or what? Uh, well, Blitzen, it is. It's, uh, it, it is in plastics an amazing thing. That's the warehouse Gin, Ginny and uh, Don are in, right? Uh, you just watch as we uh, come in here. We're going to take this plastic, uh, which has been shredded, uh, and I don't have time to explain everything, but we're going to heat it up, uh, and we're going to put it in those uh, giant snow snow pulps, uh, snow pulps that uh, Ginny designed, uh, that they over-engineered uh, uh, for snowball competitions. And then they said, well, maybe we could use these to defend the North Pole. And they said, well, snow catapults, uh, it's a good thing you still use them uh, for, for, well, yeah, we used them for the elves wanted to, uh, we figured out a safe way to use them for the, the elves wanted to put on these Olympics. But, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm sorry, Reverend Molding. Well, I'm just saying, so we're going to heat up these, uh, and then we're going to light them like, uh, like a beautiful candle. 
and then we'll launch these giant uh, plastic snowballs in some sense at the uh, the wooden snow person, and they'll stick, uh, but they'll keep the ca- the candle going, and we won't have. Uh, oh, there's a uh, giant. That is a giant uh, wooden. I'm glad they painted it uh, the color of snow. It's really shaking the earth. Uh, let's get in here. Hey, Jenny. Uh, hey, Donner. It's me and Blitzen. Well, it looks like we should enact our plan, huh, Jenny? Yeah, we could just, we'll just, uh, I have all these pots here. So we'll put all the plastic, start putting it in these giant pots, uh, and they're all on burners. And then we'll melt the plastic and dump them into the cat snow pulps. And then we'll, uh, we're going to be all set. It's going to be great. I just hope things are going well elsewhere. Uh, Rolfine and Fiona, uh, together at last, uh, working. Uh, together uh, to try to uh, help the North Pole. Uh, but can your differences be helped? Uh, can, can what's uh, left unspoken between the two of you find words? And is now the right time? Or is it not? Will the words uh, push you further apart or will they bring you closer together? Uh, what is it, Rolfine and Fiona? Uh, okay, Fiona. The, so the saltwater intake is right, right where Jenny said it. Uh, so we're going to run it right into... Uh, this is just like... Uh, I remember to the uh, when people feed their lawns. Remember we were reading those articles about uh, uh, green grass and uh, how the American suburbs are blooming with this unnatural green grass and they use all the fertilizer. So it's going to run, the salt water is going to run into the corrosives tank. And that's the tank they use uh, to test on all the metal to make sure that the paint uh, is uh, is on there. Because otherwise it will corrode with the metal right away. Uh, but when we spray it with the salt water, uh, that'll chip the paint enough that the corrosive can get in there. Additionally enhanced by the salt water. And uh, so you, do you have that screwed in there, Fiona? Yes, I do. It's uh, it's screwed right in, and it's looking good. Okay, so, uh, and then we just plug this other hole in, into uh, into the, the uh, ladder truck here, right? And then all we got to do is, is spray the bot uh, with the, the hose. Uh, the only question is, uh, how do we get the, uh, I mean, how do we get the bot over here? I think we've got it under control. I just got to think for a minute, and I just have so much, uh, like, everything with Blitzen and Donner and now Ginny. I don't know. It's just got me. It's, it's, I've just been thinking about it so much. Well, yeah, it's, it's been quite a night, uh, Fiona. I'm sorry. And I know I've been really consumed with uh, stuff at work and everything with Blitzen. I mean, uh, on a professional and personal level, it's not been easy. And all this, I think it's all this change up here. Maybe it's got us trying to not think about change. Is there any, and I know I've been saying no to a lot of stuff. Uh, is there anything that I could say yes to that you think I'll say no to? Uh, maybe that'll get things, uh, you know what I mean? Is there anything you've been meaning to ask me or you've been thinking about? Uh, 
like with all this change, uh, I don't know if you want to do it. Do I, am I making any sense at all? Oh, Rolfine, you're making more than sense. You're making music to my ears. And yeah, I do have something I've been meaning to ask you. And I was positive you would say no. And it's something simple. And it, I, it was it's silly that I didn't just ask. Uh, and then I kept not thinking about it uh, or trying to. And you know what happens when you do that? It seems even more and more appealing. And then I started to think about it and research it more. And then say, no, Rolfine's too busy. And Rolfine's uh, not into it, wouldn't be into it. Um, well, go ahead and just ask me, Fiona. It's okay. And it's okay if I say, maybe I'll say yes. Uh, but can you trust me to say yes or to say no? Oh. Yeah, I guess I can. I don't know. You know, what I'd like to do is uh, go square dancing and not just go square dancing, but take it. There's a when we were in uh, Cheyenne, they have a competitive uh, square dancing. And I thought, like, I know you don't like it, but I thought maybe the competitive part would get you. And they also have... uh, because then I was like, oh, maybe we could also do that. Like, I thought you might like the calling of it, too, even though, because you do that silly voice when we're in Wyoming. You call it Wyom, Wyoming, right? Remember that, uh, Rolfine? Like, would you want to take square dancing lessons with me? Fiona, I would. I would love that. Uh, and I love that idea. To be honest, I've been really feeling stagnant, too, and... I've been afraid to ask you because I've been wanting to do something competitive. Uh, and I'm started to feel like, uh, even with the, uh, I don't know, uh, I've wanted to get into something that I could focus on. And, and I don't know, I've really missed the competitive. I think that would be fun. It might be hard at first and I might get grouchy. Uh, but I think, oh, wait, I forgot. Um, I also, I just, I, I, I yes to the square dancing. But also, I just thought of an idea. What if you call in, I think, remember we were talking about that, uh, like one of the managers at the station is probably with the resistance. Uh, what if you call in a report uh, is that there's a hidden, uh, where, where we are right, oh, that's what I'll do, I'll do that. Uh, and then as soon as you call in that report, the the, um, the present bot 2000 will come and we'll just hose it down. And then, uh, then, then they'll rust and be locked up, like just like Jenny said. And then all our problems will be like. Then, then we'll have to go meet them uh, to cut off the wooden soldiers. Well, yeah, I, I like that plan, uh, and I love you. I love you too. Okay, l- l- I'm going to call the station and tell them that uh, uh, I'm I'm going to be reporting live from this. Uh, I, I guess I can only do a phone report. Uh, where we found a hidden backup cache of uh, wooden and metal presents below this warehouse. Well, that's brilliant, my uh, uh, square dancing partner. Thanks. Uh, you're my country time lemonade. Well now, Jenny, Jack Frost here. And it seems like your plan is going as planned. Uh, pretty darn well.
you've gotten the uh, snow person wooden uh, defense bots or whatever it's called uh, rolling around. Who would have thought uh, that something would roll around in its own sphere? And that would be an effective way to cross through snow or sand uh, quickly. Maybe one day it'll be made of something other than wood. Oh, but oh, those plastic snowballs, uh, uh, they, uh, they, t- they took care of uh, that uh, snow person won't be, uh, you know, messing up any toys in the near future. And Rolfine and Fiona really hosed down present by 2000. And present by 2000 is not going anywhere anytime ever. Uh, the combination of the salt water and the corrosives uh, shut that bot down. And that present won't be regifted, Ginny. Uh, don't mind me uh, joking. But it looks like that was all a trick because the wooden soldiers, uh, they seem to have been upgraded with ice skates and skis and, uh, whatever those things are, mushing shoes, uh, and they've already gotten to all the wooden toys and all the metal toys and now it, uh, doesn't look great, uh, it looks like, uh, they're headed, uh, uh, where would they be headed next? Uh, you've tried to guess. Would it be the plastic toys? Uh, or would it be uh, at the Colossus house? Uh, nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows why we haven't seen Santa or heard from Santa or Mrs. Claus. Uh, but something uh, needs it to be done. But Reverend Molding has an idea. But there's something about Reverend Molding, Ginny, isn't there? Okay, Ginny, so uh, just like the uh, the, the snow pulps, uh I think we could put these uh, uh, these things on my sheep and we'll, we'll make them, because these were for, uh, remember originally these were for uh, like, uh, like horses, uh, play horses, to make them for the... Uh, the GI Bills, uh, uh, to make the horses and they have little launchers and stuff. And I think we can fit them. We just have to, uh, we, we, we can, uh, I'm already molding some, uh, Reverend Molding is molding. Uh, I've injected some plastics here and the sheep are ready to go. And these sheep really listen to me. So what we can do, even if uh, the wo- they're just wooden soldiers, right? So if they she- see sheep that look like they're uh, weaponized to sheep, I guess, uh, we could just uh, cut them off. And the only thing is we don't know where they're going. Uh, uh, like, uh, oh, there's, here comes Fiona. Maybe she knows. Uh, Reverend Molding Jenny, I, I, I think they are headed to the Colossus house. That's the best guess we can get. Um, but Rolfine went out with uh, Blitzen and Donner, and she's going to be back any minute. Uh, but that's everything at the stage. Oh, here, they're, they're, they're flying back in. Hey, everybody, it's me, Rolfine. Yeah, so it looks like uh, the Colossus house, I don't think they're there. I don't know where Santa and Mrs. Colossus have gone. And 
uh, I only came back because, uh, I promised, uh, uh, Fiona I would, but I think they're headed to the reindeer. They're going to try to get rid of all the sleighs and, and, uh, that's the only place they could go. So we have to get moving. Uh, do, do, do you almost have these sheep ready? We do. Uh, we, we will have the sheep ready and we can get walking. We could still move faster even with them on, uh, uh, I can make up a plastic sleigh. I have an assemble your own plastic sleigh for uh, photographers and, uh, it should be light enough for two reindeer. Uh, so we could fly and my sheep, believe it or not, are very quick. Uh, so they could walk. Uh, if we could only delay uh, the, uh, the uh, wooden soldiers uh, uh, time enough uh, to, to get the sheep there on time. Uh, then I have a feeling the uh, sheep will save the day. Uh, so if we all get in this, see, you just put tab A into tab to tab B there. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll get going and we can, uh, we can cut off the uh, wooden soldiers. And in uh, also there was, was there any tin soldiers? I'm surprised, but anyway, let's get moving. Yes, let's get moving, Reverend Molding. Uh, get ready for your journey. It'll take you a little while to assemble that sleigh and prepare it. Uh, but we'll see how your plan works out soon. And if Christmas can be saved, uh, good night. I want to thank everybody that uh, supported the show over on uh, Patreon or on uh, PayPal. Uh, Catherine... Uh, Stacy and Sarah, thank you, thanks so much, and good night. Brian, Rebecca, and Rachel, thanks, thanks, and good night. Daniel, Ryan, Kay, and Robert, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Priscilla, Edward, and Amy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Ryan B, uh, Jennifer, and uh, Sherry, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, thanks again to Sarah, Andrea, and Madeline. Uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Natasha, Martha, and uh, Elaine. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Thanks again to David, to Tisha, and Renee. Thank you, and good night. Thanks, and good night to uh, Ellery. Thank you, and good night. And on uh, Venmo, I want to thank uh, Stephen, uh, Farron, uh, thanks and good night, uh, Lauren, thanks and good night, and Kristen, thank you very much, thanks and good night, uh, Tiffany, thanks and good night, and Anya, thanks and good night. Thanks everybody for supporting the show, all the work that goes into it, uh, thanks and good night. All right, welcome to the uh, final episode of our uh, ongoing holiday melorama soap opera. It takes place in the North Pole as the North Pole turns. And if you haven't listened to any episodes, I'll catch you right up. You don't get, you don't really have to listen uh, in any order because I'm going to go through everything and get you right caught up. Uh, so, how, like, uh, what is it called? As the North Pole Turns, is like it takes place in the North Pole in the 1950s, uh, right at the height of like uh, when everything was going great, uh, you know. But then they said, "Well, should we shift uh, from uh, you know metal and wood-based toys to plastic toys?" That's kind of the way the world's going down south of us. 
And just like any change, uh, there was uh, various uh, opinions about it. And it also triggered when, when you're faced with one kind of change, it, it, it kind of makes you like, this is what's great about it, not a melodrama, but a melorama. It kind of forces you to look inward. And, and we've been following the stories of some North Pole residents. And we've seen the reaction to this change and the other changes it's brought up. Uh, so we've been following uh, the the lead, uh, the elf in charge, the EIC of, uh, I guess, in everything. Uh, and her name is Ginny Jangle, Ginny Jingle Jangle, or Jangle Jingle. And she kind of uh, seems to run like the trade unions, like uh, for the elves uh, that are involved in toy production and delivery, I believe. And she is uh, has an estranged spouse uh, who's part of. Uh, we haven't uh, met him yet, uh, but he's part of an underground. Uh, you know, I, I guess like a like a like a, a movement that says, "Well, geez, I don't know about this plastic. Maybe not. To, I don't. I don't actually know. I don't have their um, any of their leaflets or manifesto handy." But it seems like they're saying they're questioning the change and maybe more broader changes. Uh, but in our end, it's like, oh, that, like that creates a strain. Uh, like, uh, with so that's with Jenny Jangle. That's Jenny Jangle. Uh, then we have uh, Rolfine and Fiona. Uh, Fiona Fireside, she's a reporter for Elf One News. And her wife, uh, Rolfine, I believe is uh, part elf and part snow person. I don't know if that's the same as, like, uh, that dude that had to get his teeth fixed in that one Christmas movie, uh, the snow snow person. I think it is. Uh, and she's the lead, lead, like, lead of the reindeer team, Rolfine. Uh, and, you know, they've kind of reflected, which is, what does this, all this change mean for our relationship? Uh, then we're following Blitzen. Uh, one of Santa's reindeer who kind of seemed to have been going through, uh, like, a like a super in, in, insular reflective moment after, I don't know, uh, uh, some tough times. And Blitzen is partners with, uh, Donner, uh, who's also on Santa's reindeer team. I, I don't want to like, uh, Donner seems like a tertiary character. No offense, Donner. I uh, hope you're not listening anyway. Uh, but you know, concerned with the 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 the, uh, the flourishing and the health of uh, his partner uh, Blitzen. Uh, then uh, there's a mysterious Reverend Molding in his sheep. Uh, Reverend Molding represents the plastic interests at the North Pole, uh, but seems to be willing to help uh, because what the backdrop is is the the underground or the resistance. Uh, is kind of put a kibosh on presence, and our team, the group of characters, is banded together. As uh, at first, they went against a couple, uh, uh, um, like a like a giant snow person and a giant uh, like wooden uh, something or other tree. I think uh, they were trying to take out all the toys in the North Pole. And I think they kind of they took out a lot, but not the plastic toys. I think I think that's what happened. Well, let's just say let's just agree to say that's what happened. Uh, but the wooden soldiers were also dispersed, and it seemed like they were going to uh, the Colossus House or to the reindeer, the sleigh storage. And all our heroic characters uh, seem to be racing to cut off the wooden soldiers uh, and save uh, what I would assume is Christmas. Uh, 
well, like, uh, what, what, what uh, kids care about the delivery of the toys. Uh, I, I don't know if there's, I think there has been a mention of the spirit of the season and, uh, that kind of stuff. But maybe that'll come up now because it's the last episode. Uh, there's also Jack Frost, who isn't the narrator, but, uh, uh, like a distant voice, uh, disembodied, but it's Jack Frost who has a body who kind of narrates every scene, like sets the place for every scene, helps make the internal dialogue even more internal, uh, or the interpersonal dialogue. And I think that's it. So right when we open, like there's did have some stuff happen, which I'll fill you in on now. Uh, like Ginny and her team, uh, decided they stopped it. They figured out that, the um, uh, the wooden soldiers were headed not to the Colossus, but to take out all the sleighs. And, like, and of course, Blitzen and Don are like, what about our reindeer pals? And what they did that we didn't, like, we don't need to cover is, like, uh, there's two ways to get to the reindeer. And they used, they had these catapults, uh, which were to throw snowballs, but they had put uh, melted plastic in there. And they caused a little cave-in, so one road was blocked. So all of the revolutionary elves uh, and the wooden soldiers have had to go through, like, a, which is beautiful. I, I don't know if you can buy property here, uh, but there's a little downtown, very picturesque. It's for elves only. I mean, it's not exclusive to elves, uh, but it's designed for the elven co-workers uh, uh, in the North Pole. It's their elven town square. And it's 1950, so holy mackerel, you know, whoever would get your Saturday evening post and, uh, you know, send it to the North Pole and bring it back, you know, send Norman Rockwell up there uh, to do some drawings. Uh, maybe that's what happened, uh, you know, so it has all these nice storefronts and uh, a giant town square, which is where uh, Ginny, Rolfine, Fiona, Donner Blitzen, uh, have decided to make, uh, like to, 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 uh, well, I don't know. They're trying to, uh, like block, uh, uh, the progress of the revolutionary elves and the, uh, I mean, you're right. I'm labeling these elves revolutionaries. I really don't, uh, uh but I didn't like to undergrow. I don't know. N no label seems right. Uh, I mean, cause there's so much more than anti-plastic elves, uh, and it's also confusing because they're not plastic elves. These are real living elves. Also, it can be, I could call them Christmas elves, uh, but that would be hard to distinguish between the elves that are uh, uh, part of the resistance. And you say, well, what are they resisting? Well, change, but I guess we all are. And so, so that may be confusing as well. But these aren't plastic elves. These are like, these are anti, like, uh, you know, can you see what I mean? Can you see my logic? Uh, uh, but that's where we are. We're in the north now. I don't. You might ask, where's Reverend Molding and Reverend Molding Sheep? Well, uh, Jack Frost, uh, take it away. Uh, thank you, Scooter, and thank you to uh, Soap Everywhere. Uh, soap uh, comes like snow in flakes. Uh, and welcome to another edition of uh, As the North Pole Turns. Uh, somewhere in the north, there's things happening, and they involve people talking about it to one another, and when they need to talk to themselves, they do it through me, Jack Frost. Welcome to another episode of As the North Pole Turns. Uh, Reverend Molding, you're here with your sheep, and you're trying to soothe them and prepare them. 
And w- will they follow you, Reverend Molding? I don't think there's any doubt they will. But will the other sheep uh, follow you, Reverend Molding? Uh, where, who's leading all the sheep? Uh, and where are they all going? And in the end, Reverend Molding, will there be scornful looks or will be thanks? Uh, or will the sheep even notice where they've been led? You know, Reverend Molding, I know you've always wondered, what if, what if you really, like, led sheep to a new reverend uh, to lead them around? Uh, what would happen then? But then you look at your sheep, uh, and as you calm them, it calms you, Reverend Molding. It does. Oh, yes, uh, here, let, let me, like, uh, make sure this uh, harness is on you, uh, Puffy Poo. Uh, don't worry, Blitzen has a plan, and it's going to be fine. And don't worry, I know this. these seem like things that uh, the G.I. Uh, soldier toys would have. Uh, but there's no pressure. These are just toys. Uh, and, yeah, these things do, like, watch when I press this button. Uh, that That is, uh, like, just like the Apollo 1 launching off your back. Uh, but it's just a plastic... Uh, and foam, which is made from plastic, that's what's on those fins. And Ba is right. Yes, it is, uh, Fifi. I really loved how that flew through the air. It was so nice. And it's nice being here. And my sheep, I'm, I don't, I know you're not worried. Maybe I'm worried and I'm projecting it onto you. Uh, worried that the plan I had has changed and. I, I guess I saw where the sheep headed one way and the sheep headed another way. And maybe I thought I was bringing one kind of change here to the North Pole and it ends up I'm bringing another one. And I, I don't know. I hope, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I like it here. And I want, like, just like you like to be all together. I like to be all together with uh, these people here. But I don't know if I'll be the one that they say, well, that was Reverend Molding's plan. I mean, I'm not an elf and I'm not a claus and I'm not a reindeer or a snow person. But, uh, you know, I had to change. I had to say, well, this was the change that I thought as a plastics consultant and a believer in the plastics industry. Uh, Farfel, can you come over here? Yes, Farfel, I did name you after that dog. Of course I did. Uh, but, uh, don't, there's no reason to worry, my little sheep. Uh, it's going to be fine. I'll care for you always. Uh, and, you know, no sheep will be, you know, unless, uh, and everyone here is nice. So if I end up, they say, Reverend Molding, you got to leave and head back to the world. You can come with me or you could stay here. But these they, they seem like animal lovers here. What's that, Zeekipu? Yes, I, yes, I, I did I did not say ba, but I was that an affirmative ba, that it's going to be okay? Oh, your baing is so calming. It's making me say that uh, I could go with, uh, I can go... And I can, you know, I can do it. You're right. Thank you for inspiring me. And you're right. We'll trust a Blitzen's plan for now. And then we'll trust that everything's going to turn out the way it's uh, supposed to be turning out. Uh, isn't it fun wearing these toys? Do you want to, does anybody want to fire a rocket at me? 
Oh, actually, I, I have to press the buttons, and only you can press the button. Well, what about a uh, 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 Scrapple? Come over here. You press your. Yep. Uh, oh, you launched a rocket, Scrapple. Great job. Yeah. Well, that one got blown by the wind. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's just uh, stuck in uh, ho 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 hose uh, hose uh, uh, fur. Or whatever. I know. I'm just nervous. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say you had fur. Ho 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 ho. Uh, well, you're the youngest. That's why I named you. Got you were uh, named when we we're at the North Pole. Uh, I could call you ho 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 poo. My little. Uh, you know. You're, you're one of my favorite. You're the newest sheep in, in our flock. Well, you're all looking at me, and all. So all we're going to have to do, according to Blitzen, they're going to buy the time. And then we're going to come in, and Blitzen's going to put on a show. And then, you know, they'll, they'll see the sheep, uh, and they'll say it's the GI sheep, and uh, they'll ask the uh, the everyone to stand down and to give up the quest. Uh, and that should buy enough time for everything. And I know you're all looking at me with your doe, your doe-like eyes, but does really have sheep-like eyes in my book, and... Yeah, maybe you're seeing that rusty truck that I had as a boy that I'll never forget. Uh, it seems to have carried me on to this quest all the way here to the North Pole, all the way through all those uh, chemical, you know, I had those jobs and those like uh, learning about ionic bonds and covalent bonds and uh, you know, other kind, you know, the, all those circles, those are the construction of atoms and all those other things uh, that I seem to have forgotten right now as I look into all your eyes and look back in time at that rusty truck that just wouldn't move. And Mother saying, well, why did you leave your only toy outside? And I said, well, why would they make a toy from something that rusts, Mother? Little boys leave their trucks outside sometimes. Sometimes we forget, uh, and Mother said it would teach me a lesson, and she was right. Uh, and, you know, we tried those paints, and they kind of worked, uh, but it wasn't fair. And especially when I tried to move that construction arm, and it just broke off. Uh, I mean, what kind of uh, uh, construction equipment? How do you have a backhoe without a backhoe? And who would, you know, I, I thought the truck, when you remember the day I got it, I've told you about it every night almost. Uh, and I said, I'm going to dig it myself and my family a swimming pool, mother. And she said, just remember to bring your toy in. And I did, but then I found how easy it was to dig in the rain. Within that time, it was a little chilly, and I just wanted to go in and get warmed up, and I left the truck out there. Oh, well. That's why we're here, my sheep, uh, so that never happens again. I mean, except in isolated cases, you know, where there's still, you know, those toys, we won't be able, it'll take a little time uh, to rid the world of uh, uh, toys. But, you know, plastics is going to fix all that. In our new plan, it'll make it even better uh, because there'll be some, like a third, you know, but we're going to be fine, sheep. Uh, so let's get ready to get going and we'll go on Blitz and Signal. Oh, Donner. Oh, Blitzen. This isn't Commodore Cupid talking. This is Jack Frost uh, talking in your ears. Uh, 
And Blitzen, you're in charge of all of this now. You've taken the lead. You've taken the reins uh, of this distraction. But you seem distracted, Blitzen. Or something more than distracted. Like your distraction grew and grew. And when you talked to Donner about it, it became something more. Something much more solid, uh, Blitzen. Uh, so what's uh, going to happen? And can you manage uh, this uh, distraction? We're going to find out, aren't we, Blitzen? Okay, Blitzen, so go, so let me run through it again. I love your plan, by the way. So, I'm going to be, oh, not, no, no, I didn't mean the plan for today. I think I'm ready for that. I just have to stand here and, uh, because they're coming across the town square now and just invite them over to the, the cocoa bar, uh, where we'll, uh, you're going to do, who's going to do all the talking? Oh, Jenny will. We're just, uh, I'm just here to, but I was talking about your other plan. Well, you say it's a dream. It sounds more like a plan to me. Like I'll be behind the scenes of this place. Uh, like I'll be doing accounting. I, I, that sounds exciting. I've always loved things like that. And will I be doing ordering and logistics? You know what I'd like to try, to, like, to try my hooves at, uh, Blitzen is, uh, and negotiating, like, uh, you know, what, what, what cocoa discounts and marshmallow discounts, uh, uh, are you going to have, uh, how many different kinds of peppermint cocoa are you going to have, buddy? Well, I've been thinking a lot about it. Thank you. Uh, listen, we, we got to focus. So Donner, uh, we got to focus on making this, uh, like, uh, here, here, here comes some of you see, they've already sent some of the, uh, these are some of the. If they're at yourselves, just like, hey, come on in. This is welcome to Blitzen's place. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Uh, yeah, we have some revolutionary new hot cocos, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, well, this is just a pretend Blitzen's place we set up here in the town square. What are our, our mugs are made from ceramics. Yeah, we're going to put on a little demonstration for all of you. And, you know, we can't stop all of you and the wooden soldiers, uh, we just wanted to say, well, if this is what's going to happen, if uh, you're going to, uh, whatever, you're going to take out the sleighs, you like, uh, we want to make sure our uh, all our other reindeer are okay. Uh, so we are buying time, and they're going to leave. Uh, you've, uh, you, you, oh, you know about the backup sleighs that Santa had. Well, these are the main sleighs here. So why don't you have a cup of cocoa before... Uh, you know, that's like, we can't keep you from doing what you want to do. We're just here to, uh, uh, serve Coco and we have a little show for you. And, you know, we thought we'd have a little, we'd make the most of it. Uh, but this is also a prototype. I'm thinking about having my own place. It would be called Blitzen's, uh, uh, or Blitzen's Coco Bar or Blitzen's Hot Coco and Smiles Are Free. Yeah, see, I got y'all. Yeah, come on in. Hi, hi, hi. No, no, no. We, we, we're not. Uh, there's no, there's no sleeping things in the tea, the uh, cocoa or the tea. No, I mean, no, I'm not saying that ironically either. Uh, really, isn't. Uh, I wish I would have thought of that uh, because we would have done that if I would have thought of it. But so I just thought of it now. Too, not, not time enough. I did grind up some candy cane though into candy cane dust, uh, and you could sprinkle that in there. We'll give it a, 
No, and this is uh, essential oil of peppermint. So we, we go easy on that. I can, you know, I'm going to be the, I'm going to get behind here. Yeah, we have a DIY. This is a DIY cocoa bar, but I can also make you this. Oh, what is this machine? It's a milk frother. No, no, it really is. That's really what it's called. Uh, uh, let's see. It's uh, from Europe. Uh, a long time ago, uh, we were on a trip to Europe and, uh, I saw this. It froths the milk. Uh, no, it's just really, it's just, you just, it's kind of like a fancy spoon with, uh, like a, between a whisk and a spoon. Exactly. Now, let me ask you a question while you're here. Are you, like, are we buying time? Uh, yeah, till the show starts. Uh, uh, Fiona and Rolfine are going to be doing a show in a few minutes, uh, to keep you entertained. And so you can rest, uh, before, you know, if you're going to put it close to Christmas, uh, you know, we still have some sleigh crafts, people. It would just be this Christmas. Uh, oh, all the sleigh. Oh, that was a trade. Even the apprentice uh, sleigh makers have joined your cause. Uh, another reason to uh, let, let me froth your coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's like a spoon and a whisk. Did I tell you that? Uh, yeah, look at this. See how the frothy that milk gets. Uh, oh, no, it affects taste and mouthfeel. And look, look at us. I pour it in. Uh, but what I was saying is, would you uh, come to a place like this? We could have, we may have music. Uh, tonight we'll have uh, a little performance, a test performance. This is their first show, and they just designed it in the last eight minutes. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, uh, sit in the snow. I made snow chairs out of the snow. I'm sorry I don't have real chairs, but uh, we did our best. Also, I have hooves, so it wasn't easy. Uh, but I would love to serve you in the future. Uh, no, 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 not serve your cause. I, I guess I'm uh, I'm a little torn myself about the whole thing. Uh, well, be honest. Uh, yeah, maybe we're, uh, I don't like the idea of you putting a stop to, to the delivery presence if that's what you're trying to really do uh, until they go back, until Santa changes him, his, his mind and it consults with... Uh, um. I guess I'm not even clear. So you just don't want plastic, so you don't want Christmas. But but anyway, I, I'm torn because I love uh, serving cocoa. And Donner here was going to be behind the scenes. Uh, we were going to open our own place. Uh, so I may be off the board anyway. It would go, you know, Rudolph, uh, Common and Cupid. Uh, listen, Rudolph, Red Rose Reindeer. You know, Dasher and Dan- oh, Dasher and Dancer. You know, Common and Cupid. Uh, uh, you know, you know, there's a, a flash. Uh, that's that one with the flat, like the lightning bolts, and uh, uh, Spotty McGee, uh, Edgar, uh, Louisa. Those are all. Uh, those are the top four uh, out of the academy. Uh, so you know, and there is a retirement age. Uh, no, people couldn't take. Uh, they, uh, there are reindeer that do take on names of retirees. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm just glad you're here. Welcome to Blitzens. Uh, make yourself at home. Make yourself at home, indeed, Blitzen. Here's Rolfine and Fiona. Uh, can you hear me, Rolfine and Fiona? Can you hear me asking you a question? Can you hear me wondering, Rolfine and Fiona? Are you round pegs uh, trying to fit into a square dance or uh, square dancers on a round stage? 
I don't know, because when I see the two of you, I feel like I just see two lovers uh, dancing in the right place at the right time. Is that what it is, uh, Rolfine and Fiona? Is uh, everything coming together just fine? Uh, or is it time to swing your partner round and round and round? Yeah, no, you, that's what you say. You say swing your partner round and round. Well, the idea would be we would, yeah, no, we would, uh, we'll just get all the elves dancing. And then you say bow to your partner left and right. Uh, these are all the only thing you can make it up, Rolfine. You're creative. Uh, think about all the drills you do with the reindeer. I don't know why you never introduced square dancing or any dance. I did suggest, uh, uh, I heard that ballet that some football players in the, down the south were doing ballet. Well, I know you don't think you can do it, but I know you can do it. Uh, I believe in you, Rolfine. And uh, you think about it like a competition because uh, we really do. Okay, everybody, thanks. Oh, they're, they're already, you're going to do great. Uh, hi, my name's Rolf, uh, My sorry, I'm Fiona. Uh, this is uh, Rolfine. And uh, Rolfine, you, yeah, of course you all know us. Uh, oh, we are the North Pole's favorite couple. I don't think that's true, but maybe are the unofficially the fav- unofficially the favorite couple. Great, thank you. Well, thanks for stopping before you uh, like uh, get rid of all those sleighs or whatever. And thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. We have had something that's been remiss at the North Pole, which is uh, square dancing, and it's a form of dance that I'm just becoming familiar with. And as soon as I did, I fell in love with it. And it, it, like a lot of, uh, I, I know, like, uh, you may have seen me on the news. That's why you're all kind of, I see a sparkle in your eye, even though revolution's in the air. Uh, I guess appearing on the nightly news, uh, really gives me an advantage. Uh, don't be starstruck. I want you all to be the stars of your own square dance. Rolfine, I forget that being a TV gives me authority. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to introduce you to this new dance. Now, it, it's the first time in a normal we, we would try to get dressed up for it. Uh, and it's a kind of dance uh, that uh, they say this is going to be the future. The Americans, they say this is going to be the future of physical education for children in America. They're going to introduce it as part of their physical education program for ele- elementary schools. Uh, but it's also something people do for fun. Uh, so here's what, here's the things you, you, everybody break into pairs and just doing it like, uh, or you could try like, uh, okay. Wow. You're really good at that. Uh, I guess cause you're in like, uh, you're part of the resistance. Maybe you do already buddy up. Oh, that's why. Perfect. Uh, if only I had had like a trick on my sleeve, we could have used that in the cocoa to put you to sleep and then figure out who's buddied up with one another, but we didn't do that. Well, we're just buying time. So then you're going to bow to your partner. No, if you put your one hand on your stomach and one hand on the small of your back, it adds, doesn't that make it fun? Everybody's laughing. Uh, now you're going to interjoin your arms, just like Rolfine and I am doing. And then you're just going to follow Rolfine's lead. Uh, go ahead, Rolfine. Okay, everybody, welcome to the uh, first North Pole uh, hoedown. A square dance. It may be called a hoedown, but I'm not sure. 
and I'm going to take on here a little country. My name's Rolfine, so glad to have you here. Now, bow to your partner left to right. Now swing your partner around and round. And keep swinging until you giggle. Uh, very good. Usually I do it in a sing-songy voice, but um, this is my first uh, hoedown. Thank you, everybody. Uh, now, switch partners to the left. Uh, other left uh, there, uh, uh, Spackle. Oh, boy. Now, bow to your partner on the other side. Oh, what, what do we do next? Uh, okay, swing your partner round and round. Okay, uh, now put your left foot in and uh, put your left foot out. And, uh, okay, and now shake your shake the hand of the person across from you. And uh, if anybody wants to take square lessons, uh, Fiona and I are going to be giving them in the new year. And we'll have an actual official first uh, square dance. Uh, thank you for participating. And it looks like there's, what, what are those uh, behind all your wooden soldiers there? They've just been standing silent waiting for us to, uh, uh, those are sheep. Uh, they seem to be weaponized to sheep. Uh, oh, no. Uh, is that the new North Pole Plastics Defense Force? Uh it seems like they're there to stop you. It looks like they have, like, uh, uh, some sort of harnesses on there. I hope, uh, uh Reverend Molding, what are you, uh, Reverend Molding's way back there, though. I don't know. I guess, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, I guess wait till the sheep get here. Do, do you want to all give up your mission of getting rid of Santa's sleighs? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should hold for a minute. Maybe you should hold for a minute, uh, Rolfine and Fiona. And what is that coming across the town square? The wooden soldiers behind, uh, the sheep is Reverend Molding, but in front of all of them is standing under that tree, Ginny. Uh, seems like you had everything figured out. Uh, you already know what's going to happen, don't you, Ginny? Or has your brain not uh, realized it yet? I think the part of the brain I'm talking to has. Uh, and you'll realize it soon as he walks towards you. Uh, your long lost love. And the bond between the two of you is strong. Uh, not, uh, not as strong as his will, as his uh, stubborn ideals, as you told him once, uh, Jenny. Uh, he would never change, and you knew he was driven uh, to an act of change. Uh, so how are you going to handle the change that's coming, Jenny? Uh, hey, are you coming to give up? Because we have all those sheep there, and uh, Reverend Molding has them uh, pretty well trained. I don't know if you heard, that's a crack squad of sheep, uh, and I don't see a reason to ruin the wooden soldiers. Uh, so is that why you're here, or is there another reason why you're here? Or are you just going to look at me silently because you're not here to give up? Uh, you're here to hug me and to say uh, you're sorry, barely audible. Well, uh, I guess I could say I forgive you, and I guess I could say I'm sorry too. Well, maybe we should talk about that another time. And I've accepted that things changed between us, and 
our past went a different way. And I'm sorry about all this change at the North Pole. The change, what do you mean the change isn't finished? Uh, I mean, why would you just uh, get rid of uh, the slaves? Uh, have I noticed anything with uh, Ed Donner and Blitzen? Yeah, I think they've had enough of delivering presents. Uh, but there's younger reindeer, Wolfine and Fiona. Well, they want to change too. I mean, their relationship is strong and uh, they're flourishing with one another. And uh, sometimes when people flourish, they change in unexpected ways, and that seems to be what's happening. So, yeah, maybe their roles will change, but there's other people who want to report the news and and train reindeer. So what do I want to do? Uh, I don't know that I want to talk about it right now, to be honest. Uh, Go visit Blitzen if Blitzen starts a cafe or whatever Blitzen's calling it. Uh, Maybe go square dancing. I just want things to work out, and I didn't know why. Wait a second. You really, you really are, we're, we're not buying time. You are, aren't you? Okay, so I've been the one that's been uh, fooled. Uh, the change was bigger than I thought. That, oh, man, how did I not figure this out? Uh, so what's going to happen? Like, Santa's going to stop delivering presents, isn't it? Uh, and then the reindeer won't have to deliver presents, and the elves won't have to make presents out of plastic or wood or metal. So the bespoke revolution, the handmade revolution, elves will still be able to make toys, and uh, Santa will still be delivering toys. Uh, well, who's going to give the children toys of the world? Uh, it's not sustainable giving away toys uh i know i i know that i'm i'm a grown elf uh, you don't have to explain it to me i mean i guess i was in denial i mean i realized this was going to happen part of me but then part of me said no 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 uh, the traditional role well i know it hasn't been traditional since the beginning of time uh, but it's not like we're valentine's day you know what i mean i didn't think that uh so Santa's going to be a figurehead. Uh, well, I, I mean, I also knew that. Uh, and was Reverend Molding behind this? Uh, was that the whole idea of transferring so that was real? Oh, so by uh, starting the transition to plastics, you realize that, uh, yeah. so now everyone at the North Pole is going to be able to... Uh, do it because they love it. Uh, oh, like, okay, this is making more and more sense. Uh, so you weren't anti-anything, really. You weren't anti-plastics. You're not anti-Christmas. Uh, uh, you're for uh, the holiday spirit. Uh, wait, one day uh, the elves will be able to share their... So there'll be more handmade toys. Uh, and then what'll happen with the toys? Oh, all the elves will go to, oh, craft fairs. Uh, so they'll go and sell them. Oh, through a third party human intermediary. Okay. And we could sell them to one another. 
So no more mass-produced toys. I didn't, you know, I didn't like that anyway. These giant toy factories and, I mean, we did watch that Charlie Chaplin movie over and over again. And that did seem like it was starting to get like that. And I understand that you thought the plastics were going to be one more step further in that direction. Uh, but I guess I was always thinking of the Christmas magic, the holiday magic, the North Pole magic in the wrong way. Because uh, I guess, yeah, they say that the North Pole of magic is right there in your heart. Uh, but then I thought it could fix everything. But I was seeing it in an all or nothing way. Like uh, all of the toys have to be delivered uh, to all of the children of the world. Uh, and switching to plastics is going to enable us to do that. So that was the original plan. This wasn't a smoke screen. That's just what I really want to know. And I want the honest answer. So we were going to switch to plastics, and why well, know Santa Claus is get burned out. That's why we change it, uh, but we got to keep that. Yeah, I, I would love for one day to be there to be Roberta Claus, believe me. Well, that scientist, uh, uh, that's an interesting idea. I don't know if the world's ready for a Roberta Claus versus Santa Claus. Uh, but I do believe that I uh, even how I feel about you has changed. Uh, and I thank you for sticking to your beliefs. I mean, I think we should remain uh, friends or whatever we want to call this between us. Uh, but, uh, oh, Reverend Molding's bringing the sheep into the square dance now. So everybody's, uh, the word's leaking out. Uh, it dawned on a lot of people, you're right. Uh, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me sooner. I felt like there was a voice in my head telling me that I already realized it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that that could be, but, uh, like, uh, do you want to square dance? You could bow to me as my, you're my partner. Well, let's swing each other round and round, uh, and, uh, and turn round and round and round and round and round and round and round they go. It's just like the North Pole turns round and round. Jack Frost here. Uh, saying uh, good night to the holiday season here at the North Pole uh, to Reverend Molding and Reverend Molding Sheep. I don't know if they'll be accepted at the North Pole. Uh, to Fiona, uh, to Rolfine, to Donner, to Blitzen, uh, to Ginny, and uh, uh, to everyone at the North Pole. It sounds like it changes. If it was, this was the 1950s and uh, Jack Frost is speaking to you in the uh, uh, 20, uh, 20 t t t teens, late 20 teens. And if you've always wondered, uh, those of you that are listening now, why Santa doesn't bring all of your presents, uh, why some of them you see in the stores, children, and you say, how come some of my toys seem like they could have been made by elves, but other ones you could just buy at Target? Now you have your answer. Things change, and uh, distribution production methods uh, change, and the North Pole changed and said, hey, maybe this isn't for us, this mass production. Uh, it's strange that it was uh, anti-consumerism that uh, triggered the consumerism of Christmas in some sense, but uh, the irony is not lost on Jack Frost. Uh, it keeps me warm. Uh, there's some irony for you.
but that's uh, why nowadays you get your presents, uh, kids. Uh, Santa brings them still, but you get access to all the great presents of all the great mega, you know, you say, which one of these three companies uh, that produces every, almost every, like, uh, which, uh, this company makes uh, uh, food and uh, uh, toys. Uh, how do they do it? Uh, and how do I contain my joy? You know, saying I'd love to have a wooden choo-choo train, but I'd also like this electronic doohickey and this doodad. And that doll that I can assemble myself with Arduinos. Uh, I don't even know what the heck that means, as uh, Jack Frost. Uh, but that's how that all happened. One year in 1950, uh, everybody decided that one change wasn't enough, uh, that maybe it would be a two-change. Uh, and they said, hey, let's see how this goes. Let's keep crafting toys, elves. Uh, Let's craft it for the love of making toys and not for the love of uh, making toy, you know, producing toys, I guess. That's what the decision came down to. And it seems like it worked out pretty, it worked out, uh, worked out for me, Jack Frost, because he gave me a job to visit your ears this year. And I hope wherever you are, if you're listening, uh, Jack Frost, uh, it will be uh, gently blowing at your nose instead of nipping at it and saying to you and yours, however you celebrate or whether you just uh, take a warm bath and say, I don't like, uh, you know, all those other things. It really comes down to uh, uh, having hope for 2018 uh, that we can be the change we want to see that we can start with kindness to ourselves and the ones closest around us. And uh, the dignity and respect that seem to go on at the North Pole in the midst of all that change, maybe we could have some of that. And, uh, uh, you know, Jack Frost and everybody at Sleep With Me loves you very much. Uh, so happy holidays. Uh, I want to thank uh, everybody who supported the show with their hard-earned money. Uh, brought you this episode tonight over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash patron and then Venmo and PayPal as well. Uh, Dustin, Katie, and Ashley, thanks, thanks, and good night. Emily, Lena, and Crystal, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Lindy, Diana, and Catherine, thank you, thanks, and good night. Emily, uh, Christine, and Brianna, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jenny, uh, Jess, and uh, Karija, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Melanie, uh, Todd, and Jennifer, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Aaron, uh, Janelle, and Rose, Rosa, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Kelly, Margaret, and Patricia, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Danielle, Kirsten, and Kate, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Patrick, Michelle, and Sienna, thank you, thanks, and good night. Maz, uh, Stacy, and Cindy, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Leanna, Eve, and Luigia, Luigia, uh, thanks, and good night. Uh, Adia, Rhonda, and Kay, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ted, Gladys, and Lynn, thank you, and good night. Carl, William, and Victoria, thanks, thanks, and good night. 
Uh, Judy, Chris, and Sherry, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jessica, David, and Danielle, thanks, and good night. And Virginia and Kate, thank you, everybody who supported the show on Patreon this week. Uh, also want to thank uh, people that supported the show over on Venmo, Sarah S., uh, Lisa, uh, and uh, Stephen, uh, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. And uh, then over on Venmo, Elania, uh, thanks, thanks, thank you, and good night. Uh, Reed, thank you, thank you, and good night. Andrew, thank you, and good night. Debbie, thank you, and good night. Mary, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jerry with a G, thanks, thanks, and good night. Carolyn, thank you, thank you, and good night. Elizabeth, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Monica, thanks, thanks, and good night. Ellery, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show, and good night. All right, hey, everybody, it's uh, time uh, for uh, the holiday uh, editions of Tale of the Tape uh, the next few weeks here as we lead up to the holiday season. And I said to my brain, what's a Thanksgiving like era? Uh, like, what? And I said, I don't know if there are any good Thanksgiving specials that I can remember. And I know there are. Uh, the cornucopia that cried. That was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> maybe I'll tell that next week. Maybe, maybe that'll be a Tuesday episode. Uh, uh, the call, the calling of the cornucopias. That that movie changed everything for me. Children of the cornucopia. Uh, that one. Uh, that one was a good. That was another good one. Uh, they said, "Hey, we got." I think that was like the beginning of the Star Trek: The Next Generation. They said, "Well, we have plenty. Why don't we just explore and be kind to one another?" Since we live in an era of cornucopias, uh, corn cob and cornucopias. That was a fan fiction. That was the sequel to my sequel of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Bread Knobs and Boomsticks. And then I wrote whatever I just said, cornucopias and whatever. I can't even, candies, candy corn, corn, oh no, that was another, that was a song I wrote, candy corn cornucopia. And I think I'm out of cornucopia material. That was, uh, that was something I said earlier just now. <laughs> uh, cornucopia of corniness, uh, the, the Scoot story, uh, version 45. Anyway, so I was, I was saying, okay, what holiday movies can I cover this year, 2017? You know, and I said, okay, my brain, there's two I'm thinking of, but then this one's a big one. And I but believe it or not, so so we'll do we'll cover it. If I Once I think of the name, uh, Home Alone is the name of it. And if for some reason I associate this movie with Thanksgiving, uh, maybe because I think it might be one one or two channels that's on 24 hours a day on Thanksgiving. Though the different channels now, they like I don't have, uh, I haven't had linear cable in a long time. Here's the thing, like uh, I don't mean to endorse any products, uh, but I've, I've been testing out non-linear cable products for over two, three, four years. I don't even know. Whenever they started, uh, what do they call them, cord-cutting cable services? And if you want to know the one I love, you can email me. But but uh, it's the name of a video game console by a high, by a head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, so there's two I haven't tried out. Uh, 
but I really, I literally went running back to this service after testing a couple other ones out over the past two months. Uh, because you kind of do miss that, uh, I don't know, it has the best of both worlds, I think. When you want to stroll the cable channels, you can do that. Uh, they don't actually do that, so I'm not sure if you actually, like, you can look at the guide and scroll, you know. But anyway, I'm pretty sure this movie, Home Alone, is uh, was, on, was on 24 hours a day. Maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's uh, New Year's, maybe it's uh, Thanksgiving, but I associate it with Thanksgiving. Well, why? At the end of that movie, the kid's given a lot of thanks. I think it might take place. I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, but it, it, it's a movie that I did not see until about three years ago. Maybe I saw it. Uh, not sure, I'm sure, not sure if I saw it before or after I started the podcast for the first time. And there were times the movie was on. I think, like, somehow, I guess maybe I saw it in the background a couple of times, but I never even was sitting not doing other things or even sitting, like, heavily under the influence watching it. Uh, like, I missed the boat on Home Alone. And, uh, like, I don't know why. It, not like I went out of the way to say, I don't, like, I guess I, like, a little bit had a snooty attitude, maybe 25% snoot. Where I said, well, do I need to see that movie? I could, like, make it up in my head. And I'm not sure if I've seen any of the sequels either. Maybe I've seen a couple of those. But, it like, uh, I don't know. Is there two sequels? There's Alone in New York. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know when those movies were filmed. Maybe I lived in New York when, like, uh, Home Alone 2 was filmed. I'm not sure. What was my point? Uh, well, I missed the boat. Part of it was like, yeah, I don't need to see it. But I think the other 75% was just like, uh, like I just missed the window. So maybe 50% just always missing it. Uh, didn't see it in the theater, clearly. And I guess like you, you like when I'm looking back, I said, well, was I like, like, I don't, I don't think I have anything against Macaulay Culkin. And once Macaulay Culkin and uh, the f famous handsome actor whose name I can't remember at this second, uh, they had this meme thing going one or two years ago. Uh, like it went from liking, like, uh, I guess not having a like serious opinion of Macaulay Culkin, like either way, just saying, well, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, to really li like loving who's a famous actor. What's the, he was in the Blade Runner. La La Land. He's Ryan, Ryan, I almost said Ryan McGosling, but Ryan Gosling. So Ryan Gosling and uh, Macaulay Culkin, you know it's a sleep podcast when someone's describing memes to you and they're taking it like, uh, so welcome to sleep with me, but welcome back. If you drifted off, I'll put you right back to sleep. Uh, so at some point, Ryan Gosling and Macaulay Culkin were wearing T-shirts of each other, wearing T-shirts, like a MC, very MC Asheris. Uh, I don't know how, many of, how much of it was real and how much of it, but it seemed like they were just printing out shirts. Like, uh, it was really good. Like, uh, I guess I'd say cute, uh, char maybe charming. And uh, so, so, but I don't think I ever had a negative opinion of Macaulay Culkin. I mean, maybe some jealousy. I'm, I'm trying to just mind why didn't I see this movie? Uh, but it, like, I guess I don't have an I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good excuse. But I guess it, like I'm not saying there's no excuse for it. Uh, but I will say this: I was so pleasantly surprised the first time I saw Home Alone from beginning to end.
Also, a couple other things. Believe it or not, even though I watched it three or four years ago, it was on VHS when I watched it. It was at a place I used to work uh, with youth, and we decided to watch it. I'd uh, like to kick off the holiday season a few years ago, and we just happened to have a donated version of Home Alone and a VHS. That was like uh, the kids like got a kick out of watching VHS tapes. Uh, not waiting for them to rewind, though. And we didn't have a DVD of Home Alone. So we sat down and watched Home Alone. And this was, so this was the first time I watched it. Uh, and then the preceding year or two, I would watch it about 8,000 times after that uh, while I was doing other work because uh, the kids would keep watching it or some kids would leave. Uh, so at least in the preceding weeks, I probably saw it 10 more times. Uh, which is really going to blow your mind when I try to remember anything about it. But I only watched it once in completion uh, from start to finish uh, in my own defense. And I really I really found it a incredibly charming and uh, a good movie. And, oh, no, maybe I watched it again with my daughter. Uh, okay, maybe back up, Scoots. Uh, Maybe I watched part of it at work and then watched the whole thing with my daughter. Because I remember I said when it, when she watched it, it was like a little bit out of her league. So maybe it was like four years ago, maybe three years ago when you watch stuff with a kid. Like, uh, especially when you're a co-parent, uh, you don't want to watch a movie with a kid and then report it back to the co-parent that didn't go, that the movie was beyond their level. Uh, if it was going to help not help them fall asleep or expose them to stuff uh and my daughter's right around the maturity level that this was just like a just a 0.25 a bit ahead of her so we you know i had to talk to her and say you don't got to worry about this is a fun movie it's just a movie now here's a factoid the main character's name's kevin like that just popped in my head so i thought i'd say it so i'd remember it uh maybe i'm pretty sure his name's kevin that's macaulay culkin's character and to be honest, I don't know a lot about Macaulay Culkin either, uh, other than like, uh, what you probably know about, like, like, uh, other than what I've already stated, uh, but he seems really nice. And, uh, yeah, so, so this is basically the fiction of the movie Home Alone, uh, combined with the fiction of me, you know, maintaining it. But, uh, so I think that's it. I'm trying to think. So it's a movie, it takes place in Chicago. I'm pretty sure it's a John Hughes movie, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, it could be Reitman or a Ramis movie, but I, um, I'm guessing it's a John Hughes movie because only because it takes place in Chicago. But I'm pretty sure maybe Harold Ramis's movies take place there too. And I have no idea what year it came out. I would say 90... Um, it could have came out anywhere from 1988 to 1999 which is a pretty big span and I really can't narrow it down. It could be, it could even be, yeah, 88 was probably the soonest it could have come out. Uh, maybe 98 would be the latest it came out, but uh, I don't know in there. I could look it up if, if we get stuck, you know, I'll pause the recorder, you know, if it gets really, uh, if I don't have anything to talk about, but right now we got plenty of stuff. Uh, cause there's even like, uh, I have a couple of theories about, uh, I have, I have one theory about the movie and then our friend, uh, well, on her Instagram, uh, Starly Kine uh, from the mystery show, 
uh, last Thanksgiving. Like, if, if I don't follow, I don't, I don't really use Instagram that much. Uh, but like, uh, she's one of the few people I, I was trying to follow more people, but before, for a while I was following like her and I don't even know who else. Uh, uh, so if I don't follow you, don't make a big deal about it. But uh, last uh, Thanksgiving season, uh, she had posted a, like a little photo uh, taken from the movie, which we'll talk about, which I think uh, she had re—I don't know how to repost things on there either. But I think she had reposted it from Charles uh, that makes Search Party. Uh, but again, my, my you know my logic is flawed. Uh, because uh, I didn't see, even see the, I mean, this would be considered. I think this movie has entered uh, the holiday class. I mean, I think this, if you're on the cable channel 24 hours a day, that's your holiday classic. I mean, I don't think there's any arguments. And I guess I never associated the movie with the holidays. Like, in, like people say, the feels, like, it didn't give me the holiday feels. So, so that was another reason, I guess, like, again, I'm just trying to process why I missed this movie. And I like, I don't know. So, but so again, when I saw it, finally, uh, like, uh, here's a lot of things to love about it. Macaulay Culkin is great. Uh, uh, Catherine, oh my gosh, her name is like one of, one of our beloved, uh, uh, second city actresses, uh, from SCTV, uh, whose name Catherine uh, will come to me it, from, she's been in our, some of our favorite, uh, Tim Burton movies and, Many other things. Uh, of course, uh, Catherine Keener's name's coming to me, which is a different actress. Uh, but she she plays the mother. Uh, the dad's played by somebody, and I'm sorry, I don't know their name. Uh, but you, they, you say, okay, yeah, they're in the, that's the person that's in the movies. I mean, they're doing, you know, they're a very successful actor. And in the kids, I'm sure there's probably one, like in the kids in the movie, I'm sure there's like one or two famous kids. Uh, but I can't say, like, I, I guess, like, I've only seen the movie, tw- like, once or twice. And then in the background, on VHS, across the library, uh, playing. I'm see like, uh, Anne Hathaway was one of the older siblings. But that's just, like, could be made up in my brain. And, again, that's a risky bet when I'm saying the movie could have been made anywhere from 86 to 99. So again, I'm not. I never. This is tell the tape in my brain. Again, I'm not a historian. Uh, I think there's probably a Christmas tree on the cover of this movie, though. But again, like uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I missed the movie. I'm sorry, Macaulay. Please take me. Like I could wear a t-shirt of you wearing a t-shirt of Ryan Gosling, if you want, right? To apologize. And uh, oh, shoot, I just almost had Catherine's last name, but you, you'll recognize her. Uh, so, okay. So, okay. So, oh, Daniel Stern and, uh, Joe Pesci are the other big leads and Daniel Stern, of course, anybody that was raised in the eighties and watched wonder years, uh, uh, like, uh, like, I feel like we'll say, well, I, you know, Daniel Stern's voice is the voice of uh, my childhood from, you know, like I would always like, uh, you know, narrate in Daniel Stern's voice or whatever. And Joe Pesci was uh, famous uh, for, I think, this role and a similar role in My Cousin Vinny, where he kind of plays like a Jersey tough guy, loudmouth uh, character, which I guess isn't uh, different than the, uh, some other uh, wonderful Scorsese, Scorsese, Scorsese uh, movies that he's appeared in, where uh, 
uh, it were unbelievable. And yeah, there's probably other people in the movie and J- John Candy's in it. And uh, he's part of like a theory I have, uh, but so like, uh, what I missed, like what I really enjoyed most was the beginning of the movie. And I guess when you think about people, like, uh, the emotional, uh, situation of the kid's name, Kevin, uh, uh so we have this Chicago home, very big, like a uh, very John, uh, Hughes, did he say the movie was made by John Waters? Maybe at the beginning, that would be great if John Waters remade home alone. That would be unbelievable. Can I get a what, what? Like, even a stage play, uh, Home Alone, by John, like a stage version of the movie. How about that? Uh, that would be so sick. Uh, and then and have Macaulay Culkin in it. Uh, holy cow. I wish I had a pen. But so, it, like, just like John Hughes movies, there's usually this, this suburban, uh, like, a shot of the house. And, and I don't know, like, it feels like they use different but similar houses. And uh, this was a big white house, I think. And it opens in a frenzied situation of the night. Well, I don't know where it opens, but at some point, uh, the first thing I remember is this, this frenzied situation of a family the night before they're going on vacation. I think Anne Hathaway is in the movie. Maybe, but... uh uh, anyway, so there's like a, there's this there's Kevin who's the youngest. Uh, maybe there's a girl that's younger than him, one of his sisters, I would assume. Uh, but their family's getting ready for a vacation, and so everybody's in the house, and uh, Kevin's seeking attention, but everybody's busy getting ready for vacation, so he can't get any attention. And I feel bad for my brother, Kenneth, because uh, he was a kind of in Kevin's role. But we only had six kids. I don't know. This family seemed like there's at least eight. Because uh, w- with six, you're going to keep track. But once you get over six, you say, well, there's probably like eight or ten kids in this freaking house. And I don't know how many were cousins or whatever, but I think there was just an aunt and an uncle there. And they were all going to France or something. I think they were going to France or England. Uh and I don't know if it's for vacation or what. Like, I guess none of that I really paid attention to. But let's say they're going to Paris uh, for the holidays or Thanksgiving, which would be interesting. Uh, uh, like, for the holidays. Let's say they're going to Paris for the holidays. I don't really remember. And I think they were, like, I don't know if they were flying through. No, I guess Chicago. You probably get to either one of those cities, London or Paris, uh, direct. Uh, and so it's the night before they're getting ready. Kevin says, seeking attention. His mother's like, Kevin, you got your stuff packed. And he, I think Kevin's like, I don't want, no one listens to Kevin, but he tries to say, one, I don't have any clean clothes. And two, I don't have a bag or something. Or he's, he's seeking help. Uh, and the house is just chaotic. Uh, and it's very comedic, but you kind of get the sense that Kevin's a little down. And you really get the sense uh, that Kevin's trying uh, seeking attention and actual assistance. And then his Bugs, I think, is his oldest brother. Bugs is not nice. And then at some point, uh, like Joe Pesci shows up. He's dressed in costume, but we don't know that. Uh, and he's pretending he's for the, for working for the Chicago PD. And also a guy shows up with like 15 pizzas 
and also the uncle's there, and, like, the uncle's a little bit aloof, uh, like uh, Kevin's uncle. And then the guy's, like, trying to get paid for the pizzas, and Joe Pesci's trying to find an adult, and I think he finally talks to Kevin. He says, is this your mom or dad home or something? And uh, he kind of talks down. And then Joe Pesci's thing is like, well, I'm just making sure you're going to be home for the holidays or you're going to be gone. And they say, we're going to be gone. And Joe Pesci says, great, well, we're going to have an eye out for you. So don't worry one bit. When are you going to be back? And they say, well, not for two weeks. We're going to be go to Paris or whatever, London. And he says, I see London. I see France. Uh, don't worry. I'll keep an eye on your house. That's my job. Uh, but I think he also he expresses like a hidden uh, animosity towards children at some point, maybe. Uh, then the guy finally gets paid for the pizzas. And this really was the emotional hook for me. Was like, uh, I think Kevin, like, uh, like, like, he, he's off trying to get his socks together or whatever. And the family sits down to eat pizza. And then Kevin, they say, Kevin, why are you, like, why aren't you eating dinner? Like, get in here. Like, he's already, he was trying to do something right. And then he gets in trouble. And then he gets in and there's no pizza left. Uh, and he's crushed, understandably. And they say, well, why didn't you get here on time, Kevin? Of course there's no pizza for you. And, I mean, anybody that's ever been a kid and has loved pizza, I mean, even if you go to a pizza party as an adult, uh, I mean, I don't know about you because I'm not, I'm, I'm a, like, uh, not a great person. I'm, like, watching the pizzas say, okay, how many pizzas? I'm pretty hungry, man. I could keep eating this pizza all day. So, but poor Kevin, he doesn't get any pizza. I don't even think there's, and then Bug says, well, figures because you're, you know, like Bug says something that nice. They think something gets spilled on somebody and everybody goes, Kevin. Uh, so he just keeps getting like a, like bad thing piled on bad thing. When he wasn't uh, acting out or uh, like he was just going against, uh, trying to get like advocate for himself and survive in the chaos and, uh, but nothing too harsh, just enough that you feel like this connection to Kevin. And then I think out loud or alone with his mom, at some point Kevin starts to pout, which is understandable. And at some point he wishes away his family. And, uh, like, I wish you weren't, like, I wish I was, like, uh, home alone or something. And that's really the, uh, the whatever, the, the through point of the movie is he says, you know, geez, I wish you weren't my family, or I wish I, like, I really hope, uh, and his mom, like, he says it in such a way, and she does a great delivery of, uh, like, he says it either to her or out loud in the the dining room. And she says, like, oh, well, geez, you better be careful, or your wish will come true, uh, and then you'll miss all of us or whatever. And, uh, she, she's not, she's not happy. And then Kevin's a little sad. So he goes up to his room or something. He think he lives up in the attic or he goes and like sleeps in the extra room. Maybe that's it. Like even his bedroom's been taken over by his aunt and his uncle. So he's like, where am I going to sleep? And they go, go somewhere else, Kevin. Uh, so he ends up like sleeping in a hamper or something. And then he wakes up the next day. Well, he's still asleep. Uh, and whatever his uh, his parents and everything, uh, like they wake up the next day at like six in the morning. For some reason, like they had messed up their time anyway. Everyone slept in, I think. Uh, 
So then they're rushing to get to the airport, and they had some system for counting the kids with the older siblings, but something was off about that. So they get everybody in the car, and they head to the airport, and they're running late. So then, like, you see them running through the airport, running to get on the plane. Uh, everyone getting on the plane, like, oof, we just made it. Oof, we made it to our flight to France or whatever, you know, transcontinental uh, flight. And then, like, I think there's one shot of the parents, like, saying, oh, boy, they're on the flight. They say, get us some champagne because uh, uh, we just barely made it. Now we're on easy street. Uh, and mom has kind of a look of unsettled. She says, oh, I can't believe you. And the husband's like, don't worry, honey. We really made it. Uh, now we can relax. And she says, well, I'm still off a little. Uh. And then the camera goes to Kevin, who wakes up in in his house. And now I kind of only remember the movie. Like, well, let's talk about the scene, like the, the whatever the parts of the story. Like, so Kevin wakes up. Uh, and this was a big twist, a actually surprising twist. Even watching the movie uh, was this first uh, this first part of Kevin being home alone. You know, this was trailer material, but it still was delivered. Like, uh, I mean, like I say with Game of Thrones and other stuff, it's like uh, the, the reason these movies become timeless or beloved is it, it, like even though it's like this uh, pretty well-known story is the ability to put these little things in there like not getting the pizza but that even this morning like kevin wakes up and i'm not exactly even sure how they do it uh but at first he's like looking around his house and it very quickly realizes he's home alone or it's like a kind of slow reveal and there where you'd expect some sort of, uh, like, I don't know, like where you're trying to figure out his emotional state, uh, he becomes super enthusiastic. And uh, then there's a hilarious set of scenes with Kevin home alone, living the dream, eating, uh, you know, cereal and candy and ice cream uh, like sleeping in his parents' bed, watching TV, like just doing whatever he wanted to do and having fun, like just this free freedom of a child of many children and just joy. And then we also get the next plot, which is at some point we see Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci planning and they say, hey, we're going to um uh, borrow a bunch of, uh, like, like they said, this is the VHS era. You're supposed to return your VHS tapes rewound. And they said they were going to go to all these places in Chicago and return everybody's DVD, like, uh, uh, VHS tapes unrewound, uh, just to play a little tricky poo on everybody. So they were planning on doing that in every house in Kevin's neighborhood. And that's why Joe Pesci had scouted it out. So, well, nobody's going to be home. So they'll be like, great, our friends uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are returning our VHS tapes to Blockbuster. Uh, but really, I think it was like a corporate message that they worked for, you know, that we're going to get assessed a $199 no rewound fee. And it's like a secret charge. And I guess maybe they were working on commission. Like, probably that was it. Like they were going to get 20, 30, 40, maybe 50%, 99 cents. And so 99.5 cents, I don't know exactly, but, uh, 
Yeah, so that was their game. So we see them. We say, oh, anyone that lived in that era says, oh, no, don't return the tapes of Blackbuster, not rewound. Uh, they have your credit card on file. Or if they don't, then you can't check out uh, and you got to pay a bunch of money. You know, thank goodness for digi- digital distribution. What a lucky era we live in. Uh, but like, uh, I guess, uh, somebody makes a free podcast. Uh, you say, what's, what if they had to pay one? Anyway, uh, but so, uh, so let's see. So, so we have Kevin Home Alone. Then we have Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci planning on returning all these VHS tapes. And then at some point we get, uh, uh, almost had it, uh, but the mother, uh, realizing on the plane that, uh, she says like Kevin and, uh, I remember watching a movie with the kids and they said, she's like, I can't believe it took this mom like, uh, 38 minutes or whatever to realize she left uh, Kevin at home. And they were really kind of like, uh, like they were really adamant about it. Like, uh. These are high school age kids. They say this is like ridiculous, uh, and they like uh, very analytical. And I said, "Holy cow, you guys are right." Uh, never looked at it through that lens of like, uh, like what? But it's, so it's just interesting. But it, it's true too. It's like, uh, but she feels it. She says, "I can't believe I forgot Kevin." Yeah. Uh, so maybe then there's a scene or two on the plane of them coming to grips with that. Uh, and then there's them arriving in uh, trying to get a hold of Kevin, which somehow they missed Kevin. I can't figure out that part uh, right now. And also, like, her, this family saying, well, we'll stay in Paris. You go home and go to Kevin. Uh, and then trying to figure out how to get home during the holidays or Thanksgiving, whenever it was. Uh, but then so we return to Kevin who is like, uh, exploring this new world. And it's a contrast uh, to, uh, like, not only is it fun, but you see, well, Kevin can feed Kevin's self, maybe not healthy and have fun and revel in this ability. Well, my needs weren't getting met, uh, but now I'm meeting my own needs. Uh, and even in this jokey way, Kevin's maturity kind of, uh, levels up, I guess you'd say, because then Kevin decides, well, I got to go to the store. And I kind of got to figure out navigating this world. And I can't remember if Kevin drives a car or not. I don't remember. Uh, but Kevin goes out to the store and into the world. And I don't know at what point Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern realize, uh, but whatever, they had a schedule uh, to, 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 to return the tapes from Kevin's house. But so Kevin goes out. Then we realize he's his neighbor we realize his neighbor is like a little bit like a, um, older grouch, uh, you know, that Kevin mistakes, uh, for, for not a nice person. And so Kevin's like a little bit worried about having encounters with his neighbor. Also, he's worried about paying for stuff. I think he like, it, it breaks into his piggy bank or whatever bugs his piggy bank, uh, to pay, uh, for toothpaste. Uh, if at some point he shaves, that's like the big, uh, because he does the monk, uh, where he clasps his hands to his face after he shaves and puts on aftershave. Uh, but so, let's see, where were we? So Kevin um, goes to the store. I really don't remember much about it. Then he tries to buy the stuff, uh, and then he leaves. I think because he sees his neighbor's neighbor says, what are you buying stuff, Kevin? And he says, no. 
he says, where's your parents? And he says, at the bathroom or whatever. Uh, whatever. Kevin has to get groceries, I would assume. I don't know. I don't remember what Kevin bought other than toothpaste. Uh, uh, but, you know, sundries, uh, I think that's what they call them. But Kevin successfully navigates that despite an obstacle. And maybe he overpaid and ran. Uh, uh, so he had to, like, get back home and uh, batten down the hatches again. Uh, which makes him insular because of the neighbor. And then, uh, I don't know. And I don't know if it ever gets like old. Uh, uh, but I think it's just funny. That, like it, it, the mom says, well, just wait if your wish came true and no one was home. Uh, that was the other thing that Kevin is dawning is that his wish was granted. And it's awesome until complications ensue. Uh, which in, in the form of this movie is, uh, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern trying to return these videotapes, uh, but first they have to get them. And this kind of uh, unfolds, I guess, like in a series of, uh, uh, stakes getting raised, I guess. Uh, and I'm not sure at first, maybe they just knock on the door and Kevin turns on lights. So I say, what the heck? Somebody's there. Or he, and then at some point he turns on, um, no, that's later, but whatever, Kevin, the lights are on or whatever. So they say, there's not supposed to be anybody there, but there is. Uh, then at some point they try to sneak in. They say, we'll just sneak in and get the videotapes or turn them. And then Kevin uh, uses the TV to, to, to make them run away uh, to think that a, a person that says, you're not touching my videotapes, kid. I hit the road. I will re- I re- be kind, rewind. Uh, so so that happens, and then Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci run away. But then it says, some say, Joe, Joe Pesci's thinking, and he says, no, no, no. We, like, uh, he goes, I think there's just a, maybe they see Kevin go to the store and go back, and they say, there's just a kid there by himself. Uh, he's going to love it. And then I, I guess this part, like, uh, there's a leap that I miss. Uh, like, do, do, is Kevin... Uh, like where I don't, I'm not sure if Kevin already ever takes a turn, a retreat turn, or not. Like they make that first effort, and Kevin was not happy about it, but he he definitely uh, uses the TV to to send them on the merry way. Uh, but now they say, hey, we're going to get in the house, and so I don't know if there's a scene in there where Kevin uh, does a retreat, like uh, I'm just going to stay in bed or whatever. That's usually, I mean, that's how I deal with most situations. I close, you know, I say if I pull these covers over my head, either literally or metaphorically, well, hopefully all these things will go away. Yeah, but this is a movie. But but I, again, I'm not sure if there is a scene like that or not that I can remember. But it, then Joe Pesci and Kevin, Daniel Stern decide to double down. Now, meanwhile, back with the mom, she's also doubling down. She says, I'm getting to find, go get home to see my kids home alone. And they can't get it. Like, I think at some point they turn off the phones to Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. So they can't get a hold of Kevin. And the, the uh, you see a little bit of like a bureaucratic ineptitude of trying to help her uh, get a hold of her son. Uh, but it, whatever, she ends up starting to fly, and she can only get a flight a flight to like New York City, and then she's trying to get across the country. So she's dealing with the progressive complications too. 
Uh, but then we see Kevin really move into a stage of aptitude of uh, saying, no one's coming to take the videotapes to my house, unrewound and return them. Also, as a minor, I'm not even authorized, I think, to return the videotapes without my family. So he does, like, a lot of fun, creative things. Like, he ices up the stairs. Uh, and I think from a multi-level, multi-generational comedy, you get a lot of slapstick. You get a lot of this kid, you know, thinking outside the box. And you get these anticipations where you think one thing's going to happen. And uh, uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci think one thing's going to happen. And so Kevin keeps advancing, and they keep advancing and getting meaner. Uh, but uh, Kevin keeps coming out on top. Uh, but uh, there's uh, the, the, then there's uh, there's another moment. So I guess there is one more beat uh, where Kevin has, like, whatever you want to call it, the dark night of the soul, which we'll come back to because his mom is going through the same thing. She reaches uh, somewhere in the Midwest, and... She's trying to rent a car, and they say, listen, it's Christmas Eve or whatever. We, we got no cars. And behind her in line is a John Candy. And I have a theory about this. It's not exactly a podcast theory, but that uh, John Candy says, well, we could give you a ride because uh, I can't remember what it was. And I, I, I don't know that anybody else's voice is theory. Uh, so I'd have to look it up. I guess I can't even remember, but John Candy's in a polka band. He says, Hey, don't you remember our big hits of polka polka? He says, well, we're not going to Chicago, but we're going to Milwaukee or something. So, uh, you know, maybe we could give you a ride in our, like, we got a U-Haul full of pol- polka people. Uh, but I was really wondering if, uh, like, uh, John Candy was representing some sort of good, good guy, a Greek Roman God. No, I saw like it was some sort of uh, like, like with this band. I don't know. I, like if I wrote five, five uh, fan fiction about Home Alone, it would be about John Candy's character and his band and what they're up to. Uh, but another big point of order is that uh, in this scene on Instagram was shared uh, that there's in line at the uh, waiting to rent the cars. There's another gentleman with a beard, uh, and you can find this on the internet. This people say that's Elvis, uh, and I showed the picture to people just because I thought it was amusing. And everyone said, "No, that doesn't look like Elvis." And they said, "Yeah, but Elvis in this year, whatever, in 1986 to 1999, whatever year when Elvis was that age." Yeah, uh, but it was fun to think about. What well, Jesus would if Elvis was an extra in Home Alone? Uh, who who doesn't get amused by that? Uh, most people. Turns out most people don't. Other than I, I do. Uh, but so I, I don't know. I found that amusing. But then she gets in the car and the, like interspersed with Kevin scenes is her traveling with John Candy's band, and you know trying to get home to Kevin. Now, meanwhile, Kevin has a, this dark night of the soul. And I'm not exactly sure when it really is. Uh, I don't know if it's at, maybe it's after his victory against uh, Stern and uh, uh, Pesci, or if it's like before they give one last try. But Kevin goes out and he goes, I think, to like his uh, like local holiday thing. Like uh, so, maybe it's Christmas Eve and he's just a little lonely because I kind of remember like a nativity scene. 
and carolers, uh, like a family moment where everybody's sharing Holiday Eve. And then uh, Kevin sees his neighbor, this older uh, neighbor of his, who he always thought was a grouch. And uh, he, he, like the neighbor kind of sneaks up on him and he says, hey, Kevin. And I think Kevin had lost his wallet. Uh, and he says, hey, I found your wallet. Uh, you know, or fake ID or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe Kevin paid by credit card. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, like when you ran out of the store, you seem like you were running around. I haven't seen your family at all either. And Kevin goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, don't worry. I'm your friend. Uh, you don't get to be worried. And you get this sense of warmness. Again, I don't know how they did this so well, but uh, where you say, okay. And you can feel Kevin let his guard down a little bit. Uh, and he says, uh, and again, you just know that he says, geez, I need uh, uh, some wisdom. I'm having the dark night of the soul, and you're my mentor figure. But they really deliver it. Like, uh, you get the sense that Kevin has this one last need uh, to push him on to his next thing. And this grants it. He gives him some piece of wisdom. Like, you know, on Christmas Eve, uh, the brightest light in the sky is the light within your heart or something. And it's okay to love people that aren't perfect because no one's perfect. He even tells a story about his daughter. And uh, Kevin says, huh, you're right. Uh, I'm going to get home and uh, I'm going to think about, you know, the, the, the birdhouse in my soul and not to put too fine a pine on it. Uh, uh, and he says, you're right about this. I can feel it. And the, the, his neighbor says, well, Kevin, I'm here if you need me. Uh, and Kevin says, I, mean, I don't think I do. And then Kevin goes back, and uh, he's already learned the real spirit of the holidays. And then uh, if if there's one last lesson to be taught, it's taught to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern to, like, keep out of other people's VHS tapes and don't come up with some shady system of returning the tapes at other people's expense because no one's going to like that. Uh, and whatever. So that, that happens, and... Uh, Trying to think what, what, uh, what, uh, let's see. What does happen after that? Uh, I don't know. But then finally the mom arrives, and I don't exactly remember, but I'm sure that her and she, Kevin share this moment, uh, of love. Uh, but really the mo- movie does end with Kevin's victory over, uh, the people trying to mess with the tape, where you see Kevin has achieved, uh, the right mix of adulthood and childhood vulnerability, I, I think, uh, with the scene with the neighbor. And since I'm remembering my order, I'm not exactly sure. But then, yeah, Kevin has already achieved it. Uh, and I guess in some sense, then, like, he can have, what do they call that? Uh, I don't know what Campbell calls it. Something with the mother, whatever, or something with the father, where he says, hey, mom, uh, I do love you, but, I, I, you know, how about some more freaking attention and some, can't even remember saving me a slice of pizza. And uh, she asked for forgiveness, Kevin, but Kevin says, now I'm much more mature. And uh, this won't happen again until we go to the hotel in the New York City one, uh, uh, made in Manhattan or whatever, made of like uh, Home Alone, lost in New York. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what it's called. And she says, well, I love you. And he says, I love you, too. And then the neighbor probably says, hey, uh, can I come over for dinner? They say, of course you can. Uh, 
This is great. And Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci lose their license to return Blockbuster tapes, uh, which ends up uh, bankrupting that whole company. And movie comes to a close uh, with probably like, I don't know if Danny Elfman did the music or uh, what, but uh, probably with another shot of the house again. And then uh, some scrolling, uh, some scrolling credits. And it was uh, like, uh, it was great to uh, watch, even though I was late to the game. Uh, and uh, yeah, so thanks so much and good night. I want to thank uh, everybody supporting the show over on Patreon, Maz. Uh, Maz, um, Sarah and Courtney, thanks, thanks, and good night. Belinda, Colette, and Anna, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Daphne, NYOB, and Shandell, thanks, thanks, and good night. Jasmine, uh, Kate, and Sue, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nima, Debbie, and Alex, uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Laura, Neil, and Eileen, thanks, and good night. Adam Shibben and Colleen, thank you and good night. Uh, Dave, Lynn, and Arlen, thanks and good night. And Nicole, Dev, and Alex, uh, thanks and good night. Andrea, uh, Karen, and Jaquan, thanks and good night. Uh, Miranda, Ashley, and Rowan, thanks and good night. Uh, Eric, Debbie, and Mahia, thanks and good night. Uh, Michelle, Angelica, and Kimberly, thanks and good night. Uh, Abigail, Derek, and Maria, thank you and good night. Uh, Rebecca, Carrie, and Shonda, thanks, thanks and good night. Rebecca, uh, into the G, Christine, and Percy, thanks and good night. Uh, Jean, Sharon and Kimberly, thanks and good night. Uh, Sarah, Sylvia, and Marco, thanks and good night. Uh, Alec, Ari, and Ashley, thanks and good night. Holly, Christine, and Mark, uh, thanks and good night. Uh, Beth, uh, Grace, and Molly, thank you and good night. Uh, Justin, Brett, and Cheryl, thanks and good night. Lazy Days, uh, Martine. And Rochelle, thank you and good night. Uh, Jennifer, Heather, and George, uh, thanks and good night. Uh, Tony, Andrea, and Steve, thanks and good night. Maddie, Maria, and Kyla, thanks and good night. L and Joel, thank you and good night. Uh, uh, Toma, Carrie, and Jennifer, thanks, thanks and good night. Thanks everybody. Uh, and Venmo, I want to thank uh, Tiffany, G to the W, Anya, and Duncan. Uh, thanks, thanks so much, and good night. And Mary, uh, Jill, and Natalie, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. And on, Ven- or on uh, PayPal, I want to thank Mark, uh, Stephen, and Lena. Thanks, thank you, and good night. Uh, Misty, uh, Sandra. And Sasha, thanks and good night. Uh, Colleen and Green, David and Drawn, thank you and good night. Uh, Rebecca, Kathleen after the B, and Lynn, thank you, thanks and good night. Uh, Tom and, and Wilbert, uh, thank you. Thanks everybody for supporting the show and good night. Uh, hey everybody, uh, it's uh, Scoots, it's uh, like a t- Tuesday, I guess it's a trending Tuesday, but I was thinking of, uh, 
uh, snow as uh, the holiday season settles in. And I talked about leaves, and I think I've talked about snow in a couple of different ways on the podcast. So maybe we'll talk more about it. Uh, but I, I don't know if I've, like, there's a couple, of, I guess there's a couple of, there's nothing I want to get off my chest about snow. But I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to do some meandering rambles, uh, we could talk about snow. We can talk about sledding. Like a little bit of a mem- memory trip. Uh, it, it, actually, yeah, it'll be all probably real of like uh, some snow memories as a child, but also some snow specifics. And maybe if you're like a deep, deep listener, you'll get some new perspectives and some things I've talked about before. Uh, so let me take you all the way to central New York to, to, to the 315 uh, area code where I grew up in Syracuse, New York. Uh, 13215 was my zip code. Or they could like uh, they could be my current no no it's not my current zip code uh, in Syracuse I think uh, like again I guess with uh, like I, I never know like it, it has a notoriety for being snowy and wet and cold and maybe notoriety is a little strong but that's like one of the things especially in New York State they say well where are you from oh Syracuse uh, and they say this gets a lot of snow there. I mean, maybe someone from Buffalo or Rochester, they might say, because that's the snow belt. Uh, and I think I maybe talked about the science and it leaked, you know, as soon as I, like my brain is like a sieve, sieve like, or I have sieve brain. So I'm pretty sure that the moisture in Syracuse is due to the Great Lakes and the water temperature and the warm and some sort of jet stream action. And Syracuse always seemed to, to uh, uh, have like the most precipitation or the most snow. And I don't know if any of that's true. That's just what people always said when we were growing up. And I did have, especially as a kid, as most people do, like a, a sense of hometown pride. And anytime Syracuse was mentioned in major media, you know, my heart beat a little bit faster. Uh, so, so anytime, you know, they were talking, I said, that's right. I'm so proud of that. My city just happens to be in a place where it gets, uh, the most precipitation, but really, I mean, I guess it, like the downside is, and this is probably why I moved away, is it's really nice to visit. It's probably a lot tougher to live there, and I do find myself uh, a person that need like has a, like a, that needs access to sunlight and the outdoors uh, as part of my like uh, self care process. I guess. Uh, Here's a little unrelated tip. Uh, those of you that, I mean, even if you live in Syracuse, you can use this tip. And it is a sleep tip. Now, it's, I guess it's a little bit tougher in the east, uh, but you actually you have windows. So it would be the same thing. It's like uh, as soon as you wake up, uh, and this is something I, I do on and off, as soon as you wake up, ideally you get out of bed right away. Like as soon as your alarm goes off, that's one of the sleep. T- I didn't know how this became a sleep tip uh, episode, but uh, like you get out of bed right away. Uh, and I haven't mastered that part yet, but usually like because also, I don't know, I guess I'm split on that. Uh, but if I'm giving tips, like I'm, I guess I don't want to give the reality because usually I like to if I had a dream, I like to lie there and think about my dream 
or lie there and say, well, I don't really want to get out of bed. But ideally, I get out of bed pretty quick nowadays. I don't use my phone. That's one of my new rules is uh, no, no, don't touch that phone unless you're putting it in your pocket. And it also depends on, like, you know, my bladder situation, how quick I get out of there. But then I like to make my bed. And now I don't do, like, I do more of, like, a a basic bed making where I try to put my pillowcases back on yeah, from whatever was going on in my dreams. Uh, you know, great, uh, great pillow makeout or whatever I was doing or pillow wrestling or p- pillow hugging. And then I like, uh, like, will rearrange my blankets, uh, so that it's nice when I go to bed. So look at, like, I, and I never was like this, uh, until I started making this podcast, I realized it's kind of an important thing. It, it, like they say, it's one of these keystone habits, and I actually believe it. I'm not a big believer in all that stuff, but uh, so I don't really make. I mean, I do make my bed. Like I don't tuck any sheets in. I just uh, like uh, I'll pull my comforter off, then I have a blanket, and then I have a sheet. And uh, usually, my sheet, and my blanket are pretty well aligned, so I'll just have to flick them, and then flick out my comforter. So it kind of like is a basic make, and that takes no time at all. And then the next thing you might do after you visit the facilities, uh, and if you have a pet, a dog especially, it makes it a lot easier, is to go, and I look, I'm lucky enough to live in the Bay Area, so I immediately open my back door. Even Sometimes even Koa lately, she stays, she says, you know, it's too early for me is to go outside, open the door, and I don't know if you're into heavy bre- or heavy breathing. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but uh, if you're into any breathing or meditation or sitting or journaling or if you're like a Julia Cameron-like a person or some, a- you know, AM writing or morning pages uh, or just sitting and listening, is to get outside, and I know, like, like sometimes I'm up before the sun just because of the, you know, time change hasn't happened. When you hear this, it should have happened. And I'm not a morning person, that's the other thing, but I don't really have a choice because I have too much, you know, I got stuff to get done. Uh, but to get access as the sun rises, I hear that's good for, like, you setting your clock. As soon as you get outside, I spend a few minutes... uh and I just try to listen to the sounds or if there's birds or something to look at or trees or, uh, or yeah, listen to the freeway, listen to the port of Oakland, maybe listen to whatever other sounds I'm hearing, but I get a little sun, even if it's below the horizon, it's coming. Uh, and I think that's a really good way to start your day and also to end your night. Uh, I just do the same thing because my dog's got to go to the bathroom anyway. And I found, like, if I have, like, which I, I suffer from meditation avoidance, uh, uh, if I do that, I say, well, this is kind of like meditating. I'm sitting listening to the noises quietly and trying to not be distracted by my thoughts. Uh, so it's like, a, I guess it's like meditation meditation adjacent. I don't know. Uh, have we reached peak meditation? Like, uh, probably not. uh I was waiting to see if Buddha was going to call, ring, you know, ring up my brain or anything. So if you live in the uh, like uh, the east, it might be tougher, but maybe you could stand by a window. Or if you have to let your pet out anyway, then you're going to have to open the door. I don't know. I can't, you know, I can't speak to that. But that's one of the things is like, uh, 
getting access to light, sunlight, or at least uh, filtered sunlight if you're back east when it's uh, cloudy a lot of the times. So that's, I guess that's just a little sleep tip folded in there somehow. Um, okay, so back back to uh, the subject at hand. Uh, snow, let it snow, you know what I'm saying? Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, John. Um, so snow, here's the things I think about when I think about snow. A lot of it is related to my bus stop as a kid that I would have to walk to or trudge in this situation, like, uh, or going sledding. So let's talk about the bus stop situation. And here's the interesting thing. Well, I don't know why I can't picture Carl and Sheila, my brother and sister, the closest in age to me. We would walk to the bus. Uh, we'd take the bus to grammar school. This was for grammar school. We did the same for middle school and high school. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, these are grammar school memories. And, um, so we would walk, uh, to the bus stop. And usually we would be, you know, trying to get to the bus on time. So the, and it was downhill. So we lived on a hill. And it was very steep hill, which actually goes into a whole other set of snow memories, which would be good to ha- talk about. Uh, but so we live on this steep hill, and uh, so we would go down it usually to get to school. Snow, you know, I don't know what we'd do in the rain. I guess we'd still, I guess we had raincoats. Uh, I'll have to ask Carl and Sheila about that. I call, Hey, by the way, Sheila, I called you last night. Oh, but I couldn't figure out the freaking Bluetooth on my phone. It kept saying it was dialing your number. So I did try to call you just to, just so you know. Not that you're listening, because I don't know if you but you might be asleep or you do like, uh, but uh, I know some of your friends listen to the podcast. Yeah, what's up, Vanessa? So anyway, okay, um... Where was I? So, so Carl, Sheila, and I would go to the bus stop, and uh, we would go there, get the bus, go to school. And usually, the only things that were hard in the morning was uh, going downhill. You'd have to worry about slipping if it was really snowy. But Syracuse uses a ton of road salt, and so there's usually a preponderance, uh, preponderance of, of uh, this stuff called slush. And this is much different than slushies. Uh, here's the thing. Kids don't, like I always say, don't listen to scoots. Uh, and probably pay, probably humans don't listen to scoots. But I like, uh, so slushies and there's ice, there's Italian ice, there's Hawaiian ice, there's shaved ice, uh, there's slurpees, there's ices. This is, the slush is much different. And I have tasted slush uh, on many occasions, both uh, intentionally, unintentionally, and at the hands of uh, older kids. Uh, and I know exa- I have the exact taste of slush in my mouth, so I'll describe it to you. It's really not that bad. Now, the idea, uh, it, like, it just tastes like salty snow with, uh, like, a gritty, almost near-metallic... Uh, like it's mostly salty snow, overpowering the road salt, uh, with a kind of, uh, it's not, actually doesn't taste dirty. It tastes gritty and a little bit metallic-y. And you could get, like, you can even get slush splashed in your face by cars. And like, we might, this might be the slush cast, uh, because slush is really amazing. Yeah. Maybe this winter I'm going to have to, uh, if, if, if get some, somebody shoot some slush for me, 
Uh, and ideally, if you're listening, one its budget's uh, probably zero point zero, but uh, like in our segments of just uh, slush views. Uh, but so slush is like is when snow uh, combines with like warmer air and road salt. Uh, that's what I. That's how I define slush. Uh, and it can be slow. It can be sudden. It can be uh, like a slushy. Like you could get a puddle slush, which is not a liquid and not a solid. It's like a near plasma. It's uh, in the middle. It's a matter change. I don't know if Bill Nye thinks that, but it's matter in the middle of a change. Uh, and I think David Bowie's saying about it even. Uh, but like, uh, like it'd be gray. It's always gray. And I never knew if that was because of the road or the salt. Uh, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, I think when you see a pile of salt, it's kind. Of, it does seem like it has a little bit of grit in it, anyway. Uh, but like, probably the road picks it up. But it's always like a, a stark gray color, and it can be beautiful if if you're a fan of gray, like I am. Especially a person that like tends to view the world through all or nothing lens and say, "Man, one day I'll see the world as all gray." And I kind of Syracuse. I used to call it the gray planet when I was uh, in my angsty phase from like uh, whenever uh, puberty hit till <laughs> uh, not too long ago. Yeah, uh, but so the slush. Uh, so usually slush, okay, so my relationships with my primary interactions with slush would be, I mean, there could be, I have a lot of them, but my love of slush probably came from after school walking home from the bus uh, because, uh, like, uh, we would could walk at our own pace. So Carl, Sheila, and I, we would, uh, I don't even know what we'd do. I can, like, I think we'd just split up and maybe, I, I don't know who walked the fastest, probably me. Yeah, but when it was slushy, I would like to dilly-dally. I mean, depending on the slush level and how cold it was. Uh, because you could really get some uh, unbelievably high um, uh, snowbanks. Uh, and we'd walk up this hill and you'd see, like, your neighbor's snowbanks. And, I mean, obviously from this podcast, I'd start imagining. You know, I could imagine I was a giant. Uh, I could imagine I was a mountain climber. You know, we, you, there could be other kids around, so we might be doing some snow play, you know, snowball play or whatever. Uh, you could do some like light sledding, like slide down a snowbank. Uh, if the snow looked fresh, you know, you could do like some snow diving, some snow snow bank jumping, like just measuring it. You know, say, wow, this snowbank's taller than I am, because what would happen is the roads would get plowed, and then people would have their driveways plowed. So the corner of driveways was always the best place for the, like the highest snow banks. I'm trying to think other, like, so, so that would be one thing that would distract me. I was like, see, I was already distractible on my way home. But then now snow banks are primarily made up of correct snow. Uh, but as you get lower on the snow bank, closer to the road, that's where this, like the, the slush appears, uh, well, in a couple of places, like the primary slush occurs with the general interaction between the road salt and the snow in the ice on the road. And I would presume, and again, I'd love, Bill Nye, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, uh, no, I'm not kidding. Like this, like you probably already covered all this. Uh, 
But like, so as the, the salt, uh, would he, I think, I don't know how, again, a little embarrassing, but, uh, I think the salt would generate heat, uh, from just getting wet, uh, uh somehow by some chemical reaction and that would melt the snow. But I guess because the roads were dirty or the salt was dirty, we don't have an answer for that. Uh, even in my brain, I guess we could presume both, uh. Uh, you know, the, that would be responsible for the gray color, but I, I guess it would give some body to the, um, uh, the, the melted snow. Now, sometimes the ice and the temperature in the air and the temperature of the ground would be, uh, aligned to just turn to water. And in that case, the roads would be black, uh, cause we had asphalt roads in Syracuse and, uh, there would be, uh, uh, salt on the road and maybe water, depending, you know, depending. Uh, but if it was a particularly snowy day the night before or it's still snow, well, if it's still snowing, that's a whole different territory. I don't know if we'd go there, but, uh, you would have slush, which would be gray and it could be, uh, like packed gray snow. I guess that would be if it was snowing or if it just snowed. But most of the time, I guess it would be like a slush, just like a slushy, but gray and gross, but not super gross, as I said, because I've tasted it. Uh, but another so good, the better slush zone was where the sides and the edges of the road met the snow banks. And also the spray from the cars, because the wheels of the car would spray slush uh, and jettison in, into the sides of the snow banks. Uh, and that would form some pretty cool-looking stuff. Uh, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like uh, slush getting sprayed into the snow. I guess that's how you describe it. Uh, but so the slush zone, depending on, again, the temperature and the situation, was good for a couple things. I mean, as I said, pretending to be a giant. Uh, I think I did a lot of giant role play uh as a kid, like, I don't need to as an adult, believe me. Uh, but so, like, uh, but like, uh, like you could be stomping slush because there'd be like great slushbergs. And also, cars could accumulate slush on the undersides of the car. And those would be, slu- those would be really good slushbergs if they broke off. Uh, they would look like a gray iceberg. And depending on how, if they they were pure, like if you find yourself a pure slush brick, they're great for sm- smashing with your feet. And uh, sometimes they'd be hard and sometimes they'd just be like, uh, almost like they were sculpted. And you couldn't believe like when you put your foot on it, that it was holding together. Uh, like almost like it was a liquid that had somehow, that was somehow holding its shape, like almost like it had, had a like invisible wax coating. And as soon as you touch it, it like, uh, like it lost its form. You'd be like, holy cow, that is cool. And, and it's just like a really, not a consistency. I mean, no offense to slush and slurpy makers and stuff, uh, but that stuff, it, like slush is better. I mean, maybe because of the salt, uh, like slush really was a, like uh, not a solid and not a liquid. Like where a Slurpee or something like that, I feel like, is like just really small ice crystals. Where slush was nearly a plasma gel-like thing. Or just so, like, so small. I I don't know. I guess, like, what am I doing? Like, here I am. I'm the 
spokesperson for slush. Uh, excuse me. And then another great thing that I know I covered before that I love to do with slush was like make dams, uh, because we lived on a hill and then the slush would start melting. And I don't know if they like, you know, the, the, like there'd be rivers of water on the sides of the road from melting snow, even, you know, if, if it got warm enough, you know, broke the freezing barrier or whatever. Yeah, that the edge of the snowbank was just a great spot to make dams for the water trickling down the hill and make, you know, make channels and then you could make dams. And then, I mean, the cool thing about making dams, like, is the futility of it in some sense, uh, at least for a kid, because it has action. Like, I guess like, I never looked at it from a storytelling perspective, but it really is like, uh, a great story, I guess, if you're role-playing as a kid, because you really, if you're building a dam made out of snow against water and the temperature's not freezing, uh, you're constantly, you constantly have to work. Uh, uh, there's going to be constant conflict, which makes it fun. And there's always the stakes because the stakes are whatever you're imagining them happens when the water breaks through. Uh, so you really are that you can cast yourself as a hero, which would be an engineer or like some sort of uh, uh, protect, I guess, benevolent giant. Or uh, another fun reversal, role reversal, is uh, uh, to build really good dams and uh, then have the stakes uh, like where the dams seem impenetrable and then be the the, the destroyer of the dams. Uh, either by, you know, uh, throwing snowballs, rocks, or being a giant again. And uh, really nothing at risk because it's just water going back down the hill. Because, I mean, usually, well, my backpack would be at risk because who knows what I would have done with that. Uh, so that's probably, you know, uh, like, why is your homework? Well, it was in a snowbank. Uh, the dam broke uh, and it uh, washed my homework away. Yeah, so that was really a good, like a good interaction with both. The, that was like slush and snow. And then, uh, as we so as we went up the hill from my bus stop, we do. I guess we could could talk about uh, one of my childhood, one of my great a great figure in my childhood, Billy, uh, who was a young man, uh, and he uh, as an adult he moved to the big farm, but. Uh, he lived next door to me. He was probably, um, I guess when I was in grammar school, he was in high school when I was in late grammar school. So when I was in sixth grade, he was probably a freshman or sophomore. So maybe four to six years older than me. And he was a redhead and he was cool. I mean, he was like, uh, he wasn't a bit like, he was like the good kind of bad boy. Like, uh, I guess, uh, I never saw him as a bad boy. Because he didn't even need that. Like, he rode motorcycles, uh, you know, uh, like, built motorcycles, rebuilt motorcycles, had rusty motorcycles in his parents' backyard all the time, and in the winter, rode snowmobiles. And my parents were not a big Billy fan, and he also was a redhead, and he had this snowmobile suit that we, as kids, he was just a legendary figure of my childhood, uh, because, uh, as I talked about, there was also the BB kids, which Billy was friends with, and he was more of a neutral figure. 
where the BB kids were more of a myth. Uh, they lived up the street with Billy. They were actually bad, bad boys, uh, even though they were friends with Billy. I don't know what they actually were. Like, I spent so much of my time creating myths uh, and wanting my life to be like a TV show that I think I cast them. But though I, I, we did have interactions with them as kids. Uh, which, so Billy was like, uh, he was more like, uh, like whatever, uh, who was that dude? You know, one of those, mo- he was like a mo- cool. He was cool. I guess that's as simple as it uh, can be. And so his house was uh, the green, like uh, right before my, my, my got to my house would be his house. And usually he was, I guess he was in school. I don't even know, like, uh, I don't even know where he went to high school or uh, what his situation was. Uh, I mean, I can imagine that he at some point was like, I know, you know, I don't need any high school anymore. I've grown out of it. Yeah, but so, like, if you passed his house and he was home, it was always a fantasy of ours to be able to ride on his snowmobile, uh, which, my, you know, my mom would not allow us to do. And I think I talked about it in the podcast. There was one, all like, real, like I don't know where my parents were, and I know it was nighttime uh, that he let me ride his snowmobile. Now, usually, because he was a redhead and my brother Carl was a redhead, so they were a little bit closer and uh, I think Carl's just a nicer person than me. And so I think Carl probably got a ride on the snowmobile before I did. Plus, Carl like, was a little bit more courageous than me. Uh, but at some point, I remember Billy was like, let's go. And it, like, uh, it was like a really, it was, the snow was really uh, intense uh, because I remember like we could even go in the road and we were jump like he was jumping over snowbanks into the road nothing too extreme uh like mostly if you went up a snowbank and went down for a kid that was amazing and then there was like uh some sort of island and he went between two trees like a traffic island or something and i don't know where else we went i mean i remember uh that uh, maybe i had like 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 a uh, like slipped off the back of it or something. And, uh, and then my mom found out and she was like, that like, I can remember that was my only ride on the snowmobile. Uh, though we sat on the snowmobile all the time because he always like, just like his motorcycles, he had a backyard full of like old snowmobiles that he was working on. So we would sit on them a lot and pretend we were racing, you know, like Carl and I, or maybe Bill, my imaginary friend and I, but so that was another cool thing to, to, uh, and the cool thing was, uh, we happened to live, uh, down, uh, our street was a big golf course and my parents don't golf. Uh, so we weren't members of this golf course and this was before like golf course developments. Uh, so I, I guess at some point there was probably houses on this golf course, but, uh, it was mostly like you went in down this, uh, court or whatever, and it ended at the golf course, and we happened to live, uh, or where, where this street ended, was the 18th hole, and it was very uh, hilly, like you hit off a tee, and then there was a huge drop uh, hill, and then, you know, long fairways or something, I don't know, I don't golf, like it was par five or something. And like, this was the most amazing place to go sledding. Like uh, one of the luckiest things as a child, uh, was that we lived this close uh, to someplace that had high quality sledding. 
like almost too high quality. Like, uh, and so anytime, like, uh, I, I don't remember, I think you only go sledding like twice a year because then you get so cold, you're like, okay. Or, you know, especially with me and Carl, you push the envelope too much and then you say, okay, well, now we can't sled anymore because we pushed the envelope. Yeah, but, you know, especially in Syracuse, it was always freezing cold. Like, any time it was good to sled. Uh, and I remember we did have, like, snow clothes. So we'd have snow pants, uh, probably boots and socks. So you're fit, you know, and then gloves and a jacket and a hat. Uh, and probably a scarf was pretty essential. But usually you'd be sweating pretty good. And so trying to think like i lived in the era of plastic sleds uh i think there like we did have uh a metal sled at our house uh, but one it was wicked metal and wood it was wicked heavy and i also think incorrectly oh those are called toboggans uh oh that's probably why like i think that was like actually a good invention was these plastic sleds because um those toboggans like uh, were uh they go really fast and, uh, they weren't as flexible. And if you like, uh, so, so yeah, I think it was best. And I think like the, the, the sleds I spent the most time with were orange plastic sleds from where else, but Kmart. And I think the orange sled either had uh, blue handles or white handles. And I think we had, a, you know, we had the circular sleds, uh, but I think that was our primary sleds. I think we had two of them. And, all, like, if, if people were really taking sled, like, if it was a Saturday or Sunday, like, and people were off, like, around the holidays or something, you know, the sled could get pretty busy. But otherwise, uh, it would be usually me and my siblings uh, and then maybe some of the other kids that lived in the neighborhood or my cousins or something if they had come by. But I guess that would be more in the holidays, too. And so, like, I don't know how familiar people are with golf, but you it's a sport where you hit this ball. I think, I don't know, like, a, like a, I know people love it, but it just seems to me like some sort of, uh, I guess if you're emotionally, but anyway, you like, uh, there's like three different kinds of tees, uh, which I guess, freaking hello, 2016's calling. Uh, but at least when I was a kid, there was like a pro, there was an amateur, and then I'm just going to say like a, like a starter tee or a new tee, but, uh, they had a more direct, like, uh, patriarchal term for it. And I know from my family that my aunt Helen was the best golfer in our family. Uh, maybe her brother Mike was pretty good too, but, uh, so, oh no, uncle Jerry, he was pretty good. So th- I think those three, like, but aunt Helen, she would always win. Uh, the the golf contest that they played, but so it, this particular thing, like uh, the the pro and the amateur tee were up uh, like on a hill that had like a wall, like a wooden wall where they I think they would put flowers and stuff when they were golfing, and then there was the the, the last set of tees. I think those were red tees, uh, and then there was the hill. And it was a long hill, like, uh, not only was it pretty steep, but not too steep where you're like, uh, like it would really, it was really good exercise. Uh, and, um, like if you really got some speed going, you could go really far. 
And so we would go there. And I guess like uh, this is like this is like uh, I don't know if like, uh, this is like the latest version of extreme sports, uh, or maybe I don't know if anybody that got into extreme sports through sledding, or I guess they have that. Uh, it's a thing like bobsledding that uh, like uh, you can do. Uh, but so you would go sledding there. Now you could the conditions really did di- dictate how fun it was and how like how cold it was outside. And I guess how many kids, like if you had too many kids uh, or too many ages of kids, uh, it might be less fun because, uh, you know, like uh, ideally, like one of my sister's friends would be there so she could hang out with them. Or if it was just me, Carl and Sheila, uh, if we were, we, I think we were like allowed to go sledding by ourselves, uh. You could probably get bored pretty fast because you go up and down and walking up the hill, you'd start to sweat. And so you'd need a nice air temperature where you wouldn't get cold if you were sweating and you just get worn out. And then you'd like, uh, actually, even back then, you could put a rope at the front of even a cheap plastic sled like we had, uh, which would help when you're carrying up the hill. But if you didn't have that, you'd either you'd have to carry the sled under your arms. And it was a really light, uh, basic plastic. And I don't know, like, let's talk about the kinds of sleds. So they had you had a two-person plastic sled that you could probably fit three kids in. And it was just like a one piece of plastic that the same kind of plastic they make uh, kids' swimming pools in that aren't effect, like, uh, effective, I mean, not uh, inflatable. So some sort of uh, plastic that I don't think is around too much anymore, and but very durable, but not a shiny plastic, and more of a matte plastic. And then it had handles that you would hold on to when you were in the sled uh, that were the hard, uh, shiny plastic, um, and you would need to hold on to those uh, on this hill, and especially if you made a jump, uh, which is where this is. That's where things would start to go off the. Uh, and this was like another childhood myth, like the older kids would get there and they were the ones that built the jump. And I think at some point we became the ones that would build a jump. Uh, and I was never like much of an engineer. You, you know, I was better at role playing that I was a giant engineer with the, the uh, water and the slush. Yeah, but let's talk sleds before we talk jumps. So that was the one kind of sled. Uh the two to three person, and I think two people is usually best, because uh, I don't know how fun it would be for the third person in the back. Uh, and it, it, three people, like two people, you could get enough momentum going, uh, but the weight wouldn't slow you down. And you would really need uh, packed snow or uh, like wet snow, but not too wet. If the snow was either too wet or too new, it would slow you down, but it was, so ideally it'd be cold, uh, so it'd be like near icy conditions. But then if it was cold and near icy conditions, going uphill stunk, and it was easier, you know, to sustain an owie, and it would be freezing, uh, so you'd wear, you know, you'd get worn out. Uh, but so that was one kind of sled. Now, another popular type of sled is the circle sled, which is like a dish. Uh, popularized. I think at some point they made him a metal because I think in National Lampoons, Chevy Chase uses like an aluminum one. But by the time I was a kid, those were plastic. Uh, 
I don't think I had any aluminum sleds, so that would be pretty cool. I just wonder what the cold transfer would be and which would go faster, plastic or aluminum. And uh, I don't remember, like, I think the downsides of the, uh, the cool thing about the um, plastics, like two-person sled, is that it's going to go straight almost no matter what. It almost had two runners on the underneath of it, like uh, fins, uh, so it would stay going straight. And you could try to turn it in. Like, you could accidentally turn it, or, like, you could lean, and it would do a slow turn. Uh, but otherwise, it went straight. The problem with the circular uh, dish sleds is it would just seem like you had very little control. And especially if you're jumping, you want to be going straight at the jump because you don't want to go off the side because you could ruin the jump. Uh, but also, like... uh it wasn't a good idea to, to, to go on it. it. Like you had to see where you were going so you could prepare for it uh, and then continue your momentum straight ahead. And I think just the spinning around, I, I guess maybe, I don't know if it was a personal choice. I just didn't like those circles, those, those dish sleds. And we'll just get the final toboggan. Like, so there's a, there was like the small toboggan, the fearless flyer, right? Was that what they were called? Or like the RC flyer or whatever, radio flyer. I think those are what they were called. Um, which, uh, Rosebud, I think is the most famous of those. Uh, the Rosebud was like an early edition. And those were sleds and they were made of metal. And I maybe we had one because I remember seeing pictures of my dad pretending to pull us in that or one or two of us. Uh, and that was a very picturesque uh, uh, Saturday evening post uh, Norman Rockwell type sled. Uh, I think I don't know if, like like uh, if they have like a fourth like the Pledge of Allegiance like winter edition. You'd have a, a, a like a sled. The radio flyer would be in there probably, or maybe the radio flyer was the um, wagon. Maybe they made a sled in a wagon. I mean that would make sense, right? Because uh, they're working with like uh, whatever that was, uh, steel or metal or aluminum. Yeah, so that was one kind of sled. And that was like usually a one or two person sled, and it seemed like it had controls. And you would sit up and then it would have rails, just like a sleigh, like Santa's sleigh or a sleigh ride sleigh. And conceptually, I think as a kid, like especially with the hill we were at, one, it was too heavy because it was made from like some sort of iron. Maybe not, yeah. And also the conditions had to be uh, uh, spectacular for that thing to move. Um and so we did not, I don't really remember using it, but then there's like something called a toboggan. Oh yeah, there's two kinds of toboggans too. There's another, there's the rail edition toboggan. Uh, but this is the kind of toboggan that I'm thinking of. I was, I was mixing up my, um, rosebud with a, the, the toboggan. And I don't even know if that's the right thing, but a toboggan is like, a, I'm trying to think if you've never pictured this before. Uh, but it has like a curly cue at the front and it's like, usually it's wood, like some sort of like, uh, this would usually like only like an adult would show up with one of these things. Cause there's no way a kid, you'd need two adults to carry it. Yeah. But it was this long, uh, sled and with a curly, it was made of wood, like some sort of wood that you could bend, um, and, 
uh, let's see, like probably waxed and stuff like that. I don't know. And it was just this long piece of wood with a curl at the front. And it usually even had the one I'm imagining, I think was my uncle Eddie's. It even had like padded seats. Uh, and you could, usually these were like a four, six, eight person toboggan. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what I'm calling it. And you would get in it and you have no control. And the joy of it was like being in it with this collective experience with all these people. And again, I think the conditions had to be perfect. No one could get in the way because this was a piece of wood with like uh, the weight of four to eight people. And it kind of had this plow on the front. So you need everybody to be coordinated uh, to get in it or like an adult or a teen at the front uh, or to like launch the thing. Uh, but it would be fun, and usually, like, you'd be holding people, so it'd be fun. Like, you'd have some closeness, like, with your siblings, uh, and maybe, like, I can imagine for very rare times feeling, like, a protective aspect of my siblings and my cousins or whatever. And, uh, but I think then someone would have to pull it up the hill again. So that was a lot of work, and uh, it just felt like conceptually... I don't know. Like, and then there's inner tubes. I don't think there was a lot of inner tube sledding when I was a kid um, that I remember. But then, so then there was jumps, and this orange sled was made to jump. These orange or, or basic plastic two-person sleds. Uh, so usually you'd build a jump. Ideally, you know, kids had all these theories, and I used to fantasize that I could make a good uh, jump. Uh, but the best jumps were like even seasoned, like they'd be made and then the weather would hold. So the jump would be out there and it'd be able to freeze and then you'd be able to put more snow and ice on it. So you'd have to really pack the snow and you'd really need a good uh, lead in so that you just didn't crash right through the jump and uh, like ruin it. Uh, so whoever was making these jumps really, I mean, we would try... And I think maybe, like, as we got older, maybe we made one or two. But there was a couple times, yeah, whatever these jumps were made, like on this hill, you'd fly. And then sometimes you had to hold on to the sled and you had to sit upright. And, of course, people like my brother Carl would, like, jump out of the sled in midair. And it wasn't like you got so high. uh, Like, uh, I think it was the first chance as kids to get high. I mean, and I'm not kidding. Like, uh with adrenaline and thrills and uh, like sometimes someone would like get a scrape or, or get a little sad. Uh, but it was always also like braggadocia, like, Oh, did you see what I did? Or, or, Oh, I dare you to go backwards uh, or close your eyes or don't hold on or kids trying to go over in their saucers. Uh, so that was always nice. And there was something like uh, very, mechanically soothing, I guess, about sledding and then going over the jumps and then having to walk all the way back up the hill. And you'd be hearing the other kids going down and the noises of laughter and yelling. Um, they kind of seemed very nice and soothing and, and, and uh, comforting. And then the sweating was good because you'd be warm. And then at some point your extremities would get cold and then you'd go inside or you'd just be tired. But I think usually boredom or what, like someone crying would be the two signs it was time to go home. Though, I don't know if you're, you're like, uh, sometimes your fingers, or your toes get cold to be like, okay, I just like, I'm done. I want to go home now.
Yeah, but another really enjoyable thing about the snow is, like, being able to lie there, like, in a fresh pile of snow. And some people would make snow angels, and that was always a fun thing to do. But I don't know. I found it, like, uh, like uh, especially when you were really warm because you had a lot of winter clothes on, lying in deep powder and like uh, being immersed so that you almost lose sight of the horizon, but you still have sight of the sky and the snow's deep enough that you can't feel quite feel the earth beneath you. You can only feel the snow. And uh, even like because you're below the horizon, your hearing is different and you can hear different snow sounds like crackling and the, the regular sounds change. And there's something very visceral about the cold, being so close to something cold that it really is a perfect place to lay and to think about, like, how warm you feel, like, with warmth all around you and that you're cradled in something uh, so safe and warm and nice and you're looking off in the sky. The stage happens to be the perfect blue. It's just some wispy clouds in the sky. And it's like uh, you're warm. You're super warm, you know, with whatever that wool or is. But you're not hot. And you see, man, this feels good. It feels like I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. I just feel so good right now. So warm. So secure, uh, so nice. Uh, good night. I want to thank everybody that reviewed the show over on Apple Podcast uh, from Australia, Prawn Frog, uh, who said, does a uh, uh, hiya like our friend Miss Piggy does, uh, Kermit, uh, and uh, says, seriously induced sleep, uh, hiya. Uh, but podcast actually sends me sleep with enthralling stories I can't get enough of. Funny, lighthearted, banterful podcast. Never fails to do the trick. Uh, Scooter seems pr- pretty decent. Uh, working my way through the only, through the old episodes. So my only uh, issue is uh, de- de- dealing with the app. Uh, uh, Men Gem One. No clue what this is about. Five stars. Uh, fall asleep within a minute or two. Uh, 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 dealing with some stuff that's uh, making sleep tough. And I tried this out. Totally hooked. Thank you. Yeah, good. This is from 735. Uh, the podcast is good. Uh, thank you. Uh, one TT, uh, number one TT, uh, speaks too fast. Uh, that's not relaxing. That might just be the beginning of the show with the ads, or the podcast might have got bumped uh, to like 1.5 speed. Uh, I don't think, I'd, maybe, or maybe I am speaking too fast. I don't know. I'll try to slow down. It works for me. Uh, four stars. This is from uh, Akari. Uh, Solved my mind spinning insomnia. I thought to myself, huh, this isn't what I expected the first time I listened. I wonder if I'll be able to fall asleep. Then I fell asleep. Uh, thank you. I listened to Star Trek episodes. Uh, uh, Waxana. Waxana. I find myself correcting when he says Risa. Or locks, I don't, I'm not doing a bit either. I find myself correcting him, but generally meandering recaps knock me right out. Uh, as soon as I have some flexible income, I'll become a patron. 
thanks. Uh, but it doesn't work for everybody, which is correct. Uh, nuanced rambling from Uncle Scoots, uh, from Faye from UK, which rhymes. Uh, just discovered the podcast a few days ago. Enjoy the wordplay and languid rambles. Uh, it don't last beyond 20 minutes. A strangely potent sleep aid. Uh, true believer. This is from Ann, Ann R. Uh, heard about it on BuzzFeed. Highly praised and figured why not? Nothing else has been working. Nothing to lose. Best decision I made. I don't think I've ever made it to a story. I barely make it through the intro before I'm out like a light. It helps me sleep through the most of the night. Occasionally, uh, uh, uh sorry, distracted by the next, uh, thank you, uh, Ann. Or this one, uh, is this man drunk or high as a kite? No, unfortunately, this is my natural state. And one star. Please ignore the five star reviews because this COS, this app is dreadful. It's a podcast, by the way. Uh, but, but do not download. Don't waste your time. Counting sheet is far more effective than this irritating nonsense. That's from Sunshine. Little Ray Sunshine. Uh, thank you. Uh, A and G. Says, great podcast. Usually fall asleep. Occasionally I don't. Scoots keeps me company either way. At DB340 from Australia, thanks. I appreciate the time and effort of making this podcast uh, quite unorthodox. Uh, first, I found it strange to listen to, but after a few episodes, I was hooked. Uh, many thanks. Uh, many thanks to you. And PJ finally says, works every time. Literally can't tell you what gets talked about. Uh, never make it that far. I just remember the phrase, this deep, dark night, increase your creaky, dulcet tones, and I uh, appreciate the help Scooter provides. Uh, I'm a Patreon subscriber. Since starting listening to three months ago, I've only used medication when I was sick and needing NyQuil. Worth a try. Thanks, everybody, PJ and everybody else, uh, uh, reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. Thanks and good night. All right, hey, everybody, we're going to be talking about uh, Tale of the Tape tonight, another holiday Tale of the Tape in our holiday movie Tale of the Tape series. Uh, and I don't know if this is a movie, like, well, I guess I don't know, because I barely pay attention most of the time. You know, I'm too caught up, uh, I'm locked into my own world, and I have the blinders on, and I'm locked in my own world. Uh, but this was a movie I actually have seen in the movie theater, probably like uh, at least once, maybe maybe twice or three times, and like a like uh, where it comes back out again. But it's a movie I really don't remember too much about it, uh, other than it stars one of my favorite actors, and it probably has it has a, like uh, like one of my favorite comedic actresses uh, who I've talked about on the show before. And other than that, I probably forget, forgot everything else. Uh, somebody, uh, multi-genre talent, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the other, other people in the movie. And it's, uh, it's a movie starring uh, Bill Murray called Scrooged. And it took place in the eighties. Uh, once upon a time. Okay. Now I'm remembering why I couldn't remember one of the characters. And it's, of course, a retelling of uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And it was always, like, I think there was a couple of creative moments. I think, I don't know what, uh, when it came, it came out in the 80s, maybe the 90s. Maybe it came out in 90, 91, but I'm not sure about that. And 
It may have come out the same year as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but I'm, you know, I'm not positive about that either. But that would be a banner year for holiday films. And I don't know, I guess just like the last couple of years, there's been uh, some comedies, uh, holiday comedies. So I guess Deck the Halls, you know, like uh, that's pretty good news. But Scrooge is the tale of uh, Bill Murray. Let's see. I'm trying to remember where, like, I had, like, I, there's one scene that I never forget, and then there's everything else I'm going to try to remember. And we say, Scoots, how is this the only scene you remember? And you say, well, this is the kind of humor I liked. Uh, but so, uh, at some point, we meet Bill Murray, who's going to be our main character, our Ebenezer Scrooge. And I'm not sure of his name yet. Maybe I'll remember it, but probably not. And this might be a movie to to check out and see how it has uh, aged, uh, if it's aged like a fine wine or not. I want to say Bill Pullman, not not Ron Perlman, though, you know, Buster Poindexter and Ron Perlman, like, uh, maybe like, uh, there's like, uh, I don't know, they kind of remind me of each other a little bit. And so, okay, so what happens in this movie? Okay, so it starts out, we meet Bill Murray, who's going to be Ebenezer Scrooge. And I think the cover, let's see, the co- the cover art, the poster art was said Scrooge. I want to say someone's smoking a cigar, and it's like being lit by, uh, I don't know, I can't, like I'm picturing someone smoking something, and Bill Murray, and then another head that shows like one of the go- like uh, the uh, the f- 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 friends, the uh, n- like uh, the holiday friends, holiday. Uh, I don't know what we call them. The G H O. You know the bus. The, the, the uh, we'll, fi- well, I'll figure it out. And I guess I'm not surprised, like because this has been told the tale as old as time. Let's run through some other Scrooge movies while my brain hopefully remembers some stuff. Uh, like so, we had uh, who was the person that played Patton? That's my brother brother's favorite, Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, and I don't know who that is. Then you had the motion capture Jim Carrey one. I haven't seen that one, but I'm sure it's great. Uh, we have uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol that stars Mickey Mouse. I think, uh, I'm not sure who's Scrooge in that. Is, uh, is Scrooge McDuck Ebenezer Scrooge or is that two on the nose? Is it uh, Donald? Uh, I don't know. Donald doesn't speak in sentences. So I guess it was like Mickey working for Ebenezer. Was that Scrooge McDuck's uh, first appearance? Scrooge McDuck is played by Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, so we had that one. There's probably, I don't know, like, uh, have you checked out, Be- does Betamaximus still exist? Or uh, I'm sure on YouTube, and I, sh- I share this every holiday season. Before I started the podcast, I think someone came out with this, like, web app or this website called Betamaximus, which was kind of like a fun way to consume YouTube videos from the 80s of uh, holiday specials and commercials. I guess now there'd be something to look for on my YouTube and uh, Instagram or something, but because uh, um, it's basically like I think like the most of the things are like that I look at on Instagram are like uh, I don't know, not important. But so who else do we have? We have who's that? C. Robert Riley? No, he played Patton, and he's got a, like uh, he's a very powerful. Uh, 
Uh, I think there's got to be a couple more. Patrick Stewart. Did Patrick Stewart play? I can't see Patrick Stewart as Ebenezer Scrooge, but I also can't not see it. Uh, I want to say that's probably like a 90% chance. Uh, I mean, I don't see him as Bob Cratchit. Uh, I would love, I guess that's what I'll be watching this holiday season, either in my brain or as, uh, or maybe Patrick, I don't think Patrick Stewart was in, uh, that would be a good character. That's another good guess is looking into the Scrooge movie. But I think it's a guy from Paper Chase, uh, uh, maybe, or uh, E.F. Hutton. <laughs> that's, okay, so. Okay, where was I? Oh, other movies about, uh, what's it called? Christmas Carol. Well, I remember the, yeah, I don't know, did the, uh, did Bugs Bunny, I'm sure Bugs Bunny did a version with Daffy. Daffy Duck would be a perfect Scrooge. Uh, so that's one. Yeah, I'm probably sure that, I'm pretty sure that some other, uh, like that probably on a sitcom, that would be perfect because it's a very, like, it's almost an archetypal story. And I wonder if there was any, like, if it stems from any, like, if, uh, screw, uh, not screw, Charles Dickens was inspired by any of, uh, anything before that. And if you make it to the Dickens Fair here in the Bay Area, I don't know if I'll make it this year, and this is getting recorded ahead of time, but, uh, they do, like, a streetmosphere performance in different locations of a Christmas carol. I don't know if it was last year or the year before I was with my daughter and we followed Scrooge after he had awoken and he was going and he was kind of making amends and thanking people and greeting people. He was going into shops and uh, I think Bob Cratchit saw us and then Ebenezer came up and talked to us. Uh, we said, yeah, we're just following you around. You're so full of Christmas cheer. We can't help it. It's infectious. And he shook my hand and uh, said hello to my daughter. It was very invigorating. So it's another performance. There's probably a lot of plays. I know here in the Bay Area, the uh, uh, the ACT Theater puts on a performance of A Christmas Carol. And let's see, what else? Uh, what other things am I trying to remember? Uh, I don't know, my mind went blank. There's probably other reimaginings of it, too. But like right when the pressure comes out, my brain says, hmm, I'm suddenly forgetful, usually verbose, uh, but I'm going to be short on the details, Scoots. Uh, but this one goes, and I guess this was like the 90s, so this was like cable television, and it was a ripe for parody or satire. I don't know which one this was. Uh, but so Bill Murray was a big TV executive at a, so like a cable network, I'm presuming. And the first scene I remember, uh, like, that just strikes me is this scene that, I, like, was my favorite in the movie, which was, like, Bill very excited uh, about showing the, the like, uh, spring or the, like, 20, the next year's uh, TV slate or the the holiday TV slate uh, uh, to the other executives at the uh, network or the advertisers or somebody. And they run this trailer of like, uh, uh, I think actually maybe it's a trailer for Scrooge. Uh, and it just like uh, shows like, uh, it's very gritty and it kind of shows like, geez, like uh, people are down, uh, people like it makes it into this epic, uh, 
Yeah, but it shows like like our current times, which like when they made this, it was uh, it was very much like it is now. The the uh, zeitgeist, uh, the feeling. Uh, so it kind of talks about people on edge. Is something 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 uh, Scrooge? Uh, and they also, I think they ran some trailers for some other shows that were really wild too. Like at least that's my memory. Like I was like, holy cow, that that sound. But maybe that was during the movie. Uh, but you could say it was a very dark vision. And everyone, of course, uh, Bill Murray is like very happy, or maybe he like. Uh, and no one else is. And Bill Murray has this like extremely uh, proficient, uh, proficient, is that the right word? He is a, like a assistant that he works with. And she's like literally holding his whole life together. And she cares for him deeply. And he takes her completely for granted. Uh, but I don't know, is she the Bob Cratchit? Um, she, I don't think she is. And to think about that, who's the Cratchit? Maybe we get multi cratchits in this movie because they think his assistant, she's kind of like uh, working with him, trying to get time off. I think she has a husband and a son at home. And, uh, you know, she's working very hard to, to, to give them the best life she can. And uh, so she's kind of stuck with Bill Murray, but she still cares for him. And so, so anyway, they do this screening of the trailer for Scrooge, and then everybody's like, what the heck, dude? Like, that looks, uh, like I thought it was going to be, like, maybe it's the owner of the network, like, uh, uh, Ted Turner or somebody. I don't know, like, a like that type character. And like, what are you doing with my network? And then they kind of show that it's going to be like simulcast, like, around the world. It's this huge production. You know, live, I don't even know, like famous, like famous Olympians are in it and famous people who's, who all, I forgot everyone. And like, I think probably Scrooge is probably played by was someone with some serious uh, gravitas. Uh, but I don't know who, like, uh, I think the, the dude from the paper chase, whose name I forget, uh, maybe that's who, who who's narrating it. I don't know. You know, I think they have, you know, like the, the like the, the rockets and some famous choruses, you know, choruses from Vienna Chorus, the, uh, like, Harlem Gospel Choir. Like, I don't even know. Like, they just have, like, all these musical groups. Uh, and so it's a really hyped up thing. And they're like, Jesus, production's got to go perfect. And, it, and then it slowly builds to, like... Uh, well, geez, uh, Eb, what's his name? Ebenezer. So it's definitely not that. And it's not like, not Nezer, Nazar, Ebby, Ed. I don't think it's Ed. And not a lot of main characters in movies named Ed that I can think of. You know, Mr. Ed had his, had his own show, but, uh, but so whatever. They're like, dude, you're, you're like, you're putting all this money into it, like a high budget, high production value, high concept, uh, uh, don't mess it up. Uh, and, and he's like trying to make this must see TV before this was before there was must see TV and that was comedy. And so also you see that he's very, uh, like Bill Murray's character is very, uh, uh selfish and self-centered and not like he doesn't care. He says, this is my vision. Get it done. I don't care about anybody's feelings or, 
potential consequences. I'm the one, I'm the visionary. And uh, that's basically it. Now I'm getting a rip-torn signal right into my brain. Rip-torn, R-I-P-T-O-R-N, a famous actor, well-known, beloved actor. And right now I'm seeing rip-torn in... uh, in some sort of golf outfit. Uh, so, and again, I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure. So who's that? But Jacob Marley. So at some point in the story, you know, Ebenezer makes everybody work late. Is grouchy. Uh, this is still like the 23rd or something, like December 23rd. Uh, and then he gets a warning from Jacob Marley. And so in this case, it's Rip Torn, I think, is a golfer who's moved on to the big golf course in the sky. And I don't know why I picture, I just picture him in like a golf sweater with a diamond pattern, pink pants, uh, maybe on a golf cart, uh, maybe golf balls like falling out of his pockets and stuff, and probably a golf cap. But this could be from another movie like Beetlejuice or something, but I just saw that, so it might not be. But, uh, Basically, Rip Torn says, dude, like, uh, first he says, what am I? I'm stressed, right? Uh, or I drank too much. Uh, and he says, don't worry about it, buddy. And, you know, Rip Torn really uh, is, is a great comedic actor, uh, especially in these kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, not exactly, I guess kind of like a bossy rich guy that's changed. And this is kind of says, you don't know, like, uh, you don't know we were, we're going after the wrong stuff and working too hard. And he says, you got to remember the finer things in life. Uh, and like, uh, quit messing around and, and don't do, you know, get, get your act together. Uh, and I think they're in his office. And again, for a kid like from Syracuse, New York, this also played in this idea of New York City is the center. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that's where it took place. It could have been in Chicago. It's either in New York or Chicago because uh, it was in an urban center. Uh, but so, like, uh, uh, is this like, you know, this glamorous life with this beautiful office and a bar and all this stuff uh, or his beautiful apartment? I don't know which one was which. Uh, but basically, Rip Torn shows up to say, hey, like, uh, you got to change your ways or you're going to be sorry. And I think that I guess that's like a Jacob Marley was much more uh, less funny, I guess, even in uh, in the remakes. Uh, Jacob Marley was more like or maybe not. Maybe in the real story, Jacob Marley's hilarious. I don't remember. He almost said C. Everett Coop uh, for the one star from the patent, uh, but I'll think of their name. Oh, I almost had it again. Uh, George George R. Martin, no, but I think George C. Shaw, no. It's definitely George something. I know it's not George Plimpton. George C. Riley. That's what I said the first time. That's the closest. Uh, George uh, Scott, George C. Scott. I think that's the name of the... My brother's favorite Scrooge. So there you go. Trivia question. And you want to put like you you want to see someone in good mutton chops. Uh, you know, go look up a George C. Scott and mutton chops. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Bill Murray looks normal. He's just playing uh, like, but it's okay. So he's talking to Rip Torn. Rip Torn says, "Get your act together, man." Like, uh, 
take it or leave it. I'm going to go off to the Hawaii in the sky or the, the back nine. And Bill Murray does not take it seriously. And we kind of see some, probably some more scenes. I'm just assuming this of excess and, uh, at some point, like in here, either post-Riptorn or pre-Riptorn, he has a, I don't know if he has a girlfriend or someone he's dating, but I think he does. There's someone that loved him once. I think someone that loved him once, that maybe comes, is, it, is Amy Brennerman in this movie? I don't know. That would be a joy to remember. I want to say Andy McDowell, but she would have been in already in, uh, uh, she was in Groundhog's Day. Oh, I'll think of who it is. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. She was in Indiana Jones. Uh, that's who the, that's who's the love interest is. But at this point, I don't think they know each other or they've fallen out of touch. Or maybe she comes and says, Hey, could you loan some money? I work at this, uh, this like a homeless shelter. I'm like, uh, into doing stuff for other people. I want to say she works at a very community-based uh, direct service organization uh, from some of the what I'm remembering, but I'm not positive about that. But anyway, he says, hit the road. Then his brother comes. Uh, his brother may be played by Bill Pullman, or uh, there's another actor that like uh, reminds me a lot of Karen. Um, it'll, it'll come to me. Don't worry, uh, Karen. <laughs> I know you're not worried, but... Uh, uh, that's the lead actress. And then either Bill Pullman or uh, another actor that remind when you say, well, that, that person reminds me of Bill Pullman when it's in Scoots' mixed up brain. Uh, but maybe it's either his bro- brother or his nephew. He says, hey, uh, like he plays uh, whoever, like I guess his nephew or his brother, like in The Christmas Carol, he says, hey, I'd love to have you with the family uh, this year you know, with our holiday cheer. And he says, no, 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 no. I got, I got the Scrooge live, man. Like, uh, uh, there's no one taking any holiday time off. Uh, and I'm not taking any time. And he goes, plus I don't need any. Fa-. He goes, are you still, uh, I think his brother says, Hey, listen, I'm going to get married. Uh, I got great news or, you know, some kind of great news. He says, I don't care, man. Uh, relationships are overrated. And I only care about success. Like, I guess that's kind of like, but, you know, it's Bill Murray. So he is able to retain the audience uh, because he just has like an affable likability, even when he's playing a curmudgeon. Okay, so uh, let's see, where was I? So uh, also he probably uh, at some point he uh, does decides, just like in all these movies, not to give out Christmas bonuses. And he gives everyone some d- discount that he said, hey, just buy everybody like uh, something uh, like some other cheap, cheap gift. Uh, that's like ridiculous. Uh, but so, OK, so he, he's met with Jacob Marley. I'm trying to think there's other stuff. Uh, OK, oh, Bob, OK, Bobcat Goldthwait is in it. So I think, oh, boy. Is Bob, so this is where I get mixed up. Like, uh, it's Bobcat Goldthwait. So you have Bobcat Goldthwait, his brother, and uh, his secretary, who's played, uh, like uh, uh, Alfie Woodard, I think, uh, plays her, his secretary, or his, like, assistant. But so 
Uh, let's see. So I think Bobcat Goldthwait quits uh, and then, uh, like, swears that he's going to, like, uh, maybe shut down the production of Scrooge. Uh, like, uh, but he gets fired and he, he's, like, really devastated. But he was, like, the voice of reason. Well, I guess, like, uh, whose name am I trying to? Oh, Bob Cratchit. So he is a little bit of a Cratchit, too. So you have a Tri Cratchit in this situation. So you have Bobcat's character, who's like an accountant, maybe, uh, but says, hey, this is, this is like uh, the Christmas, this goes against the Christmas spirit, and also you didn't give us a bonus, and I was counting on the bonus, uh, so that really left me high and dry. Uh, then you have uh, uh, Grace, is that his secretary's assistant's name? Uh, or is that... Uh, Karen Karen Allen's name is like, uh, but anyway. So his assistant, she kind of she kind of uh, still tries to deal with it. And Frank is his name. Frank. It's all coming together now. Somebody's called, somebody's name's Frank. I think he's Frank. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's Frank. Uh, so his secretary, she kind of like uh, like does her best to deal with it and manage him and make the most of a bad situation. And she's kind of giving him extra chances, uh, but she also needs her job. Uh, and, uh, but she cares about him, but she's also like, uh, she kind of stands up to him uh, and gets sick of him. And then we have, I guess Scrooge didn't have a love interest, did he? Then we have his brother, who I guess is kind of like his brother's nephew, who says, geez, we love you. We just want you to, uh, whatever, come back to the good old days or something. And then Karen Allen, who plays, uh, no, no, Grace. I don't know. I think he's Frank. Uh, so we're making some headway here. Uh, so, okay. So those are the people. Then at some point he meets the Casper of Christmas past, uh, who's played by uh, David Johansson, Buster Poindexter. Those are, is that the same person or is that two different people? Hello, is this thing on? I don't know. But so that's like that who's a cab driver. I think what happens is he gets something uh, happens. Maybe this is when he cancels the bonuses or he's like maybe says uh, everyone's working on Christmas or whatever. Uh, but then he goes to leave work and he gets in a cab, but it's like, maybe he's asleep and he thinks he wakes up for work, but whatever. He gets in a cab and it's, uh, David Johansson's driving the, the cab, New York Dolls, uh, and they start driving around and then they start to drive into the past. Uh, and that's pretty standard, uh, for, for a Scrooge remake, uh. Or a Christmas Carol remake, like you go back and kind of see the hard times uh, when Frank was innocent and he was a good kid, and but you know then he said, "Well, just like uh, patriarchy, join it, or but can't can't beat it, join it, or something." I don't know what the slogan was back then, but uh, probably like a little bit of like uh, blue, blue collar uh, embarrassment, so he kind of has to bootstrap it. Uh, you know, typical American tale. It then gets to a turning point where he kind of turns away from his brother and then meets uh, Karen Allen and then uh, turns away. She says, well, geez, we could we just, uh, you know, we could be beatniks or whatever. 
what this is the eighties, I guess. So it wasn't like it was between eras because they weren't deadheads and they couldn't, uh, like be wooks or whatever. So like, she's like, yeah, we could just be, uh, you know, thoughtful, caring people that don't worry about money. And he goes, well, I got this emptiness in me from being a kid. Like, uh, that I think power and uh, accomplishments going to fill up. So uh, forget it. Uh, and she says, one last chance, probably. And he says, no, 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 not one last chance. And then, uh, yeah, then he probably sees some more stuff. Uh, let's see the past. Probably sees how close he was with his brother. Maybe, does he see other characters? Maybe does he see that uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's character was like, uh, like once, I think he lives with a bunch of dogs, or he gets into the dog, he gets in the dog pound. Uh, but so he sees all that. He says, Oh, can't we stay? You know, he gets to a nice place. He says, Can't we stay just a little longer? I think that's like a, and then they say, No, 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 we got to move on. Uh, then let's see, is it, do they all come? They all come in one night. So he must be like, uh, and it's Christmas Eve, it's the time of the show. Okay, so maybe he left uh, in the cab. I think he still gets some time left. So maybe he's like sleeping in his office, but like they got to be getting ready for the show. And meanwhile, stuff starts going wrong with that. Uh, like, I don't know, like uh, Tiny Tim is played by uh, Olympian Mary Lou Renner, Mary Lou Redden, Mary Lou Redden, I think. Uh, and they say, well, she can't go on. And then like uh, whoever. Uh, Houseman, John Houseman, that's, uh, gets a cold. And then whoever else, the big star, you know, then the like, uh, sets are falling apart, but you know, so then he probably has to take another nap now. Is it the past, present or the past, future that comes next? I mean, I guess it's the present. And that's like a highlight for me because it's Carol Kane and she's very funny. She plays like this kind of over the top, uh, uh, friend, very present, like, uh, I think she's on, like, a high wire, like, floating, and she's trying to, like, uh, wake her Frank up, uh, uh, so there's a lot of that, and she kind of, like, uh, talks in kind of her Carol Caney, uh, a little bit of a baby talk, uh, aggressive baby talk voice, and, She's she kind of tries to show Frank the hard and cold of it. So I think you probably see Bobcat Goldthwait with all the dogs. Uh, maybe he lives at a dog pound. Uh, then we see Grace, his assistant, like uh, with her family struggling. Uh, her son plays a big part. So I think her son is she. Maybe she is Bob Cratchit because her son kind of is dealing with an issue. And, uh, it kind of becomes the heart, like, uh, Bill Murray's character's heart, I guess. Uh, yeah. So we see her and her son, maybe like they get some, probably to go in for a checkup. Uh, and the doctor says, well, uh, like, uh, yeah, like uh, this, you know, this kid needs like that Christmas bonus you were going to get. And she goes, all I got was, uh, like, uh, this Filofax or something. And then she gets called back into work. She probably says, you know, oh, geez, I got to go back into work. And everybody's like, can't believe it. Uh, then we see his brother with uh, his friends uh, and his wife or his girlfriend or his fiance. And they're all having a laugh at his brother, you know, at Frank. They say, uh, 
Jeez, he goes, geez, I thought, like, I invited my brother for Christmas Eve, and they said, thank goodness he didn't come. That guy's the worst. Uh, he goes, oh, you don't really know my brother. And then his brother's wife's like, well, I do, and he is the worst. Uh, and then uh, we see uh, probably Karen Allen's character. I think his assistant's Grace. But so... Then we see Karen Allen at work and uh, the direct service and the impacts of not having a good enough direct service, I think. And it causes a little bit of gratitude, but then maybe he goes a little cold again and says, well, I don't care about any of this stuff. And he's like, my brother made fun of me. These people need to be bootstrappers. This guy lives at Dog Pound. Forget it. Okay, then what happens? That's a good question. So I think what happens after that is, uh, like, do things even get, like, maybe he gets fired? Like, I think he starts, uh, does he do something and he gets really mad? And then he gets fired uh, by, like, uh, Ted Turner. Maybe there's, like, a consultant there. Like, uh, is that in another movie? Like a smarmy guy, like uh, who says, "Frank, you're 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 aged out. Uh, like uh, you're not hip anymore. I am." So he gets fired. Is then he like? Uh, then I think the uh, Bobcat Goldthwait and all the dogs come, or something. And at some point, like uh, he realizes. Uh, Maybe it's too early, but uh, at some point he reconnects with Bobcat Goldthwait's character. Or maybe not yet, because then he goes and he meets our friend from the future, the Casper of Christmas Future. And that one's, in a, you know, it always shows, uh, like, him at the end alone, nobody cares. Uh, you know, he's going to the big farm, but nobody cares. Uh Probably shows like the impact the Christmas bonuses could have had for Grace and her family, and for uh, Elliot uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, he's like uh, they could have paid for the half. Uh, like uh, the Enterprise shows Karen's Allen's character getting married to somebody else, and uh, or maybe like the the uh, shelter she works at getting shut down. Uh, and taken over by, like, more uh, cable news networks. I don't know. And it's probably some worse stuff uh, where he says, geez, like, uh, this is the life I lived. Uh, you know, Bill, Bill Murray's always got, li- like, funny lines. Uh, I'm trying to think what other characters he's played like this. Uh, like, I guess, a good Groundhog Day. Like, what other movies? I guess that's pretty much, it's, uh, like, a very similar character. Uh, if not uh, pretty close, like uh, cynical, uh, I guess change, things change faster, but whatever. At this point, after he sees the future, that's maybe when he teams up with Bobcat Goldthwait, and they say, okay, uh, to get all the dogs. Uh, I don't know why I keep picturing them like, with a, a ton of, like, like 30 dogs. Uh, and what they do is uh, they try to make everything right. Uh, so they go back on the air. Maybe they, like, uh, I think they come up with, like, a big scheme. What happened to everybody else that worked there? I don't know. That's a good question. But so at some point, they come up with some sort of big scheme. 
maybe they do like like John Houseman or Ted Turner, that they do like a double distraction so that uh, maybe like uh, Bobcats run around with all the dogs and they run through the movie and they like that throws the set off and what happens in the real one is just he wakes up and he says, God bless us, everyone. Or he goes and hears Tiny Tim say that. And he says, you're right, Tiny Tim. So I think at another point he calls uh, uh, Grace and she, he says, bring her, your son down. Uh, I'm announce on the air that I'm like foregoing all the royalties and I'm giving all the money uh, to the shelter uh, that Karen Allen works at. and." you know, to help your son and to house all Elliot's dogs. And I think he says, like, and then he goes through his journey, like, uh, so everybody knows how to learn. And they see, he says, you know what? I started this, uh, like, I'm a, you know, I canceled all the Christmas bonuses. Uh, and I've like, uh, wasn't nice to Elliot. I fired Elliot, uh, my loyal assistant here, overwork her and underpay her. And you get like cool reactions, uh, like, uh, that's one of the other cool things is like, so you see like, uh, uh, Grace's mother, maybe your son's there, maybe your son's at home, but they say, yeah, yeah, mom, we're so proud of you. And that guy is, uh, and then you see like everybody in the world's tuned into this. So then Frank's brother and his wife are watching it and they're like, what is your brother talking? Was he lost his mind? And at some point, you know, Elliot and the dogs are there. And then Karen Allen shows up on the set and he says, get out over here. Like, this is when it get, like, uh, gets good. When This is when Bill Murray's at his best. Uh, and he probably does some jazz dancing with her and says, listen, uh, I've been a fool. And I really should only be a fool for you. Uh, and, you know, here's a check for, for the charity you work for. And I hope you can, uh, can, I can come down there and work with you tonight instead of, uh, doing all the rich stuff I was going to do. And he says, you know, life, life lived of, uh, trying to attain things. Uh, he goes, I think I was just covering up for this, like a little tiny hole inside. And I was able to see it and maybe he even tells like really what really happened. Everybody's cracking up and they think that he's improving, uh, you know, and maybe even like they show Karen Allen and, uh, not Karen Allen. I'm sorry. Uh, Carol Kane, Karen Allen is there with him and Buster Poindexter, like watching, uh, Dave Johansson. And they're watching him and laughing at him and saying, Oh, dude, do oh, dear. And then he lifts up uh, uh, Grace's son on his shoulders, just like he would Tiny Tim. And he, like, does really goofy stuff. Like, he points at the camera, like, for the live stream and says, you know, a doobie doo uh, something like that. He starts singing, the world will be a better place, I think, maybe. Uh, or something, like, and then everybody's singing, and it's really inspirational. You give it a helping hand. Uh, Oh, put a little love in your heart. That's a movie. That's the song. The world will be a better place. Uh, and he's singing it, and then the camera pulls out, I think. Uh, I think that's the whole movie. Yeah, so it sounds like pretty light fare, actually, and uh, maybe like overly dependent on 80s uh, or 90s uh, famous people to make some of this stuff work and 
I don't know. Now, it's funny that now they have that live telecast. Like NBC does the live musical twice in a row, I think, uh, and not that long after the holiday season. So, I mean, that's still a tradition that's going on. But I don't know. I always remember this movie just because, well, I love Bill Murray. Is that? Please tell me Bill Murray's in this. I forgot Bobcat Goldthwait was in it. And again, I like uh, like anything that gave me an insight into like imagining how the TV business was, even if it was fake. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it like was like uh, like a fun take. I don't know like when the one if there was. I guess because all the other re- retakes of a Christmas Carol I'd seen have been would, were cartoons probably at that point. And uh, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray. Uh, check it out this holiday season. Good night. All right, I want to thank uh, some people over here on Twitter, uh, Stealing Sand. Uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Margo V, thank, thank you, and good night. Uh, Old Gray Rabbit, thanks, and good night. Matt B, thank you, and good night. Uh, Emily E, uh, thanks, and good night. Julian and Jenna, thanks, and good night. Uh, Opta Prime, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Hell Breakfast, thanks, and good night. Uh, Stay Upbeat, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Sir, uh, 773, thanks, and good night. Uh, uh, Gwenny, thank you, and good night. Uh, Felix Product, Jason, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, uh, Shy, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Melissa H to the J and Conan, thank you and good night. Thanks and good night. Abutal, thank you. Whatchamacallit, thanks and good night. Everybody at Bald Move, thanks and good night. Sally W, thanks and good night. Uh, K Hi, thanks and good night. Good night. Uh, Lizzie, thank you and good night. Uh, uh, Tracy, thanks and good night. Uh, Jessica K and Chris K, different K's at the end, but you know both of them. Thank you and good night. Uh, De Bono, De Bono, De Bono, bought dog shelter. Uh, shout out to Tucker. Uh, thanks and good nights. Uh, Abby, thanks and good night. Jelly Sack, thanks and good night. Uh, Space Pod, uh, check out Space Pod. Thanks and good night. Uh, Flavio, thanks and good night. Uh, Victoria, if, if fake Vic, you're real to me. Thanks and good night. Wook you to hear. Thanks and good night. That's silly. Uh, Madison, thanks and good night. Uh, Treg, uh, thank you and good night. Uh, and Julian again. Uh, thanks and good night to Abby, Alexandria, Anna, or Hannah, or both. Uh, uh, Farrell, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, thanks and good night. Uh, Barbara K, uh, twerk, uh, twerk, uh, thanks and good night. Henry, uh, W, thanks and good night. Eric, uh, thanks and good night. Texas Beck, uh, thank you and good night. Allie G, thanks and good night. It's a different Allie G, but, you know, this, uh, uh, you could count it, uh, uh, Taylor, thanks and good night. Uh, Chris D, thank you and good night. Sam G, thanks and good night. Babs, be like Babs, uh, thanks and good night. Bridget, uh, thanks and good night. 
Uh, Jesse, thank you and good night. MC Escher, thanks and good night. Iron, half speed, thank you. Carla, thank you. Uh, Liz P, thanks. Adam, thanks and good night. Carla M, thanks and good night. Ayun, thank you and good night. Mary Beth, thanks and good night. Christine, thanks and good night. My peaches, thanks and good night. Angie, thank you and good night. Uh, Kathleen, thanks and good night. Uh, everybody checked out the uh, uh, doc at uh, the New York City Documentary Festival. Thanks and good night. Summer, thanks and good night. Lizzie, thanks and good night. Sal, old Sally Ann, thanks and good night. Uh, uh, Chrysanthi, thanks and good night. Nick, uh, thanks and good night. Roman, thanks and good night. Lindahl, thank you and good night. Eli, uh, the keeper of the crypt, thanks and good night. Uh, uh, Kyla, thanks and good night. Uh, Cinnamon, thanks and good night. Elliot, uh, thanks and good night. Uh, thanks, thanks so much, everybody, and uh, good night. All right, hey, everybody, it's uh, time for, uh, I guess, like a trending Twitter t- Tuesday episode, like a little recap. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I've been, ad- I've been on an adventure. Oh, boy, have I been adventuring, like adventuring totally. Uh, and is those of you that are new, you might not know how my adventures normally start. So I'm going to fill you in. If you're a regular listener, this would probably be fun. But uh, like most of my adventures, now if you're new, you, you may or may not know this, but I have, like I spend a lot of time making the sleep, sleep with me. And so I don't like uh, sleep with me like uh, it could be considered a job, a pastime, and a hobby with the amount of hours I work at. But you still got to have... Uh, like they say, well, geez, you can't keep sustaining something unless you have something to refill you. And there's also this idea, like, sleep with me, it's found an audience because uh, people say, well, I was looking for some weird bedtime stories and you fit the bill. Or for a friend, like, we have a shared uh, sensibility, uh, kind of. And the internet is one of the great things about the internet is that, uh, like with certain sensibilities and neutral ones, it can bridge uh, the cr- cross cultural and distance boundaries. Uh, so people with very small interests can find other people that have the same interest and share it. And previously, this would be done, but it would just take a lot more work. Uh, and so, a lot of regular listeners know that, yeah, the way I recharge when I need to. Uh, is I hang out is I hang out with my dog Koa K O A is my dog's name Koa, and we kick back like let's say it's Saturday night and on Saturday night I record a podcast I get done around 10 p.m. or something, and then I say okay I'm gonna go to bed at 11 or 11:30, and I'm like okay well what am I gonna do uh, and I look at Koa. And then we do what our our pastime and our hobby is, which is listening to Knox, K-O-N-C-K-N-K-N-O-C-K-S, Knox. Like when you knock on a door, that's considered a knock. And my dog and I's hobby is listening to Knox, like, like Knox, like knocking on a door. But we just call it Knox, uh, I guess, which is shorthand for knocking on a door. I mean, you can't, we, like, if you're, if we are really desperate, we'll listen to people knocking on tables. 
but that's like a different, uh, this is people knocking on doors. Uh, so let me clarify that if you're a fan of people knocking on tables or objects, uh, I guess that's a different niche or pastime, a different, slightly different hobby, tangentially related, maybe adjacent, but different. And I guess I would say that's an important distinction because, uh, like, uh, like, like to, to respect both pastimes or to laugh at it, like, uh, Scooch, you're kidding me. Uh, what, what the heck? Uh, but yeah, let me paint a picture of you, like, uh, the recent Saturday night that just passed by when, uh, my evening was interrupted, uh, by adventure, ho- like a kind of holiday adventure. Uh, but like a big adventure, uh, but we'll get, we'll get to that. So, uh, like Co and I sit down, we say, okay, let's fire up some knocks. And, uh, you know, now that I have the podcast, I'm lucky enough to get some knocks. Uh, now there's amateur knocks and then there's enthusiast knocks. And this isn't against any amateur knockers. Uh, but like, is it like, I mean, I guess it, like I would call myself a knock enthusiast if I'm really like, uh, yeah, like, like it's just a, a small distinction, like between someone knocking on their door and recording it and sending it to me. Like it, it's a, a nice act of kindness and and whatever. Like, uh, uh, but but that would be like, and this isn't a like a, a value judgment. It's just like that's an amateur knock uh, or a knock like it could be an incidental knock recording, but that sounds more intentional. And, like, you can believe it or not, most of the time you can hear the intentions behind those knocks. So as a knock enthusiast, uh, and I've talked about this in other episodes where this hobby comes up, but, like, like you're either looking for a very intentional experience or, like, uh, like, um, like, like recorded, like, raw knocks uh, that are, like, real knocks recorded live. And again, like, uh, not really too much of a privacy thing, uh, uh, but like, there's, there's like, whatever, there's like wild knocks and there's intentional knocks uh, recorded by knock enthusiasts or, you know, people, I don't know, like probably like hand act actors and, uh, you know, Foley artists, holy cow, like a couple of the great, anyway, I don't want to go off too off topic, but, uh. So as a knock enthusiast, those are my two preferred types of knocks con- consumption right now. Now, before the Internet, like uh, when I was just a kid, like, uh, you know, a lot of teens were doing cool things. You know, I was tracking down knocks or recording my own and uh, any knocks I could get my hands on, just like a ma- magazine in the woods, if you know what I'm saying, under a rock, just like that, like in a different way. It's a, you got any knocks, I'll listen to them. You know, you, you meet maybe an exchange student in school or you go to college. I was lucky enough to go to school in New York City, so I had a little bit more. And that was like when back in those Unix days where you could like uh, go over to those forums or whatever the heck they were called, news groups. And then, well, you know, it's also not exactly like uh, you don't want to go to the top of the Empire State Building like I did and say, I'm a not, I love Knox because uh, people don't know. They say Knox, uh, like Knox gelatin, and like uh, like so. Some and some people that are Knox enthusiasts, it's an individual pastime. I don't know. You you know what I mean. You're on the internet. Everyone's got something they're into. 
But me and Koa, we like to sit back. We like to listen to the knocks. We'll play them on the stereo. And uh, usually lately I've been doing it Bluetooth. Uh, and then we'll play it once and then we'll look at each other. And play it again or we'll play a series of knocks. Uh, if it's, it just depends on like the recording. Kind of like a mixtape. Like, uh, uh, like when you're getting these things from other enthusiasts. And to address a couple other things, like, uh, Scoots, are you kidding me? Or have you totally gone off, uh, gone Borneo or whatever? I'd say, well, uh, are you serious? Uh, like, I'm seriously trying to put you to sleep, uh, so uh, kick back and just imagine me and Koa. And if you have to replace it with something normal, uh, you say, well, okay, we're just listening to the fire. Or we're listening to vinyl. I mean, people listen to vinyl records, like, that's that's considered normal, right? Or whatever, uh, we could be watching anime, whatever it is, playing video games. But Ko and I are listening to Knox. Uh, and if anybody listens to podcasts, knows I just uh, like I tend to have a soft spot for Eastern European Knox. Uh, oh, also, I do write not erotic Knox fiction, you know, inspired by my enthusiasm. I say, well, let me get my, like, uh, let me take my two favorite hobbies, uh, daydreaming or, uh, you know, the, the more uh, other version of daydreaming or in Knox. Uh, so I started writing some erotic Knox fiction. And still my most popular one is uh, Eastern European Knox. Uh, or I, like, I, like, like there's those, I, don't, I can't talk about any of that. Uh, and you say, well, where can I get my hands on your erotic Knox fiction? I say, well, uh, send a check or money order uh, for $4 million to... Uh, and maybe some people have heard of Hollywood Knox, which I heard they're trying, you know, they're making a parody of that one. Uh, but whatever, like, so I do, that's another thing I do, but uh, not when I'm, you know, this is just listening. And we were listening to some Knox, uh, like, a, like a recorded, uh, like high altitude Knox. Uh, that's all I can say. I don't want to say any more. And we were just chilling and, uh, you know, we were thinking about the holiday season, thinking about turtlenecks and and listening to these knocks. Because, uh, you know, high altitude, you can start to pitch your stuff. And, uh, you know, the altitude and the temperature all affect how the knock's going to sound. And they affect the human hand. And they can give you a sense of place and whatever. So we're listening to these knocks. Uh, I think that's enough about the knocks. Uh, like uh, TLDR, my dog and I. Listen to recorded knocks uh, as a hobby. Yes, I'm a knock enthusiast. Also, yes, I'm sure you could believe that I write uh, like uh, erotic knock fiction for my own uh, perusal. Or if you're like, yeah, if you're some billionaire, uh, reach out to me for for like multi millions. I'll write you in, into a character. You know, Dirk or Diane Knock or something. I, you know, I like. Uh, the knock that rocked. I, I never thought about doing uh, like rock and roll knock diaries, but there you go. I just thought of my next series, the knocks and knock the rock and the knocks. Uh, okay. Yeah. With tour buses. So there you go. There's my next series so available for millions of dollars uh, for private consumption. Yeah, so sitting there listening to the knocks and what always happens when we sit down to like relax is uh, the adventure begins and this time was no different. Uh, 
we're listening to the knocks, and then there's always a knock at my door. And Koa gave me a look, uh, and I looked at her. I said, what, you, what is that, like a Jennifer Aniston knock? Uh, and the only reason I thought that is because earlier we had seen something where Jennifer Aniston was knocking on a door, and, uh, like, it just happened to be able to pause it, and Co and I were like, like, I was like, did she really knock on that door? Or was it a Foley artist? And we couldn't figure it out. It was so flawless. Uh, but this knock uh, sounded like it. But then I realized it was a knock on my real door and not a recorded knock. Uh, also, like, if you don't listen to knocks with your dog, use headphones, because your neighbor's... Uh, well, uh, like, luckily I'm already like, uh, we're, you know, it's handled, uh, by living near me, but like when they first move in, they say, what the heck was, uh, what, what are you playing a video game over there? They say, oh yeah, totally. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, a, it's like a shoot, shoot, point and click. Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, a drift, drifting on the driftwood. It, 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 that's what it's called. Uh. Really, because it sounded like people were knocking on doors. Oh, yeah, it's like a Sherlock Holmes-style uh, mystery. A lot of door knocking because you're asking questions. And then they used to say, oh, really, could I, I got to write that. No, no, you don't need to write it down. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, so anyway, there's a knock at my door. So I go to my door, open my door, and who's on the other side of the door? But one of my favorite uh, elves uh, from the North Pole, Spackle, and, uh, like, uh, so, so let me fill you in if you're new. Spackle, S-P-A-C-K-L-E or something, is an elf, uh, works in the North Pole. The uh, elf that works in the North Pole, very high level elf, uh, elf, uh, uh, that, you know, works in more broader issues of solving, uh, bringing together elven peoples, uh, like high level stuff. So I knew this was important. Uh, but I said, Spackle, how the heck are you? I haven't seen you in ages. Uh, you know, so we did a little catching up, a little gabbing. Yeah, but Spackle had a serious, but Spackle said, what are you, uh, like, like, uh, listening to Knox? And I said, of course. Uh, and Spackle said, thank goodness, because uh, we need you. And I said, we, we, like the royal we, you and Santa. And uh, Spackle shook Spackle's head. And I said, Spackle, you got any bad holiday advice? Uh, and uh, Spackle said, uh, Spackle said, we got to save the holidays, as a matter of fact. And I said, what do you mean? Uh, and Spackle said, the holiday spirit has been uh, uh, like, uh, like, we need you. We need you undercover. And I said, who's we? And Spackle said, come on, get into my present. Uh, Spackle travels by present. Uh, like a giant present box. So I said, listen, Co, I paused the knocks. I said, uh, you know, I set up with somebody to make sure, come check on my dogs and know how long I'd be gone for. And I said, I'm probably headed into some dark universe or something, Co. So, uh, actually I said, I'll leave the knocks playing for you. She said, like, what were you talking to me? I was listening to these knocks. I said, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll leave a bowl of food and water for you. And so if I'm not back, uh, and then Co said, what are you still talking? I'm listening to these nine. I said, okay, don't worry. Uh, like, like, uh, I'm just going to have, I'm going to leave it like, uh, Co said, what? Uh, sorry. Uh, can you re rewind those knocks? 
And I said, you better hope uh, that merger Time Warner or whatever doesn't mess up your uh, our internet. Uh, and, you know, went out. And I said, all right, I got to go. Uh, so I went out with uh, Spackle and we got in this present. And then the present had a trouble starting or something. You know, it's like kind of like a portal, which I think, like I thought, as soon as you got in and put the lid on, like a giant box, a wrapped gift. And I said, like, but it didn't go into work immediately. It didn't start working immediately. And Spackle said, don't worry. It's a beta test. Uh, and give it a minute. And I said, okay. And he said, so Spackle, are we headed to, is Rudolph's nose out, out again? And Spackle said, no. And I said, does Santa have a cold? Does he need someone to fly the sleigh? Roberta Claus? Uh, and Spackle said, no. And I said, uh, does, does, uh, the Christmas, you said something like the Christmas spirit. Do they need an example? Uh, it was probably not me, but, uh, uh, is the Christmas light need to be relit or something? And Spackle said, no. And they said, well, then what is it, Spackle? And then Spackle said that, uh, Elon, Elon and Dan needed my help, uh, and I said, you mean Dan Harmon and Elon Musk? And Spanko said, oh, yes. And I said, well, is one of them uh, uh, Santa? And Spanko just looked at me. And I said, are they bo- Are they like a Voltron? Like, is that what it really is? Like, uh, is Santa split into two and is returned to the world? And now they need me to fuse them back together to be Santa for Christmas? And then Spackle tried to take my temperature, and I said, no, no, Spackle. Like, uh, he said, I, I've been thinking, I can't stop thinking about Dan Harmon and Elon Musk anyway, being best friends. It's like my dream come true. Uh, yeah, so I can't wait. Are we going to go meet with them right away? And Spackle silently, like, Spackle then tried to move, the, shake the present uh, to get it moving. And I said, am I going to be working side by side with Dan and Elon in some sort of secret lab, uh, and, uh, where they're like, like, they're like in, in Spackle said, no. And I said, okay, are we going to save Christmas? And Spackle said, we, we, you have work to do. And then Spackle like said, hold on. And Spackle started punching some buttons on Spackle's like phone. And I just started thinking about, like, so I'd seen this picture of uh, Dan Harmon uh, in uh, Elon Musk uh, a while back. Uh, and, of course, it made me think, wow. And then Dan was talking about, uh, like, a meeting Elon Musk. And, uh, that, like, of course, everybody's saying, well, those two should be best friends. Uh, and, like, it starts solving the world's problems. So it made sense to me. I guess the only thing that didn't make sense was that they needed my help. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but, of course, I was ex- my ego was like, let me get in there. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i secretly brilliant. I just don't know about it. So I said, Spat, and then I said, well, maybe this whole fusing them back into Santa Claus really. But Spackle said no to that. Uh, and then I started to po- I said, Spackle, uh, so am I going to be working with one of them? Because it would be tough to choose. Uh I said, are they going to be like, uh, like, are they, like, I said, whoa, this is cool. And Spackle just like looked at me and was sighed because Spackle's waiting for something to go through. And I said, uh, Spackle, where are we headed? 
and uh, Sabacco again shook the box, uh, and I said, uh, I, like, normally, I guess I'm not very good, with, uh, like, if I would have put my foot down or something, instead of, I'm not going to work with Dan or Elon, or you don't give me some answers, count me out of this present, or why are we sitting in a box uh, in my driveway? Yeah, this not good. This, this doesn't make any sense anyway. Last time we went in a box, I think it was a portal to another world. And uh, uh, then a truck came and picked us up, like a, like a courier truck. Uh, and the person it was a wicked struggle to get the truck in. And, and Speckle said, you know, shoot, don't make any noise. Uh, but finally the person got a, uh, well, like a dolly and, and got us in, went up the ramp and put us on. And then the truck started moving. And then I fell asleep because it was very nice. uh because uh, it was like a kind of a velvet-lined box, and Spackle uh, smells like pine pine something. And I was a little bit warm, and I'd listen to those knocks, and the truck was moving, and it had a nice white noise. So I fell asleep for a little while. Uh, and then, of course, like uh, hours later, I woke up, and uh, Spackle wasn't in the box, and I pushed off the lid of the box, and then I hopped out, and I was in a big... Uh, in a big, like, uh, storage area, and I heard, like, uh, typing and, and stuff, and, and I hopped out, and then I saw Spackle at a computer, and I said, is this uh, Elon and Dan's uh, secret lab? And Spackle said, no, this is, like, the freaking, like, a transfer center. Uh, and Spackle said, the situation's escalated, and I said, well, what, like, can you fill me in on some details? Or I wanted to say deets, uh, and then I said, okay, don't ask when you're going to meet Dan and uh, Elon again. And I get to hang, I said, maybe we could hang. I said, if I help them, if this achieves victory. And then Spanko said, this is part of a process, not a, like, a, and I said, okay, so it's not a one, this isn't a one shot deal. This is a new gig for me. And I said, uh, Again, are they going to fuse back into Santa? Like, is that, or maybe are there just the two of them, do they not know? He said, is that it, Smackle? Like, Dan and Elon were separated. They were Santa's, uh, two of Santa's children. And they were separated at birth uh, to preserve them. And 50% of the Christmas spirit was in one and 50% in the other. And Smackle again. And he said, Smackle, work with me here. You, you, Like, I listen to Knox for a hobby. Like, what did you expect? Uh, some sane? Like, if you wanted a sane person, you could have gone... Uh, like I don't know where where I don't know where those people are, but uh, probably like uh, like at the movies or you know I don't know. And Spankle said, "Okay, let me fill you in." Uh, he said, "Like he said, okay, Dan, and uh, let's see what I can say too." Okay, a lot of this would say, I'd say is in theory, uh, like in in the realm of possibility. So Dan, this is what Spacko told me again. This is an elf uh, who sighs a lot. And also, I'd just woken up, so it's groggy. Uh, but according to Spacko, at some point, Dan and Elon uh, started thinking about what other world's problems could they start to solve. And they were like at lunch, and, and, and they were thinking about all these big things and... Uh, then they were walking back to lunch, and uh, Dan was, uh, like, joking, and he cracked Elon up so much that Elon was, like, doubled over in laughter. 
And as Elon bent over, Dan saw this uh, sign for a missing uh, puppy that said, you know, missing spot, uh, uh, you know, last seen here, it goes by spot. Again, I'm, I'm like changing the names to protect the, uh, and uh, Dan said, what if we uh, found spot? Uh, and again, this is like, like, I don't want to reveal anything, uh, but, you know, Elon dried his tears of laughter. And then they both shared stories of pets. Uh, and then they, like, both their subconsciouses and their primary, you know, their, their, like, intellectual brain, their emotional brains, and their subconscious were all churning, like, boing, 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 boing. And then they were connecting with these, uh, like, uh, these formative moments in their lives with pets. And they said, uh, think about this, like, uh, and this is brilliant. And, and again, if you have a pet, uh, this is a, like a little life hack you could stick in there. There was a, like, a, a animated drawing of a girl who was a pet spot's owner. Uh, so when Elon and Dan uh, found this, uh, again, like uh, allegedly according to um, Spackle, they said, uh, holy mackerel, like, uh, and they said, you're right, let's go find Spot. And they spend the rest of the day, well, normal people would have spent the rest of the day between the two of them, and they were really having fun. I think they gamified it, and, you know, Elon loves to laugh, and Dan loves to make people laugh, so it was like... Uh, and, uh, you know, they called in, you know, other help uh, from both of their teams. Uh, Elon's team's all covered by NDA, but uh, you're like Cody and Spencer were, uh, and Steve, I think, were helping Dan out. It, like, uh, and they tracked Spot down. And then uh, I think they had uh, Steve bring Spot back because they said, okay, like, this will be like an anonymous return to Spot. Uh, no, no. Uh, no reward. Reward is in itself. Uh, but then they couldn't shake it. So this is like months ago. Like they couldn't shake uh, and they kept texting. Shit. Remember when we found Spot? That was great. And Elon would say, hey, Dan, remember when you said like, uh, you know, something like blah, 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 made me laugh. And then Elon would, sp you know, spit milk out his nose, even when he's at home in front of his family. And everyone kind of got sick of it. Like they said, you two, like, uh, they got sick of those two talking. And they said, if you guys love each other so much, uh, why don't you just go into business together? And, uh, again, it was like one of those things where that one part of your brain holds on to it, like, so long that you can't deny it. Uh, and they said, man, we're thinking of all these big ideas. What if we uh, start finding all of the pets in the world, all of the missing pets? Uh, we track them down. And they had some reality checks because they're like, I think they're both realists too. So then they ran some numbers and they said, well, and then they thought about the emotional resonance. They said, well, geez, what is this emotional impact going to be? And then he thought about the inefficiencies of the market, uh, which I don't even know if there is. Like, uh, and then Elon started saying, like, uh, okay, to reaching out to his team. They say public-private partnership. That's a word that's popular. And they said, is this a solid? Like, I guess that's issue one with these two people, like that are a little more advanced, like Dan and uh, Elon. They said, is this a a problem that he's solving? Yes. Is it a solvable problem? question mark uh 
you know, what would success look like? These are all the things that successful people do, I think, uh, maybe. Uh, but it also goes down to will be fun, uh, like almost like a hobby. And they said, okay, yeah, let's allot this amount of time. And Elon was also thinking about like all these technologies and Dan had been throwing all these other, he said, well, if you do this, uh, you know, I always imagined this, uh, and they started thinking of like, uh, again, and a lot of us, I can't talk about, but at some point, cause Spackle told me, yeah, they started like, uh, working on it first, just themselves. And they started taking data, data or data. And one thing they learned is that it never got old. Like going and finding the pets, it didn't ever get boring. Um, in that there was all these unexpected challenges. And, you know, it was hard not being able to return the pets uh, themselves. But they said, well, that'll be really like, and then they were trying to figure out, uh, like the press started asking. And, and Elon said uh, that he was replacing telephone poles. Uh, so stay tuned on that one because it like, uh, and then he started thinking, well, what if we got rid of telephone poles? Uh, like, what in the heck, what are those things still up there for? And again, I don't know how many technologies are going to come out of this or entertainment properties. Uh, but so they, they had everything figured out. So they started like with the great, and then they started uh, doing research into other, like across the world. And then started uh, making deals like with local places to say, okay, like, uh, like, uh, and, you know, all, like, you know, masking everything with, you know, pet buddies or whatever the heck. I don't know what they call it. Uh, and they said, Spack, what in the heck are you, like, you're a nor Northern Pole elf. Like, what in the heck uh, are you doing involved with all of this? And how, how can I help? Holy cow, what a dream. So I'm going to be like the lead on uh, helping Dan and Elon uh, solve lost pet problems. And Speckle said, no, no, that's already resolved. They, they solved that problem. Uh, they're just trying to figure out if humanity's ready for it or not. Uh, that's the one question they're still uh, waiting on, and they're just running tests. But otherwise, everything's ready to go. And I said, so they need me to weigh the needs of humanity and make the final call. And I said, no, 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 don't respect it. Could, could finish. Uh, let me finish telling you and filling you in. And I said, Spackle, shouldn't we get in, like, get to action? Like, uh, like, and also, why didn't our, why were we sitting in that present box for so long? Were we waiting for some sort of, uh, and Spackle said, okay, please. Uh, and I said, okay. Uh, I said, let me check my phone and make sure. Cause, uh, like, and I checked in on Koa and she was still just sitting there listening to Knox, but someone had come by and let her out, taking her for a walk, my brother. And then I tried to make it, like I said, what if my dog went missing during all this? Uh, and Speckle said, Elon and Dan would find, find her. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, I said, Speckle, what's a market inefficiency? Like again, like, that's just something that's a pain in the butt, right? Could you just call it a pain in the butt? Uh, and this fact, I said, okay, so, and I said, okay, let me fill in the, some blanks uh, to get us uh, get, get us moving. And Spackle stared at me like I was a big blank. But I said, okay, so Dan and Elon Musk become friends, uh, start solving the world's problems, realize what a great problem to solve, uh, missing pets. 
they also realize the joy in solving that problem. Then they start to address actual solving the problem, both in the micro and the macro. They don't know the difference, which, you know, with the big and the little, like finding one pet versus uh, like uh, what uh, you know, all the great issues uh, combined in that, uh, along with the technological hurdles or like whatever. And Spanko said, are you going to take it? And I said, okay. And then they solved the problem, at least on paper or Spanko said the problem solved. And I said, okay, whoa, boy. I said, when do you get rid of the telephone poles? Because they said, and one thing is they smell good in the, when they're in the sun in the summertime. Uh, but okay, so they solved the problem. They're just waiting to see if humanity's ready for the solution. I said, like, in some, and they, the speculators said, no, 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 just, uh, you know, like, uh, I said, okay, like, oh, does it give humanity, does uh, finding a pet, or like, is it an individual? And this, I said, okay, Spackle, you're obviously trying to move me somewhere else. I'm just trying to figure out where we go from here. But I said, obviously, some complication comes that need, oh boy, yeah, some complication. That even Dan Harmon and Elon Musk can't solve uh, happens at this moment. Uh, it must still lead to them being related to Santa Claus, so because you're a North Pole elf and you're here, uh, and that only somehow I can solve. Uh, do they need to be put to sleep to be fused back into Santa Claus, or do they need me to soothe them uh, so that they both can accept the rule as the Santa Clauses? Uh, I said, wow, uh, and then my brain thought of the answer, which was, oh, it did this, does the solution, and then Spackle start talking, which, but since I'm narrating, it's kind of the same thing, just like uh, maybe Spackle gets a point easier. Uh, but Spackle said, exactly. Uh, it turns out that the technology is actually the perfect technology for the delivery of the holiday spirit uh, and uh, the return of Roberta Claus now. Uh, so I said, okay, Robert, I thought Roberta Claus only lived in my mind, and Spackle just laughed, uh, patted me. I said, but I'm awake, Spackle. This isn't a dream. And I said, also, can I get a clause in my contract that I could call Elon Muskypoo or Musky? And the inspector said, okay, so it turns out that the technologies involved in, in solving the solvable parts of this great uh, humanity we face as people, missing pets, uh, also would be what could make uh, North Pole a new reality. Uh, because, you know, like with people forgetting that Santa Claus is real and then Roberta Claus becoming Santa Claus, uh, so she is Santa Claus. Uh, and then people saying, well, I don't like Scoots' idea of Roberta Claus replacing Santa Claus. I'm not comfortable with. Uh, and I said, would you think people in America would be more comfortable with Roberta Claus, a female Santa Claus, or uh, two people fused into one Santa Claus, or uh, just Dan Harmon and Elon Musk being like uh, – like Santa and Colossus, uh, uh, but, but Spackle said Roberta, and I said, okay. I said, sorry, Spackle, I just get uh, I get excited about all this. When's it going to get to my part, though? 
And Spackle said, don't worry, don't worry. And Spackle said, this seems like the technology uh, to reinvent Christmas and uh, deliver Christmas joy. At least uh, this part of the story, Spackle said. And so they said, everybody at the North Pole, you know, as soon as those two became friends, everybody was already jazzed about it. Uh, because they felt like something latent had awoken. And again, Speck said, please don't go off topic with fusing those two into Santa Claus. Uh, uh, They said, like, once they started to see, you know, because they can watch, you know, the North Pole's got the monitoring stuff. Uh, They said this whole pet thing uh, was uh, like, uh, was a way to reawaken uh, all of this and that like uh especially with elon and dan you know coming at these problems from different angles and then also dan finds it like it's like oh elon's good at this one thing but dan says well she's like uh we can give it this narrative element and then it has much more impact uh when we think about this kind of tube with this uh magnetism and all that stuff uh, but basically, Spackle was saying that, like, okay, they said we could actually, okay, here's a spoiler alert, uh, uh, that maybe it's not technologically possible. That reason you have to buy presents isn't because of, uh, like, some uh, military-industrial complex, you know, uh, thing, but because it's just, a, like, it's a pain in the butt to try to get all the presents from the North Pole distributed. This is one way of looking at it, market inefficiency. And that really, uh, they could make free presents in the North Pole and distribute them with Elon and Dan's new technology that are delivering pets. Believe it or not, this has all happened in the past few months. uh, uh, Because, I mean, this is just the way, like, our technology goes nowadays. So Spackle said everyone at the North Pole was like, holy mackerel, this is it. Uh, I mean, 2018 probably but we could do some beta testing of delivering actual presents other than the token, you know, thing with the sleigh and the reindeer. And then they got a hold of like, you know, the, the rest of the, the team that doesn't take my phone calls, but, you know, Glenn Greenwald and uh, uh, Musky, Musky Poo, Eddie Snowden, uh, and also who, who I would love to do a podcast with Robert Reich. They get Robert Reich up there. And again, like and I said, you, so you had Robert Reich, Nan Harmon and Elon Musk in a room together. And Spackle said, yep. And I said, holy moly. And so Robert Reich was in charge of the economics of it, saying, hmm, what's going to be the economic impact if we uh, start giving out free presents to everybody? Because now it's a technological reality. Oh, also, if you're listening, this is all top secret. Uh, But it turns out, like, this is only one part of the story. There's still eight minutes or so left here. But just remember, you know, stories change. Uh, but we were on, this was the cusp of what happened, Spackle said, was that, uh, so Robert Rice said we could run some tests uh, to kind of see, and we could watch these economic indicators, and then they said, okay, maybe we got to bring in some, like, uh, philosophy. Because they said, what's this, like, how is the impact of modern belief systems? And it all looked pretty complicated, but doable and achievable. 
And to say that the, uh, the, the North Pole was jazzed would be an understatement. Everybody was like, holy cow, this is going to be the cat. We can finally deliver cat's pajamas. And I said, that was an idea from my podcast, Spaggle. And Spaggle said, well, actually. And I said, well, I thought of it, uh, just so you know. Uh, but it's just, so they were very happy. It just said it was going you know, to, but then everybody like Reich, uh, Dan, Elon, Roberta Claus, a.k.a. Santa Claus, uh, Spackle, they all had this uh, suspicion, you know, they said, like, because that's why they kept going back to, well, is the world ready for all this? And when your gut says that, it really uh, offers you, and they said, even for these beta tests, uh, and then Roberta Claus called them all into her office, uh, and she said, sit down, let's, let's like, like really chew this out, uh, and they all had that look at this forlorn look. Uh, they had solved uh, the, the great, like, uh, I mean, two, two, like, issues that people weren't even trying to fix. Uh, and Roberta Cost said, walk me through this again. Uh, and then she said, like, uh, like, uh, you know, and she said, I listened to, like, how you two, but she said, okay, the lunch, uh, and then Elon told the joke, like, I can't even, like, uh, the, the, him, what him and Dan were talking about, that cracked Elon up. And Elon, again, this time was eggnog, shooting out his nose, uh, retelling how he cracked up on the, right next to his pole, and he was holding a telephone pole, and he was bent over laughing. And uh, Dan saw the sign for the missing dog, and then they went, and then Roberta Cross was watching them, telling the tales, two taking turns uh, with their excitement, and then uh, talking about, like, doing it again, you know, how they couldn't stop thinking about, like, uh, how happy it made them. You know, the little picture of the girl, and then Steve Levy talking about delivering the present, like, the 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 dog back to the house and everyone, everyone was like, holy moly. Uh, and they said, yeah, we've been like, dude, Jeff Davis, everybody's a bit like, uh, we got, well, like, and they were talking about all the different times, like in LA that these pets they found and then how that led to this, uh, you know, their minds leading to like, how do we fix this? Uh, and Roberta said, okay, okay. And they said, what is it? Because she was just staring at the two of them. And she said, uh, she goes, I see. And they said, oh, it's so obvious. Holy cow. Uh, and they kind of had their arms around each other anyway because they were, ch- you know, chummy. And they said, well, what do you think, Roberta Claus? And she said, I think we better go. And so then Roberta Claus went back to L.A. with them. And then they, like, went and found a telephone pole. And even Roberta Cost said, when the heck, if it's a hotel, like, what the heck's a tell? It's an internet poll or whatever. But then they found it was a turtle, a turtle named Wordle or something. And they went and they tracked this turtle down. And she, like, uh, Roberta Cost got to experience the joy. And then they said, you won't believe this, Roberta Cost. Watch what happens, like, uh, uh, with the next one, when it would if it's not successful, uh, because Dan was like, one time me and Cody were looking by on bikes and uh, we couldn't, and so they went to one, 
and it was a cat. And then they said, call and say, this is where you looked, but you couldn't find the cat. Uh, but you're hoping. And Roberta called a number. And she said, geez, I'm sorry. I've been looking for Fluffy, Fluffinut or whatever. And they said, oh, Fluffinutter came home last night. Uh, and Roberta cried uh, because she said, holy cow. Then they did it again with one that was like, they said, wow, this is such a, there's so many. And then Spackle was kind of looking at me. Uh, and I said, what, what are you looking at me for? So I said, so, I said, is Robert Rice really Santa Claus? Uh, and then Spackle just shook Spackle. I said, Spackle, I was thinking that the present was going to be like one of the muskies tubes, uh, like a, like a spiral graph or whatever they're called. And, uh, Spackle shook Spackle's head. And Spankle said, I have a gift for you from Elon and Dan and Roberta Claus and everyone at the North Pole because we, we actually like you. And uh, they said, what about Robert Reich? Does Robert Reich, or, I don't know if Elon, does any of them know? And they said, don't worry. Uh, I want you to get in this next truck that's headed out. And uh, you get, and I said, what do you mean? And uh, Spankle said, I think even you will figure it out when you're in the truck because uh, you're going to need you to knock on some doors. Uh, here's the keys. And I got in this truck uh, and I started it up and then I thought I was hearing noises. So then I looked in the back of the truck and in the back of the truck in this luxurious uh, way were uh, there's three dogs, uh, some sort of uh, uh, like iguana. In a uh, in a Persian cat, and then I looked at a clipboard that was next, like in the console, and it had a map and it had the names of the pets and all the houses they needed to be returned to. And I got to drive uh, uh, through L.A. and I went to the first house and I knocked on the door and. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, to maintain privacy, it was the five greatest knocks of my life. Like one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I don't know. The, the iguana kept staring at me. Like I said, are you cross-eyed? That was before we got to the house. Uh, and but it was the name was cross-eyed. Uh, craw, like I don't know, like some sort of a kid named it. But I kept calling the iguana cross-eyed. But, uh, you know, when they talk about the holiday spirit, uh, the Christmas spirit, the New Year's spirit, the spirit of Thanksgiving, the spirit of gratitude. Now, I don't know what it's like to solve the world's problems uh, like Dan and Elon do or, you know, to look at economic, you know, say have a Reich-like mind of economics uh, or to be Roberta Kloss, uh, someone with the courage uh, to... Uh, take the reins of uh, Santa Claus. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it's like to have, two, you know, tube systems or, uh, you know, to do all that stuff. Uh, what I do know is the greatest gift I've ever been given was like uh, uh, being a chain in this uh, link of helping, like uh, helping everybody out. And I think actually, what, the reason Spackle sighed so much is because they accomplish everything 
in a way that was achievable. Uh, I mean, I, no, don't, don't, don't uh, quote me on this because this is all beta testing, but, uh, you know, without having to produce anything at the North Pole, uh, they produced a holiday spirit in my heart and other people's hearts. Uh, and I hope, uh, in your heart too, uh, because, uh, it's the season to say, Hey, uh, like, uh, let me help, uh, let me push that cart for you or give you a wink and a nod or, you know, ask you way too many questions when you're a North Pole elf, uh, uh to sleep in present boxes and, uh, uh, to smile and to say, uh, Wow, uh, how lucky are we uh, to live in this era? Uh, it's not easy all the time, uh, but I appreciate you listening or uh, drifting off. Uh, and I hope I can help in my small way because I know how many people out there have helped me, and I'm very thankful for it, whether I've thanked you or not. Uh, uh, thank you so much, and uh, good night. Uh, well, thank everybody that reviewed the show for uh, an Apple podcast. Uh, Sav, uh, love, uh, love this podcast. Takes me hours to fall asleep, but since uh, listening to sleep with me, I fall asleep in 30 minutes. Uh, I highly recommend. Uh, thank you. Patty, uh, I fall asleep before I know what he's talking about. Uh, going to sleep after a really late night working used to take forever. Now I'm asleep in five minutes. Uh, Rocket the cat's boss is, uh, or cat's boss is, uh, Bob Ross is sleeping. Uh, dude is great. Pleasant stories that are somehow creative and put me out like snuffing a candle. Uh, addicted to after the glass, uh, slipper series of stories. Uh, they only catch up on them the next night when I'm given a synopsis. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, how about section six? A brilliant idea. When I first started listening, I didn't think it would work, but it always puts me to sleep. Uh, I'm using it now before bed. I'm going to start donating in a few months. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Brooke from Canada says it definitely works. Uh, it helps me go to sleep without fail, but I don't play it in the background. Uh, 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 oh, as I sleep. Yeah, they just use it as a podcast to fall asleep. Uh, uh, thank you. Peanut Stellar uh, says, well, it's different. Uh, five stars are from the UK. Uh, unsure first, uh, but it's great and it works. Uh, don't know what else to say except try it. Uh, Mom Bossy Pants uh, says, you can't go wrong. Give Scoots a try. Even if I'm not able to go all the way to sleep, the meanders have me laughing, uh, which uh, wakes my snoring dog. Uh, but most times I fall asleep with uh, witty, lightning fast play on words. Uh, Displays how much it takes to make it work. Uh, thank you. Become a patron. It's worth it. Thanks, Mom and Bossy Pants. Uh, yes comes from BC Ira, 954. I was skeptical at first, uh, but had this not been around during a tough summer, I wouldn't don't know what I would have done. Uh, totally uh, great. Uh, became a patron. 100% recommend for anyone with ADHD or anxiety who can't shut their brain off. It doesn't always work the first time. Give it a few tries before you quit. Uh, unique and wonderful lectures from Chris 10. Uh, I love this podcast exactly as described. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Maria, this podcast is a gift. Uh, one of the best things the Internet has given us. Thanks, Maria. Enriched my existence. Also hilarious. 
God send. Uh, this is from Hints Are Amazing and I Want More. Yeah, podcast amazing. Uh, if they get to sleep and I want to stay asleep, podcast is my go-to. Keep them coming. Thank you. Yeah, Bell from Australia says too many ads, uh, so they signed up uh, to get it without the ads. Uh, thank you. It takes a few to get used to. Original content works. Uh, they don't. They don't enjoy the TV recaps. Uh, uh, started donating. Uh, uh, the, because of the two original content podcasts. Thank you. Uh, works for me. Uh, atheist, atheist test uh, from Canada. Works for me. And Scooter shares my admiration of uh, Captain Picard. Great. Uh, Aaron, uh, E-R-Y-N, uh, says works every time. And normally I have no troubles going to sleep, but if I do turn straight to this podcast, if I do turn straight to this podcast, work first and every time. Uh, sometimes I don't make it past the intro. Sometimes I do. Love the tangents. Uh, opens up to someone else's mind instead of dwelling on your own. Thank you. Furry Firefox says, best ads I've listened to. This is the only part I've ever heard. I've got real bad insomnia, but this works uh, right away. Never made it more than 10 minutes in. I assume the stories are good, but the beginning's all I need. And finally, Sunflower says, thank you. We discovered podcast 10 minutes ago. Thank you, thank you. Your rambling nonsense puts me to sleep. I became a patron because your podcast works better than other stuff I got to take. Uh, more nuns in space. Uh, I love about the soda machine. Uh, for anyone reading this as a review, this podcast works really great for me. Had a hard time falling asleep this past year. This podcast just interesting enough to distract from like challenges, but boring enough that I don't care if I miss part of it. It's perfect. P.S. So I usually listen to the rest of the episode the next day. Yeah, thanks for helping me fall asleep and be functional. It means a lot. Thank you for listening, Sunflower. And thanks to everybody who went out of the way to review the show over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks and good night. All right, so here we are. We're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And this was a time, I think this was the tail end of movie, like uh, uh, feature releases, movie theater releases being um, like uh, regularly dubbed National Lampoon's movies, but they would come like in less frequency. Maybe they never came in any type of frequency. And I don't really know too much about National Lampoon's other than I've liked a lot of the movies. Uh, and, uh, like, it was a brand that kind of stood for a certain type of quality humor. Uh, but this movie is called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I guess, you, I don't know if now it's called Christmas Vacation. That just doesn't get, like, it has to be, I think, in my opinion, it has to be called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And to those of you that have seen the movie as many times as me uh, know that it has, like, a great song that goes with it. It's not so much an earworm unless you remember it, so I'm not going to try to make you remember it. And I don't know if the theme song is at the beginning or the end where there's, like, an animated sequence uh, of, like, uh, a goofy, like, human, like, I guess which would be Chevy Chase. Uh, like a pop, the theme song's poppy. It never made it into the main Christmas Carol lexicon, uh, cause it's really kind of, uh, it's kind of more of a movie theme song. 
than like it's like very related to the movie. And I think this movie's probably, uh, yeah, we should talk about this up front. It probably has been overplayed. Uh, I mean, with the way, way, uh, holiday movies, I think it's one of those movies that's suffered from overexposure, in my opinion, and with my personal relationship with it. And I don't know what year it came out, but I know I saw this in the movie theater. So I don't know how old I was or if this is PG or PG-13, but I do know I saw this in the movie theater probably twice. And I was probably right around the exact target demographic uh, that the movie was boy, teen boy goofball, like suburban-esque. Uh, but so... Okay, so so let's see. Oh, so, but I think it's been played so much on cable, and it's not that it's like a. I think probably some of the humor. I think it's a movie that just is best of flowing, and a lot of the jokes don't stand up if you're overexposed to them. At least, in my, like I, because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Uh, because I just have like uh, like uh, I just like it's just like some other like snacks that I've had too much like uh, Trader Joe's uh, uh, deep chocolate covered JoJo's with, with uh, uh, peppermint. I had those like three Christmas in a row. I'd eat them by the box, and now I can't touch them. And I guess this probably depends on your opinion of like uh, the the actors in it and like a uh, relationship with Chevy Chase. But this was like uh, or like. Uh, I guess this was like a middle late Chevy Chase, uh, and I feel like this was a good role. Uh, now he he did have another role. Uh, I don't know if that was a holiday movie, but I associated with the holiday season where he moved to the country. It was kind of like uh, uh, to write a book with his wife, and they bought a like maybe they even bought a bed and breakfast, and the whole town didn't want them there or something. But I don't remember. I don't know why I was thinking of that. But uh, so give this a chance. I mean, you would fall asleep to it because this episode, that's the whole purpose anyway. And plus, I'm not going to remember like, uh, well, who knows how much I'll remember? Because uh, it's just like a like a like a I think as a kid, it's just like a sequence of uh, events. Uh, and I guess at the end, there's a, there is like a through plot. uh with what Chevy Chase wants, his character, who, Wallace? No, no, that's not his name. Uh, Cliff Griswold, Clark Clark Griswold. And this movie was like a sequel, uh, a third sequel to A National Lampoon's Vacation, which is definitely, uh, that movie's unbelievable. And that one definitely holds up, uh, even though it's older. Uh, I think... Uh, or maybe I've just seen it a little bit less. Uh, in the National Lampoon's European Vacation, which I've watched uh, bits and pieces of when it's been on TV, um, but uh, I think I started watching it one time recently. In the last, when I say recently, in the last two years. But so, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, Okay, so the movie opens. So let's get to the good stuff here. With I think it opens with a uh, like a. Uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, an animated, like Pink Panther esque uh, opening, or that could be how the movie ends. Either way, I don't really remember. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it wrong. I think I think it's like Santa Claus is the clumsy, goofy character, and it, this is just how I'm remembering it. That Santa goes to a house, uh, 
And this is while the, t- the titles are playing. I think this is what happens. And uh, Santa just has a terrible time getting into this house. And it's kind of like a comic foil, even like Pratfall. Like Santa, you know, has trouble on the roof, uh, has trouble with the uh, Christmas lights. Uh, uh, like even at one point does like a zip line with the candy cane. Um and it just has a terrible time getting into the house, probably like run, runs amok. I, I don't know, but it's just, so it's pretty funny and it's animated, but I guess I don't remember a lot of it. I think it was well done and very colorful too. And set to the title song, which kind of had like a, it wasn't like a totally in Kenny Loggins, like a, a territory, uh, but like pretty close. Like Kenny Loggins, I think, uh, was Kenny Loggins do the second Caddyshack or do both the theme songs for both Caddyshack movies? Uh, uh, but this was like a little bit lighter version, a little more sing-songy maybe than a kid, like less poppy than Kenny Loggins, but still a pop feel. And I don't know who did it, but maybe we'll look that up or maybe it was just done for the movie. And so then the movie opens and it opens in a, uh, like, a actually, I think like this was the beginning of Ford Tauruses. It may have opened in a Ford Taurus station wagon. And those of you that were, didn't grow up in the eighties would not know this. And um, I could be completely rewriting history. Uh, but for me, like the Ford Taurus was the first aspirational family sedan uh, for people that like weren't in like the early set people like in my class, uh, like uh, the middle class a- aspirational family, it was like one of the first uh, things that seemed like it was designed in a wind tunnel and it was marketed that way. And then like the kids that were like a little bit above you on the food chain, they started getting these Tauruses that were shaped like the future. Whether first it was a Ford Taurus sedan, then there was a Ford Taurus station wagon. Now, I was still in wood wood paneled. Uh, we had we had two different wood paneled station wagons. We had you know eight people in my family, and then one powder blue one without wood paneling. And I think the order went uh, uh, powder. Oh no, we had a green one too. Maybe we never had a. We had a powder blue. Uh, wood paneled one or sky blue, then a navy blue wood paneled one, and maybe then at like a like a like kind of like a soft green uh one. Maybe we never had did we ever have a powder blue one? I mean, we had the powder blue wood panel, then we went to a hot dog van that was colored like a hot dog. So those, those were like uh, so we didn't have any Tauruses, uh. But, you know, product, really well-placed product placement, if I, if it's true, and I remember it this far, it's like, holy cow, did you get, I, mean, I don't know if I've ever owned a Ford, uh, but, uh, you know, it's pretty good product placement because I just talked about it. Uh, I don't even know if our Ford Taurus is still on the road. Like, do they have a Taurus uh, plug-in hybrid or just an electric one? Uh, so... That's how it opens with that car going through like a kind of a wooded road, a highway. And then we see Chevy Chase is driving. Beverly D'Angelo is a passenger. And we get the reveal of the children, uh, who I believe, 
I can't think of their names right now, but Juliette Lewis is is the daughter, I believe, in this movie, a beloved 80s actress. And I just watched another movie that she was in when I was at a hotel recently uh, that she was spectacular in. Uh, and then um, uh, the kid from, from uh, he's now an adult. I know I know his name, and he's, like, on the most successful, like, uh, my dad loves this show, and now I can't even think of it because I was going to think about his third rock from the sun. But it's like the most popular show. Sheldon is the um, the prequel to it. Uh, I'll think of it, and I'll think of his name. Oh, I just had it, and it just passed out. Oh, I just had it again. It just passed out. But he's really good. That show's really good. My dad loves it. Uh, Big Bang Theory. And it's my dad's favorite show. And Sheldon, my dad's a big fan of Sheldon too. He t- he's quoted the Sheldon show to me a few times on the phone. He said, "You know what happened on this week, Sheldon?" So that's where I get my life. Le- that's where I get my life lessons from. Um, okay, okay. Oh, uh, Johnny Galecki. That's uh, Johnny Galecki. I think I. I well, holy cow! I did not like. Uh, thank you, brain. Uh, so those are the children. And they're all in a car, and they're headed to go get a Christmas tree. And the kids are like, uh, I think they're, is it in this movie? Like, the kids are kind of resistant, and it's very good acting, uh, now that I think about it. Because they're like, geez, uh, Dad, why do we got to go, why don't we just buy a tree like a normal? And Clark Roosevelt's like, no, I want to chop a tree down. And he wants to chop it down in the wild. uh because yeah, because I don't know. And then uh let's see, what happens next is uh um I guess they go to the woods and they find a tree. Wait a second, uh I'm picturing something else, but we'll we'll come back to that. But so they go to a tree and they go well, of course they like have to hike out and everybody's freezing. And Clark, and if you're, you can, this introduces you to Clark as well to reminds you that Clark is like this nostalgic, uh, dreamer. And he has these uh, kind of fantasies of like family unity through symbols and, uh, through shared experience, which I guess isn't totally incorrect. It's just a little misguided and that this is going to be that this bonding experience and finding the perfect tree is what makes the perfect Christmas. So I don't remember, like, I think there's a hassle with getting a tree cut down, and they just go into the woods and cut down a tree. Then somehow they get on the roof of their car, not without difficulty, or maybe they even have to drive with it in the car, and it's filling up the whole car. I don't remember that part. And uh, then they get on the road, and they run into some trouble on the road with, like, uh, like some car, like with, uh, like, uh, some tufts or something that says like raw dog or something. And Clark, you know, Clark is uh, like, he, he has like a, like, he's like a passive aggressive, like overboil or whatever. So he gets a little like road competitive and, uh, then they do, they do a trick move where they go under this lumber truck, uh, in the meanwhile, his whole family was like, Clark, what are you doing? And Beverly D'Angelo, whose character's name I don't remember, uh, she's always trying to be the voice of reason and saying, Clark, Clark, Clark. Uh, 
And so then they get somehow extricated themselves from, through that. And I thought they like jumped over a giant, uh, a snowbank into a tree lot. Um, but that would make sense with some of the later plot, uh, that they still have a tree on their thing. Uh, the, the, cause the tree that they cut down in the wild pl- plays a, like more, more than one role in the show. So then they get home and, uh, yeah, they get the tree in the house and it's way too big. Um, and like, uh, uh, it was like, like, it's like a 30 foot tree or something. And then they're like, uh, uh, it, it like breaks their windows. It also, they, we meet their next door neighbors who are eighties yuppies, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. And I'm not sure who the, uh, the other actor is, and I think this all takes place in the Chicago suburbs. Um, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus is, uh, like, and her husband are yuppies, and they don't like their neighbors because uh, they're suburban buffoons, uh, their neighbors. And uh, so I think that's the first trouble. Like, it breaks a window. We learn, I think that there's, like, some squirrels in the tree, uh, but I'm not positive about that. Uh, uh, but Clark has to do a bunch of cut trimming with, um, his, uh, he's like, oh, I'll trim the tree down. And then he gets covered in sap, uh, which for a while becomes this ongoing thing where his sap's stuck to his hands. Um, then, uh, we see Clark at work. Uh, I think in this, this is probably still in the like act one area where Clark kind of talks about what he's going to do. He works for like a food additives company. Which I thought, I, I thought this part was smart, like these little jokes. Um, and there's some jokes, and then there's their new boss, and Clark's talking about, uh, like, they, they get these Christmas bonuses. I, I don't think I've ever worked at a job that I had a Christmas bonus uh, that I know of. Maybe when I was selling iron-on patches for my friends, I got a Christmas bonus, but I'm not sure. Uh, but, like, uh, I just never had that kind of job. Uh, but he's talking about spending his Christmas bonus, and then he says he already spent it on a, a swimming pool, a down payment, and then it's that that's going to be again much like the tree that this swimming pool is going to be this like source of uh, masculine power and success for him and family bonding, and it's going to make him the breadwinner, and they're just going to have a lot of fun with it. And he's kind of talking to his two companions. One of his companions is a very uh, actor that's present in a lot of these movies. I think he comes out of uh, Second City, uh, or the Canadian, or out of uh, like uh, the kind of Canadian version of Second City, maybe. Uh, but he's someone very recognizable. And they're saying, whoa, Clark, slow down. We didn't get the bonuses yet. This new boss is a big on, you know, the numbers. And then I think Clark gets called into the boss's office and the boss can't remember his name. He keeps going just like it's like a podcast. Uh, anyway, Freddie, he says, you know, what's going on? with the? And, and there's a lot of cool jokes about, uh, you know, ways they're what they're doing, a breakfast cereal and manufacture. They're in the manufactured food business. Uh, so that's a fun scene. Uh, then we have the scene with Clark uh, uh, putting up uh, Christmas lights, and that's like a day-long scene. 
And I think he causes more trouble for Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her husband. And there's a lot of comedy in that scene. And Rusty is his son, who he calls Russ a lot. Uh, uh, he's trying to help. And he's like, uh, he also tries to be the voice of reason at different times. Uh, the son and the daughter uh, and, and uh, the mother. Uh, and he like he's even trying to say, "G said, you get all these big expectations, you build up to, to the mean. You put so much meaning in these events. Uh, you know, it's okay. We just love you for who you are." And he says, "No, Russ, we're going to have the greatest lights in the history of the world." Uh, and so you get like a bunch of funny sequences of like Clark, you know, getting into trouble, just like Santa did, putting this extreme light thing on the house. And I think, like, uh, I think this movie, like, even though it's, like, more like a series of scenes, it does seem like it's structured, like, the beats-wise pretty well. I guess, maybe not. It's just, like, at least in my mind. Because then Clark, uh, he puts so much work into it. And then he builds it up, and then he finally gets done, despite his family's objections and despite everybody's doubts and despite the hurdles and the difficulties, uh... He gets all the lights set on. He says, come on, everybody, come outside. And they're still resistant. Oh, Clark, it's cold or whatever. And he says, come outside, please. This is a big one for the lights. And then he goes to light it, and it doesn't light. And then he goes and tries a couple things, and it still won't light. And then maybe he tries one more thing, and it still won't light. And he goes, really loses it. Uh, so much from no, that they have, like, decorations in their lawn. And he starts yelling at Santa. And I think he even tosses Santa, like they have a little plastic Santa and reindeer. And he's like, uh, th this is like the funny part of his character is that like when he boils over, it's a very comedic and he's yelling at Santa, the plastic Santa. In just this exasperated way. And then he's defeated and right in his moment of defeat. Uh, uh, or maybe he says, I'm going to do one more try. And then his wife accidentally flicks on the switch. It was just the, the light switch in the garage was off. Uh, and uh, he, she turns it on, and the lights go on, and then they go off again. And then somehow they solve that, and the lights are saved, and it's this unbelievable light, like uh, so bright it like drains the power, annoys the yuppies uh, so that they crash into like their uh, shrimp flambe or something. And you can see it like from outer space and it's beautiful and there's the music and, uh, uh, then we just get this great sequence. Like he starts to cry and, uh, he's so happy. Like his moment of, uh, family unity has been achieved and the lights are symbol of his success, uh, or like the, like uh, success in of itself. And then he's crying and then he sees, uh, that he's leaning on Randy Quaid. Uh, and, uh, like he's weeping and then he says, geez, it, isn't it beautiful, Clark? And Randy play, Quaid plays this character, uh, whose name I don't re remember right, right off the top of my head, but, uh, like kind of from, uh, like his, he's, uh, uh, I think Beverly D'Angelo, I never understood it. Maybe he's married to Beverly D'Angelo's sister. I, I think in the first movie, I tried to figure it out a few different times, and I couldn't quite, uh, if he and Beverly D'Angelo are related or if his wife and Beverly D'Angelo are related. 
But Randy Quaid's like dressed in like flip flops, uh, boxers, and like a bathrobe or something insane. And he's like, oh, isn't that beautiful, Clark? And usually he's like smoking and disheveled and spitting and that kind of thing. And uh, I almost thought of his name there, but uh, Clark says, what in the heck are you doing here? Uh, and he says, well, uh, good news, bad news. Uh, he goes, aren't you at home? He goes, this is our home. And then we see this like uh, old, old RV. And uh, like he goes, well, the bank, you know, the, we had issues at the bank. Uh, so now we live in this RV. It's great. Uh, but we just coasted into town on fumes. and." Uh, I guess it is Beverly D'Angelo and his wife, because uh, she's like, oh, the, Ellen, that's her name, uh, I think, uh, Beverly D'Angelo's character. Because uh, the, the sisters, they greet, and they're happy. And Clark's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, so you're going to stay here? For, and he goes, oh, yeah, you want us to stay? He goes, how about we stay in the RV so we can have some alone time? And our kids stay in your house. Uh then we meet the children. I think we only meet two children. One is a young little boy who looks like a bit like Elvis. And that's all I kind of remember about him. He's like quiet. He's like a very, uh, he's very nice eyes, uh, like a very cute kid. And then we meet a, a, a sister who's also young, like probably, I don't know, six years old, seven years old. And uh, her name's like Trudy or Rudy or something. And, uh, she, she's very nice and she's very, she's very verbose. I think the kid doesn't talk. The boy doesn't talk. I don't think like, and there's a funny joke in there. Like, uh, goes down a well, eyes go crossed, uh, kicked by a mule, eyes go uncrossed or something that Randy Newman says, but then he doesn't, now he doesn't speak or something. And, uh, Ruby, I think is the girl's name. Oh, I forgot about a whole nother element, which I think played into the lights, uh, which is also both sets of in-laws arrive. So Clark's father and mother and Ellen's father and mother are are there. And maybe they're there for the light drama. And uh, that's kind of like a total disaster. Uh, like, like Clark has the expectations of his parents who love him, and then he can never meet the expectations of his in-laws. So I think that was like the other thing, like the challenges when he was doing the lights was like, just give up, just give up, Clark, just give up, son. Like, just come inside. Uh, you're too much, you're getting too, too much like Don Quixote here. Uh, so that was like another part of like why, like it had such an emotional charge when he did succeed because he could show, see in-laws, I'm good and and see mom and dad. I kept, I kept at it and I succeeded. But also, I think like it adds a nice element having the in-laws there, like with Randy Newman's, Randy, Randy Quaid's kids, uh, uh, because then it just adds like this humanity, like the grandparents can kind of dote over the, um, I don't know. Otherwise, like, uh, it just like, cause Ruby's like this really cute voice of wisdom, uh, and believer in Santa Claus, uh. Like, she's a tr- true believer in Christmas for this uh, episode, or this uh, movie. And uh, I think, like, having her grandparents there kind of adds, like, uh, I don't know, like, an emotional layer that if it was just her, 
Like if there's no intermediaries, like uh, like if it's just the Quades and uh, Clark and Ellen and, and their two children, it probably would. Uh, plus having the in-laws and Clark's parents adds this extra, like I said, emotional charge. Okay, so that is like, uh, so then he says, you got to be kidding me. So then he probably gets in bed. And I think that when he gets in bed, he's reading a magazine and complaining to Ellen and getting getting all these magazine pages stuck to him while he's like, uh, you got to be kidding me. Eddie, that's his name. Eddie, uh, Randy Quaid's character. Eddie and I'll think of it. And your sister. Yeah, he says, uh. But he's going off. He's like, I can't believe they're going to hit me here. And then, uh, uh, they find, like, they find out, uh, Clark's like, uh, finds out, oh, well, like, also, we're going to help them with Christmas because they can't afford, like, Ellen's very generous. And Clark really is generous, I guess, in some way. But he's also resistant to things outside of his control and unpredictable things that don't fit into his plan. Uh, so having them here, like, uh, he gets irritated by the generosity, and so uh, whatever. Uh, and this is all building towards Christmas Eve. So then the next day comes, and they go shopping. And this was when I didn't live in a city with Walmart. This was before Walmart was good. So the one place they go is Walmart, and uh, what's the guy's name? I already forgot. Uh, Eddie has, okay, we have a list of all presents the kids want, Clark. So here you go. And he buys like, uh, like all this like dog food because also they have this dog uh, that likes people's legs and is a little bit mangy and kind of eats through everything. Uh, and so, uh, let's see. So yeah, so that happens. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. So they go to the they go to the store, then they go to the mall. I think the mall scene is that also Clark's like a romantic because he's nostalgic. Uh, so he wants to get this perfume for his wife as a beautiful gift. But then he also, it's like a nostalgic, romantic, fantasy person. So then he gets kind of like uh, caught up in an imaginary fantasy. And uh, uh, I don't know if there's any other comedic scenes at the mall. I would think that there would have been like some sort of physical comedy. But usually then Ellen kind of shows up his wife and says, what are you doing, Clark? Uh, and he says, well, I was buying you a gift. And, uh, like this next person just wanted to help me. So that was, so that's that sequence. Then, uh, they go sledding, I guess would be the next sequence, uh, which is like a quick scene, but that was like one of the funniest scenes for me. Like, uh, they all go sledding, and then Clark has to do it, and he says uh, he has this, this spray can with him. And he says, uh, they say, well, what are you going to do, Clark? And he sprays one of the, like, an aluminum uh, circular sled, like one of those dish-style dish, uh, dish style ones. Uh, and he sprays it, and he says, this is this industrial lubricant we're using, I don't even know, for, like, a frosted flakes or something. And he's like ten times slipperier, slipperier than oil. And they say, "Okay, Clark." Uh, and then he goes, and he goes so fast on the sled that, like, uh, he goes down the hill, across the parking lot, goes on a jump, like through a sign, and uh, just like a quick. That's like one of the things that just doesn't stand up. The first three times you see it, it's hilarious. 
but after a while you say, but I don't know, maybe this emotional, like trying to see the richness in the emotions. Uh, so then there's that sequence. Um, then I think that's it. Like there's probably one more. Oh no. So then there's the night, uh, before Christmas Eve, I think is the next one. Uh, so this night and Clark's alone and he sees Ruby, uh, like, uh, or I think that's her name. And she says like, uh, Clark's like fantasizing about the swimming pool. Like he's looking out his window and staring at his backyard and imagining a swimming pool there and imagining uh, like that's going to give him this, uh, this vitality and the success and this family unity. And then Ruby says, uh, Clark, what are you doing? I thought you were Santa Claus, uh, Uncle Clark. Uh, and he says, no. And then she says, well, geez, I don't know. Like, if I believe in Santa, because last year we didn't get presents, because that's because we were moving. And uh, uh, we see her kind of softness. And Clark says, don't worry. I believe in Santa. And I believe in, you know, Ruby, you're a guest. And Santa's going to find you. I'll make sure of it. And I guess that, like, helps us, like, root for Clark again. And then I think the next day is Christmas Eve. And so we have the Christmas Eve build, which kind of seems like, uh, you know, Clark and his like, Clark having run-ins with his in-laws and his parents. And uh, they say, don't get too carried away tonight, Clark. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else, like, uh, probably some buildup, uh, during the day, or maybe that's when they went sledding. I want to say though, um, I'm trying to think what else, like if there was another transition, but I can't think of one, but, uh, yeah, then we have the big lead up, uh, to Christmas Eve and everybody getting ready and Clark and everybody, Clark having these big expectations and then, uh, I guess the arrival of guests, uh, if I think of like a transition scene before that, uh, uh, but we also see that the dog is like, uh, or, uh, or, oh, we, we have more trouble with the neighbors, uh, Randy Newman emptying all the RV stuff right into the sewer and then having some toxicity, uh, maybe something with the dog. I can't remember. Uh, definitely Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like, slowly, like, I, I remember she looks out the window at Randy Newman and just saying, like, what a beast that dude is. Uh, and when does, like, uh, I'm trying to think when they get fed up. Uh, uh, maybe in another few minutes. Uh, but then Christmas Eve arrives, uh, so the guests start to arrive first. So we already had everybody. Like Clark and everybody gets stressed up for Christmas Eve. Uh, so if Clark, Ellen, and the two kids, uh, and, and uh, Ellen's parents, uh, Clark's parents, Eddie and his wife, uh, Carolyn maybe, and their two kids, Ruby and uh, Elvis, uh, and then a dog, uh, and then like an older aunt and an older uncle come together. I don't know if they're in a relationship or like a really, really old aunt and then a fairly, fairly old uncle. So maybe like 80s and uh, 70s and 80s, I'd say. Maybe even 90s. Uh, 
And there's a lot of like uh, kind of cheaper geriatric jokes. Uh, but I think at the time, uh, uh, the, the the acting was pretty good. But so she she arrives and then the, the prep for dinner is going. And of course, there's like comedy there. Like the turkey doesn't turn out right. Uh, the older aunt or whatever grandmother, uh, uh, her, uh, she made some gelatin, but she also, uh, topped it with cat food. Uh, she brings her cat as a present. Uh, so then they let the cat out. Uh, and, uh, then what else happens next? Uh, yeah, like the uncle, he's like kind of like, uh, like he's like, uh, kind of like a jerk and he's smoking and he like just throws his cigars wherever he wants. And then there's a build up to dinner and there's these moose glasses that they're drinking eggnog out of that are like, uh, seem like a thing. But I don't really remember them that much from the movie. Like just at some point, uh, I uh, think so, so turkey goes bad. Then at some point, uh, uh, the dog trashes the kitchen, like gets into the garbage. Uh, uh, so they say, I can't believe you, the dog did that. Then the cat, the, um, grandmother's cat or the aunt's cat, uh, uh, gets too much into the tree, uh, and goes, it goes to big farm where they keep all the pets. Uh, then, um, what else happens next? Uh, then they discover there's a squirrel in the tree. That's right at dinner, like right when they sit down at dinner. And then Clark, uh, says, makes a big speech and extend. It seems like the calm, things have gotten calm again. Uh, they say, okay, like, uh, okay, everything's calm. We're going to eat dinner now. We make the best of the uh, bad situation. And then a squirrel comes out of the tree and creates total chaos. Uh, uh, like somebody faints, uh, it jumps on people, uh, the dog runs through, and uh, um, whatever, like uh, windows are breaking, things are flying, and they fly into the house next door. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus says, I can't, this is it. Like, uh, Either you go over there or I go over there to her husband. He goes, well, I don't want to deal with this. So she goes, I'll go over there because like, I had enough and I can't take it anymore. These neighbors are rude. So she goes over there. Meanwhile, they're chasing the dog and the cat or the dog and the squirrel. And at that point, it becomes like a bonding thing and kind of funny. Like, uh, I think one of, I think the uh, Clark's dad's uh, someone famous, too. But they kind of try to sneak up on the squirrel, and then they finally chase it out the front door right when Julia Louis-Dreyfus gets there. So she's had enough. And then she goes in, and she says to her husband, you're like, like he goes, how'd it go? And she goes, like, uh, I need a night off from this relationship. And then uh, the house is, like, it seems like Christmas is ruined, right? Uh uh, like it can't get any worse. Uh, um, I think this is a moment. And then the doorbell rings and, uh, in the midst of the chaos, or maybe this is before the chaos, but, uh, Clark says, listen, I know things aren't going great. I know I'm a buffoon, but this is a courier and the courier, uh, 
it has my Christmas bonus. So I've been waiting for it. I don't know where it is, but uh, here it is. Uh, and I have a big announcement that I'm putting in a swimming pool and I'm going to host you all this summer. Uh, because I like, I believe in the, you know, power of swimming pools to unite family bonding. And he goes, go ahead, Rusty, or somebody open it up or Ellen. And they say, okay, you subscribe to a year long subscription to the fruitcake of a month club. And then Clark goes and, you know, he loses his temper and starts, uh, like going off on a tangent, uh, and he says, geez, like, what kind of cheap move is that? I'd love to. And everybody's mad, like, uh, but Clark's over the top. And he says, yeah, I would, like, wish to see my boss here and just tell him my opinion of him for being so cheap. And you see a light go off over uh, Randy Newman's head. And then they recover again. Or maybe this is, you know, like, it might be out of sequence. But, uh, and everybody's kind of like, okay, well, uh, it wasn't the greatest Christmas, but, uh, we have this one last tradition where we read the night before Christmas. And uh, he, Clark goes to his father, are you going to read it, Dad? And he goes, no, Clark, uh, you are. He goes, it's your house, it's your holiday, go for it. And everybody, like, he gets all into it, and he's got his hat on. And it's like this, like, uh, Christmas interlude or holiday interlude where everybody's, again, he's actually getting what he wants right here almost. Uh, Despite things not going well, there's like a, this again moment of like a togetherness uh, where he's excited. And then while that's playing out, we're seeing a sequence where Randy Newman goes uh, to, to go get Clark's boss and say, hey, come on down uh, to say Clark wants to talk to you. And he says, well, I'd rather not go. And he, Randy Newman says, well, uh, let me talk you into it. And right at the height of Clark reading it, like, what a uh, wondering eye should appear. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Uncle Eddie and my boss out on the lawn. And the boss comes, and meanwhile, the wife is at home and said, hey, this uh, this greaser or whatever came and wanted, you know, we were trying to eat dinner. And uh, he was a beast of a man. And he took took my husband to one of his employees' houses, and that's, like, uh, unethical. So she calls the ethics team. But so the boss is there, and the boss is played by, again, another character actor whose name escapes me, who excels in these kind of roles. And he has the perfect voice for it. So he plays this jerky boss, and he says, what is the meaning of all this? Like, look at these, like, uh, plebs, uh, despite their house being huge. Uh, you know, he says, and then they say, uh, listen, man, like we have a legit gripe. Uh, why would you? And then Ellen is actually the leader who says, my husband has a point. Uh, like what kind of person? And then Rusty and the grandfathers, they all, the grandmothers, they all get into it. And they kind of shame the CEO or whatever for saying, uh, you know, people rely on these bonuses. If you're not going to give them, tell them a long time ahead of time. Uh, don't leave them hanging or maybe give uh, some bonuses because that's like, uh, absurd. And the boss says, I guess you're right. Uh, what were you doing? Were you reading the night before Christmas? And Clark says, yeah, let me just finish up or something. And then right then the ethics squad comes like full force, uh, 
And uh, they say, okay, like, uh, you're busted. I think at some point the boss writes a check. Uh, but maybe that wasn't until later. Uh, and, like, uh, the wife of the CEO's there. She says, the ethics squad's here to create, you know, so you're not, like, uh, affiliating with these uh, line-level employees. Uh, and the boss says, I actually worked it out. She goes, well, what did they want anyway? And he goes, well, I canceled all the Christmas bonuses. And then his wife and then all the ethics team, they say, well, what kind of person cancels Christmas bonuses that are planned for? And they kind of shame him and they say, okay, we're going to leave. Then he writes a check, I think, and says, uh, you know, this one's for your pool, man. Uh, enjoy it, you know, when it, when, you know, down the road. And then I think, I don't know how the movie ends, to be honest with you, but, uh, like at some point it ends after that, uh, yeah, I don't know how it, oh, uh, they all go outside. I think what happens is uh, the gas uh, from the RV, is that the, the note that the movie ends on? I guess so, yeah. Like, uh, the gas from the RV in the sewer, uh, like, shoots the Santa uh, up from the ground, and it shoots across the sky, uh, just like... Uh, uh, like, a, like, a, it looks like a meteor, but Ruby's there with Clark, and she says, hey, Santa's on his way here to give me a gift uh, that I've been deprived of. And then maybe there's, an, like, a Unity song, like, at the end of Scrooge, but then everybody's together and uh, looking at that moment and sharing it, and uh, the movie came to a close. Okay, let's just, it came out in 1989, huh, so I guess I'm, I don't know if it's PG, I can't believe I saw it, uh, it was written by John Hughes, uh, director, directed by, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Shekik, uh, it was based on a short story from National Lampoon's Magazine, Christmas of 59, or Christmas 59, so it's Chevy Chase, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, Juliette Lewis, and Johnny Galecki, produced by John Hughes. Uh, music is by Angelo Baldamente. Baldamente. Uh, cinematography is by Thomas E. Ackerman. No relation. Uh, came out December 1st, 1989. 97 minutes. Uh, its budget was $25 million, and the box office was 71 but I'm sure it made a lot more than that. I guess it was a direct-to-TV sequel. I saw that when I was looking for holiday movies aren't really on the streaming services, I guess because all the cable TV channels have them. I'm trying to think. Uh, bonus. Uh, yeah, cast. Uh, who else do we have? John Randolph is Clark Sr. Diane Ladd. E.G. Marshall, Doris Roberts, uh, so a lot of famous uh, people are in this that I didn't realize. Oh, Ruby Sue, Rocky was the boy's name. Catherine is Eddie's wife, uh, played by Miriam Flynn. Uh, Sam McMurray is Bill. Uh, Frank Shirley, Brian Doyle Murray is the uh, actor. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Nicholas Guest is, was uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' husband, Todd. Uh, let's see, any other things? 
uh, John Hughes had originally written the story uh, for the 1980 issue of National Lampoon's magazine. And the studio begged for another one. Uh, But uh, he said it was a little more than a Chevy Chase vehicle. Uh, it was shot in uh, Summit County, Colorado, Silverthorne, Breckenridge, and Frisco, and then on the Warner uh, Studios facilities in Burbank. Oh, Lindsey Buckingham had done Holiday Road for the first movie. That was a classic. Uh, it was the only installment not to have that movie in it. Uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, and it was performed by Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers fame. Was also covered by high school musical star Monique Coleman for Disney Channel Holiday album. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Let's see what else. Uh, number two at the box office. Uh, oh, Back to the Future Two came out the same weekend. Holy mackerel! And critical response uh, it got mixed to positive reviews. Uh, but many people have called it a Christmas Christmas classic. Sixty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes for film critics. Uh, it's a uh, variety said a positive film. So Roger Deber gave the film two out of four stars. Curious in how close it comes to delivering sequences after sequences seem to contain all the necessary material on the way toward a payoff, but somehow it doesn't work. I guess it kind of worked for kids and hopefully it worked uh, as a sleep podcast. Thanks for listening and good night. All right, thanks everybody and good night. And remember this episode's sponsored by uh, all the people that support the show on Patreon, uh, PayPal, and Venmo. And this week, I want to thank Lori, Marsha, Patty. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Meredith, uh, Cindy, and Genevieve, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Privacy, uh, Caitlin, and Autumn, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Charles, Rochelle, and Gus, uh, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, and good night. Uh, Damiana, Estina. And Eric, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Carolyn, Gwendolyn, and Hannah, or Hannah, thanks, thanks, and good night. Anonymous, uh, love, love privacy and anonymous, uh, two of my favorite things. Uh, uh, Deanna and Barbara, thanks, thanks, and good night. Nikki, Darren, and Nicholas, uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Jess. Uh, Timmy and Caleb, thank you and thanks and good night. Kristen, uh, Shanice and Pam, thanks and good night. Chris, Mark and Debbie, thank you, thanks and good night. Ashley, Jennifer and Amanda, thanks, thanks and good night. Mike, Karen and Rebecca, thank you, thanks and good night. Matthew, Kat and Leah, thank you and good night. Uh, Natalia, Rachel, and uh, cartoons by Hillary. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Megan, Sarah, and Susie. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Carl, Renee, and James. Uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Rebecca, Lauren, and Deborah. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Kate, uh, Savi. Uh, Kate, uh, Savi, and Kirsten. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Morgan, Lauren, and Sarah, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Lisa, Renee, and Rhonda, thanks, thanks, and good night. Michael, Lisa, and Ellen, thank you, thanks, and good night. 
Kieran, Rachel, and Sally. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Bebop, Kara, and Alexander. Thanks, thanks, good night. Maddie, Hannah, or Hannah, and Alyssa. Thanks, thanks, and good night. And particularly thanks for supporting the show in the holiday season. I know you're all thankful for it, uh, but this, this is like, like uh, it's the best time to support the show, but it's probably the hardest time for the listeners, too. So thank you so much, and uh, thanks, and good night. Hey, everybody, welcome to uh, another episode of Sleep With Me. This one is, uh, I guess, like a little holiday episode, so happy holidays. Uh, however you, uh, like, uh, I know the holidays can be a tricky thing, uh, cause everybody celebrates it in their own way and everybody has uh, different traditions, uh, depending on your family and your culture and, you know, a lot of stuff, or maybe you're creating new traditions, uh, for your family. Uh, so however you celebrate the holidays is very important and uh, but mostly it's important that you say oh boy uh, they, like uh, there's holidays and then there's family right uh, so they can make it even more tricky and then you have the past and the present and the future i think that's where dickens knew what they were talking about because uh, they said oh yeah you got uh so i just want to acknowledge uh that that uh while i enjoy doing holiday themed episodes it's mostly because i watched uh, too much tv as a child and then as a tween, I watched also watched too much TV. Then as a teen, I watched a lot of TV. Then as a like in a young adult, like a like well, then I stopped develop like I stopped maturing when I was a tween. I mean, I'm, and I'm not kidding. Uh, like at some point, I stopped emotionally maturing, but I kept watching TV, hoping it would, it would set me straight. And so I've consumed a lot of holiday specials. And then as I became an adult and I developed like, uh, like, uh, yeah, then I needed the nostalgia to kind of clear, like, uh, do, like, de-shameify me. So then I'd say, well, I got to watch some nostalgic holiday stuff, uh, to reconnect me to an earlier time when I didn't have all these feelings. And then now I've moved on to a more healing stage where I say, okay, scoots, it's time to, uh, you know, write some things you make some, make some amends, write the mistakes you made. Uh, he, you know, try start to emotionally mature. Like I'd say, right now I'm around 13. So, I'd see it. Like say, I seriously, yeah, I think I'm about 13 years old. So, uh, you know, my voice may start to change soon. So, uh, big things. I'm planning big things emotionally. Uh, my emotional voice, it may stay start to change. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, so I said, like, the holidays can be complicated. So I like, uh, but I like to give it a little bit of a nice little, uh, you know, take you away, you know, put you at ease and, uh, to, like, uh, tell you a little bedtime story. And it'll have holiday themes, uh, mostly from my childhood nostalgia and the podcast nostalgia. Uh, but most of all, like, I'm thankful that you listen to this podcast, and I hope it can help you. And as I enter the holiday season, I say, wow, I can't believe that there's like 600-something episodes of this podcast that I've made because of you, because it puts you to sleep, and I've heard from you, and you shared with me, and you supported the show, and encouraged me, and given me all this kindness, uh... Like, I really have a lot to be thankful for. So thank you so much. Uh, so I hope I can give or bring you some solace. Uh, 
And last year I told the tale of the Christmas tree that took a walk. Uh, and the Christmas tree that took a walk was a Christmas tree like uh, like no other. Holy cow. Uh, that a family just like mine had picked up uh, one day at a Christmas tree lot somewhere in uh, central New York. And then the family had gone to Burger King, because that's where we would go, Burger King or Pizza Hut. Uh, well, super special Pizza Hut, a pretty special Burger King. And got some cocoa, maybe original chicken sandwich. And then the like, uh, storm swept in, and somehow the Christmas tree got, got uh, blown away. And had to walk all the way back uh, to two ten to two to two ten Westwood, where I was born and ra- well, I wasn't born there, but uh, you know that's uh, yeah, but that's where I grew up. And uh, the Christmas tree took a walk. It said, "Well, I want to get back to this family. I'm supposed to be their holiday tree." And so the Christmas tree walked from just beyond Burger King in Western Lights Plaza. That's what uh, where where in Syracuse it is. Uh, Went up to Burnett, it got blown, I think it got blown to Burnett Park, and then had to walk from Burnett Park uh, uh, up to where I grew up. And the night it did that walk was one of those cold, snowy nights uh, with, uh, you know, brisk brisk air, but like where the snow is really coming down and the wind is blowing and it's accumulating on the roads. Uh, but not a blizzard, just a, like... Uh, steady uh, falling of snow, but at an angle, I would say at a 45-degree angle because of the wind, not a high wind, uh, but enough like a snow, I'd say a snowstorm. But if you didn't grow up in like a snow zone, I mean, a snowstorm is like where you're hoping, like because you don't get a lot of blizzards. Uh, that's like serious business, you know, but snowstorms and snow showers, uh in snow flurries, I've had a few, uh, but I also haven't lived there in a long time, so I'm not sure which one's which. Uh, but I'd say this is like right around a shower because the snow's really coming down, and over hours it can accumulate. Uh, I don't know if we'd say quarter inch an hour, maybe an inch. I think an inch an hour is that's a blizzard, uh, uh, but a half inch an hour. Uh, that's a snowstorm. So that was the kind of night that the Christmas tree that took a walk had to walk from, uh, uh, like a park all the way, like a couple miles. And it did it because it had the Christmas spirit. And, you know, Roberta Claus, uh, uh, who was my Santa Claus figure, she had taken over for Santa. And, and for some reason, this didn't get any press. Uh, and you could call her Santa Claus because Santa's actually a term. Like, kind of like, uh, I don't know, Duke uh, or Duchess or something. No, I guess those are like, uh, but I prefer to prefer to call, like, I'm not on a first name basis with Roberta Claus, except for written, written warnings I've gotten. I don't know if you get those. So many people are signed up for those. Now you can get them as like text alerts. It just says, uh, heads up, naughty list. You're, you're naughty. You're near the naughty, nearly naughty. And they say, uh, but then I say, oh, no, it's from Roberta Claus. Okay, uh, I better shape up. Uh, they tried to sign up for the real-time service, but it turns out that was like not, that was some machine learning project that was like, uh, it was using Robert, like, like Roberta Claus uh, North Pole branding. 
uh, to kind of try to get you, like, because uh, he said, well, I would love real-time. I'd actually prefer, like, some sort of VR augmented reality. Maybe I wouldn't, though, because maybe that would make me more grouchy. So stop, to, you know, because it says stop being grouchy. Anyway, good news, great news is uh, this Christmas tree, whose name I forgot, uh <laughs> Because I just did. I'm sorry, Christmas tree. Maybe the tree didn't have a name. It wasn't Wally, but the tree did remind me of Wally a little bit, though their stories are a lot different. Uh, but this Christmas tree was granted the eternal, uh, eternal magical holiday tree, like some sort of, I don't know, this is stuff like Roberta Claus basically gave the tree, made this evergreen tree evergreen. Uh, like some sort of a holiday archetype. Uh, so this Christmas tree, gave, I guess, got consciousness because I guess it already did because it could walk. Uh, maybe the same, probably the same stuff that Frosty's got, uh, but that was only seasonal, which would be a bummer. Uh, but I guess, you know, we're all seasonal. Like just a, some seasons, you know, our seasons are a bit, a bit longer. But this tree, uh, this year, like, it just, it just got off the phone with this tree and, uh, cause it's still, it's still like, uh, wandering uh, the snowbound nights of, uh, uh, central New York. Uh, but it had another adventure, uh, like, uh, recently with this, another famous character from the podcast, the elf nobody knew. And Elf Nobody Knew, again, short on names, because this was like episode, like it was 25 or 40 or 90. It probably was December 2013, or it could have been December 2013 or 2014, maybe 2015. I don't think it was 2016, but uh, that was a story about the Elf Nobody Knew. You know, there's a lot of elves. There's not, I guess there's not a lot of elves you know by first name anyway. But this elf was like a shy elf, you know, wasn't wasn't a character for me, but it like reminded me of me. It was just a quiet elf that minded their own business and liked to 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 to, to just uh, you know speak when they had something to say, but otherwise just did their job. But still had a bit of you know lonely, you know could feel lonely from time to time. And at some point, this elf. Uh, I'm not exactly sure because I haven't really listened, but the elf said, well, I'm going to go for a walk. Uh, and uh, the only elf's name I can think of is Spackle, who's my friend. Uh, but uh, I'm not friends with this elf just because I don't know. Ironically enough, I don't know the elf that nobody knew. Uh, but I know the story behind it. Uh, but so this elf, uh, went off and, you know, no one knew because, uh, the elf had gone off, uh, ended up walking and heading into the woods and then ended up helping like all the forest friends, uh, maybe some woods elves. This was like a, like a, like a North Pole elf, uh, and it ran into some like deep forest elves, I think, and they had an adventure. Uh, but eventually, I think this elf, uh, the elf nobody knew, was in charge of, uh, only had one job, which was uh, adding the lubricant to the um, the runners on Santa's sleigh. And it had, obviously, is a critical job, especially depending on the weather. I think they changed lubricants. Uh, and so once, uh, like, Christmas night came, or yeah, Christmas Eve, they call it, but... Uh, 
they found it. They said, well, we really need this elf. And, uh, you know, the, Christmas was saved when they found the elf and everybody realized, uh, this is an elf we should know. Uh, but it turns out patterns are hard to break. So this elf, uh, who, who's, uh, not good at self-promotion, even though they saved uh, one Christmas Eve and Christmas night, Christmas day, you know, the stakes are hard with Christmas stories. Cause it's like, really like, uh, I guess you got to save Christmas for at least with one person. If you can't save it for everybody. Uh, though I think Roberta Claus, she called, she called Christmas off one year. I think, uh, but anyway, this elf, uh, uh, who will say is Elfie and we'll say the Christmas tree's name's Chris, uh, cause I don't know either one of their names. Uh, uh, but you know, ever since I told that tale, Elfie kind of, uh, you know, drifted back into the background and it didn't do much. And, uh, but it did finally develop uh, after a year or two, like a close circle of friends. And they said, uh, geez, Elfie, you know, you're going to grease the, um, runners of, uh, Santa Slay. Like, what other things are you into? And Elfie said, well, I don't, I don't really know. Like, uh, like, uh, like I guess like, uh, I'm not really into much else. And, uh, like, uh, like, I'm just like rather, uh, be, be myself and, uh, just do my job. And they said, are you sure about that, Elfie? Like, are you sure you're not looking for a greater adventure? And, uh, the Elfie said, well, I heard that Roberta Claus, uh, gave this, uh, evergreen award to an evergreen tree, a Christmas tree, uh, that took a walk and, uh, Elfie said, actually, I can't stop thinking about it. Cause they said, what would it, how would a Christmas tree walk? Did it grow legs or did its trunk split into legs? Uh, it, does it have arms? Does it have a face? Uh, when it, did it smile when it got an award? Cause it was a private ceremony. Uh, Roberta Koss flew to central New York for it. Uh, like, uh, like, I do, like, I can't stop thinking about that Christmas tree that took a walk. Uh, and what does the tree do now? And a lot of people said, never heard about that tree. That, uh, like, uh, doesn't sound like a Christmas tree that w- took a walk where? Uh, to the North Pole? And Elfie said, no, but like, uh, past a Burger King. And they said, she sounds like that podcast, uh, the, to put people to sleep. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, and Elfie said, can't you, can't you picture, can you picture a Christmas tree going for a walk? They said, yeah, like going for a walk, a Christmas tree that took a walk, uh, a picture for about four seconds. And then I move on to something else. And Elfie said, well, that's what I'm really interested in. And somehow this news got to Roberta Claus because they think they're trying to do this thing. What do you call it? Oh, sabbaticals, uh. Like, there's, a, there's like, plenty of progressive thinking trying to get implemented at the North Pole. And just one layer of this is saying, hey, why don't you take a sabbatical? Uh, I don't know what it's called when you, you, uh, you get, you, you're drawing a salary even when you're, uh, like, doing what you're interested in. But I guess Roberta Claus, again, this is all private ceremony, so I didn't have access to this, but El- she called Elfie in. And she said, you're the elf nobody knew about, huh, Elfie? And Elfie said, yep. Uh, yeah, I guess I'd rather be called the elf that rather would rather not be known. 
And Roberta said, well, I'm glad, you know, you've been working with your apprentice and you've really been doing a great job and we're all really proud of you. And she said, are you familiar with our sabbaticals? And uh, Elfie said, no. And Roberta Claus said, well, no one is really. It's like one of the programs that nobody knew. So she said, I'm trying to come up with this new thing called sabbatical adventures. Uh, and I'd like for you to be our first person to take a sabbatical adventure. And Elfie said, what's the difference between a sabbatical and a sabbatical adventure? Just an adventure at the end. And Roberta said, no, you like you leave immediately. Like she goes, it's less prep. Like you're on sabbatical. Uh, and we're, we're sending you on the adventure that you already asked for. So I guess you get less say. And there's less planning. We're sending you to central New York. Uh, there's a big storm due, and uh, we figured you'd walk with the, the Christmas tree that took a walk. Uh, and Elfie said, okay, uh, sounds great. And Roberta said, okay, like, uh, don't worry about packing your stuff. We packed you a go bag. And she said, we'll see you on the other side of uh, the holidays. And she said, be, be careful out there because the northern lights have been acting funny. Winkity, wink, wink, wink. Uh, and Elfie said, what do you mean? What was with the winkity, wink, wink, wink? Uh, and she said, there must have been some magic in that uh, old adventure sabbatical. Uh, and she said, here, put on this uh, T-shirt. It says uh, sabbatical adventurer. And, you know, there was more stuff that I heard about, but, you know, nothing, you know, more joking stuff like where Elfie said, huh, is this some sort of, uh... and then Elfie climbed in, like, uh, like, uh, you know, it traveled. I don't know how else traveled, to be honest. I guess I would assume some sort of sleigh-based technology or something. Yeah, but also parachutes, I think, uh, is a cool way. Let's just assume Elfie parachuted and a giant flowing parachute inside a giant stocking, a niche stocking. What could be more comfortable? The swaying. Yeah, but then as Elfie crossed through the clouds, it started to feel like the change in the air. Now, luckily, this was electric sock, so uh, Elfie turned on the heater and started to feel some moisture and then a little bit more rocking as they crossed through the cloud layer uh, into the air above central New York. And Elfie began to circle around and around and around and eventually lower and lower into uh, center 13215 area code and eventually through the trees and into the woods, uh, uh, somewhere, uh, was where Elfie finally, you know, the parachute got caught in the trees, but, uh, you know, Elfie was relaxing and sleeping and then woke up and looked down and said, okay, I could climb down from here. And it was, uh, it was just a dusk, uh, like maybe, I don't even know what time it got to be dusk, uh, with a snowstorm, uh, maybe 4 p.m., and Elfie said, wow, 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 uh, where am I? And Elfie got out of the trees and uh, uh, headed off in one direction, confident, but not knowing why Elfie was confident, other than from listening to this podcast. Uh, and then Elfie said, oh, yeah, listen, that Sleep With Me podcast. These are the woods that uh, have been appeared in a few episodes. Uh, 
So I'll just go through Mrs. O's backyard, and then they, Elfie saw the old rock wall, and then the big flat rock, and then the long, uh, long, long stretch of Mrs. O's backyard. And then through the backyard, and uh, then around the back of uh, the next next door neighbor's house, uh, and into Scoots's backyard, where little Andy used to play. Yeah, but the house was dark and silent. Uh, yeah, the house was, but then the hill, like uh, because of the snow, uh, Elfie saw cars like struggling to get up the hill because it was snowing so hard. And what they would do is they'd get halfway up the hill, and their start tires would start to spin, or some of them with snow tires even would get further. And as they got closer to the top of the hill where it was steeper, then their tires would start to spin, and some would try to go slow. But most of the cars uh, would uh, weren't going to make it, so then Elfie would go. So Elfie just started helping and saying, hey, let me help you turn around uh, if they got caught. Uh, and plus with the snowbanks, you know, you'd have to do like a 30-point turn if you couldn't get into a driveway. And Elfie just said, Jesus, tonight's not the night. And then Elfie said, like, you could go all the way around uh, the block. Uh, it's like a, this is a big rectangle. And people said, Jesus, thanks. So who, who are you doing? Are you doing appearances or are you just working at someone, one person's house? Uh, and Elfie would laugh, uh, laugh with a, like a gingerbread and a candy cane breath this, these elves had. Because uh, that's what was in Elfie's uh, pack, just uh, a snack pack that uh, Elfie had. And Elfie said, oh, no, no, I'm just looking for a tree. Have you seen a Christmas tree that likes to walk? And uh, people said, no, no, no. Uh, well, anyway, Merry Christmas. And Elfie said, what do you mean? And they said, well, it's Christmas Eve, uh, you goof. Uh, aren't you waiting for Santa? Are you going to show, show Santa where to land? And Elfie said, Roberta, you mean Roberta Claus. Uh, and they say, Roberta Claus, never heard of her. And eventually Elfie, like, helped enough people that Elfie learned that uh, there had been some sort of time shift. And it was like in the 19, uh, uh, like in 1989, 1990, 1991, was the best Elfie could do because, uh, you know, of the songs, the, the holiday songs uh, they were playing. Uh, the Elfie was able to narrow down the years. Uh, so then Elfie went back to the yard uh, that uh, where uh, little Andy grew up. And uh, Elfie said, I remember little Andy used to say when it was a lot of snow and he was covered in like a snow suit or snow pants and a thick jacket, he liked to lie in this bush. Uh, and it was a big bush and it wasn't hard to find. And uh, like, uh, Elfie felt like, uh, Elfie had like a lot of winter clothes on too. So this big, like evergreen bush, uh, really big and wide, uh, bigger than a bush, like a few bushes in a row, technically, probably. And Elfie lied down in the bush, uh, the bush could take Elfie's weight spread out among its branches. And Elfie smelled some evergreen, and, uh, you know, because Elfie had so much layers on, was warm and kind of swaying, and then able to look up at the gray 
sky just beyond the uh, the snow and able to hear the sound like almost like a click 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 as the snow uh, would land and then able to hear kind of in the distance uh, holiday tunes uh, drifting from houses where people were celebrating and just really enjoying the moment and then the wind and uh, just the sense of the winter night settling in. It was uh, comforting. Like, uh, and, and this is the kind of aloneness that Elfie loved. Uh, alone in the moment of a, a night, like a pure, pure moment. Uh, and just really sitting there and enjoying every minute of it. Uh, you know, like an Elfie would realize something else to look for, like Elfie tried to find the moon and eventually uh, could see a spot where the moon was just barely uh, noticeable beyond the clouds. And Elfie started to watch as the, the, the snowflakes, uh, like, came come down in a relentless manner, uh, but a hypnotically relentless manner, uh, just... Uh, like a stream almost, but a distinct stream, like where you could watch each individual flake uh, for a little while and then watch it again. And, you know, even though uh, Elfie was from a fantastic place, the North Pole, and now it uh, time traveled, presumably, this was another kind of, uh, like, uh, just unbelievable thing, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, it's easy to forget that the sky is just, uh, uh, projecting snowflakes, uh, nonstop, uh, and then, uh, you know, Elfie didn't get too heady and think about the flakes, but it thought about how the flakes were, uh, clumped together, Elfie did, and, and, uh, Elfie started to drift off just for a little while, uh, uh, just, just long enough that Elfie's cheeks and nose got a little cold, uh, and, uh, that's when Elfie felt, uh, something drifting on its cheek, uh, something warm, uh, but brushing, and that's when Elfie looked up and, uh, uh, saw a Christmas tree, uh, like leaning in above it, uh, Chris, the Christmas tree, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, leaning in, brushing kind of the melting snow off of uh, Elfie's cheeks. And uh, Elfie was still stuck in the moment, even though Elfie was kind of coming back. Uh, there was, again, something about uh, the feeling of that melting snow, the warm skin, and Elfie's core was still very warm. Even his ex like external body parts were still warm and toasty. And, uh, like, even though Elfie's cheeks were, the, the body temperature still warm enough to melt most of the snow. And it was almost delightful, just that little moment of, uh, like, uh, just interest. Uh, like, man, my cheeks are still melting in the snow, but it, it's not all of it. And that's why. And then Elfie said, holy cow, this way this Christmas tree is brushing snow from my face. And Elfie said, are you the Christmas tree that took a walk? And the Christmas tree did say, did kind of nod and said, uh, yeah, I am the Christmas tree that took a walk. Uh, and I'd like to take you for a special little walk, Elfie. 
and this uh, special Christmas Eve, uh, 19, whatever it is, uh, the Christmas tree said, I'm not positive either. You've been, you know, wandering in and out. Of, like, uh, he said, how's it in this? Well, there's a, the, like, there's this thing called the transverse plane. I don't want to try to explain it to you, but that's where we, uh, we're, we're out beyond the transverse plane. Nelvi said, does that mean we're really in it? And Christmas tree said, yeah, we're actually in this, uh, this world. And then Elfie said, is this like the, where little Andy the podcaster grew up? And uh, Christmas tree said, yeah, it was their Christmas tree last year. And, uh, you know, then I was sent to meet Roberta Claus uh, in the future. Again, don't worry about it. We're going to go for a walk. Uh, are you ready? And Elfie said, yeah, I think so. And then the Christmas, she said, no, let's have a cup of hot cocoa and sit here and, uh, and, and talk about stuff. Uh, and Elfie said, okay. So then they sat in the garage. Uh, somehow the Christmas tree had the code. I don't know where I would, we never had a code. So like, uh, maybe after I moved away, there was a code for the garage door, but, uh, yeah, so they got inside the garage and they were sitting there smelling the smells of gasoline and the lawnmower and the sound of a cold garage and metal kind of readjusting itself and of dirt and dust. Uh, and they drank some uh, hot cocoa that seemed to miraculously appear, but really, uh, Chris, Chris the tree had a backpack, uh, that Elfie just never noticed. Uh, so they had some hot cocoa. Yes, with marshmallows, of course. Pepper, a little peppermint flavor. And they just kind of sipped at it and enjoyed it. And they actually didn't talk. They listened again to the sounds now of the wind. And a few more cars. And they had a laugh as every car they listened to tried to make it up the hill. But they didn't. And uh, they said, what an annoyance on Christmas Eve. And Chris, Chris just like let out, like, uh, uh, Elfie just have the space, uh, uh, to take in more moments, uh, even though they were together, uh, you know, they were kind of solitary, uh, community members, I guess, in some strange way. And then Chris opened the garage door and said, uh, let's head out. And even as they did, uh, the snow had accumulated. So it made that, uh, that sound when you first hit snow, like almost like a crinkling, uh, like a creaking sound. And they started to enjoy that, uh, and the things on their cheeks, and Elvie uh, said, "Where were we going?" And uh, uh, the Christmas tree said, "Don't no, just do a little bit of a tour of uh, Scoots's, uh, a couple of uh, little Andy spots, because I know you're a little Andy fan." And so they headed off, and the first place they went was just down the street uh, where I used to go sledding. And, uh, you know, Elfie said, yeah, there's an episode about this in the Christmas tree. So, yeah, let's go up here. Like, uh, little Andy used to also like explore, loved exploring this golf course in the winter and, you know, having different adventures as GI Joe and star scream and, uh, you know, brainy Smurf. Uh, and then they laughed at that because that was a joke.
on multiple levels and, uh, you know, but maybe not the gummy bears. It could have been one of the gummy bears. Uh, and it kind of showed like, uh, all the places they used to walk around there. And then they walked out and they crossed the one busy street and they went past my best friend, uh, from, uh, all the way back to kindergarten or greenhouse, uh, Patty and Judy and Jim. Chris and Dan lived at, uh, and then they cut around a couple, a couple of streets, a couple left, a couple rights, and they ended up at another reservoir, or actually a reservoir, which is another good spot to go sledding, but had more, uh, uh tiered hills, uh, so it, I think it has a sustained hill on the other side with these beautiful brick red reservoirs, uh, and, uh, there was a couple of people sledding there, like, uh, adults and, you know, that needed a break on this, uh, Christmas Eve. And then they headed down from there and they headed by another house where a little, another one of little Andy friends uh, used to live, uh, Chris Ann and his family. And, uh, they had a lot of good times at that house. And then they turned to, to uh, the church uh, where little Andy's mom even went uh, to school, uh, Most Holy Rosary Church. And uh, this is where all of uh, their family things tend to be, whether people go to the big farm or, you know, uh, not a recent wedding, uh, but, you know, some weddings have been there. And the bells were ringing there, and it has a big rose window in the front. Uh, and even, I think, on the top, it has, like, a statue with a neon uh, a halo. And so they took all that in, even, like, uh, even the stuff that only exists in little Andy's memory. And up there, you're on a little bit of a hill, so you have a view of uh, uh, some of the lower uh, uh, parts of Syracuse, like downtown Syracuse and some of the hills beyond there. There's a nice peaceful view, and then you have a view down the hill. And just down the hill, they just said, because the Christmas tree said, hop on my shoulders. Uh, and Elfie said, okay. And they could see the library branch on Geddes Ave, where uh, little Andy spent so much time. And according to little Andy's mom, his first uh, poetry was published in the uh, library uh you know, summer reading game con compilations. And there's also like a burned area there where you could get chocolate milk. And they both looked and they said, well, that's like a, quite a, like a branch. Uh, and they could see all of the, the roads were pretty quiet now. And they just kind of took it in and they saw some of the schools at a, uh, little Andy's, uh, aunts and uncles and cousins had worked at all around the area. And, and the, the Elfie said, where are we going next? And, uh, in the Christmas tree said, we're going to uh, Ruskin Ave. Uh, and, uh, Elfie said, the Ruskin Ave where little Andy used to jump in the compost, uh, his grandfather's compost heap and, the Christmas tree said, yeah. And then Luffy said, the, this, the Ruskin Ave where, uh, 
all of Andy's uh, aunts and uncles and mom grew up all together. Uh, uh, what is it, like 12 or 20 of them in the, in the Christmas tree? Chris just laughed uh, and said, let's walk over there. And, uh, and uh, LVC, can I jump into the compost heap just like little Andy does? Uh, and like uh, the Christmas tree said, well, you have to climb up it. Andy climbed up the side of it like it was a ladder, and then it would stomp on it more. He didn't know he didn't know what compost was either. He just knew it kind of smelled weird, and that it would move. And uh, the current location is the back of uh, up against a fence. Uh, so little Andy liked to use it to, to pretend to, like uh, they, it was an adventure jumping off point. And so they walked, uh, like, uh, down a couple of streets and over, and uh, somehow they got there, like, uh, not that I would have been able to find my way, but uh, uh, they were able to, and they found a, a street, uh, kind of picturesque, you know, uh, and there was this gray house uh, with a porch out front, uh, where there was uh, New Yorker magazines aplenty and extra sharp cheese and crackers uh, where uh, Andy's grandparents would uh, do those things, eat cheese, uh, drink BV and water, and uh, read the New Yorker. And that was where Andy first was confused by cartoons about and, and said, huh, uh, interesting, uh, they don't quite understand this. Uh, and eventually they walked up the driveway and they, they walked down and the house was a buzz uh, because all of the relatives were there uh, uh, for Christmas Eve and uh, uh, probably a hundred people at least in that house. And there was a it was vibrant, uh, the sounds coming out. Uh, there were sounds of, uh, you know, debate, uh, of joy, of uh, emotional roller coasters of children with sugar, you know, too much sugar and not enough sleep. Uh, there was games being played. There was dreams being dreamed. There was TV or holiday specials being watched. Uh, but Alfie just wanted to get to that compost heap, a uh, handmade... Uh, you know, compost of uh, a heap, uh, like a big square box uh, made by like kind of scrap of wood, uh, open slatted sides and plywood on the, the end. Uh, so you could climb up it just like a ladder up the slatted sides. Elfie went and started to jump in the compost heap. Uh, and then the Christmas tree said, Chris, the Christmas tree said, let's go inside, Elfie. I guess your cloak of, cloak of ability, uh, and plus no one will notice anyway, cause they'll just think we're dressed up like this. Uh, and they went inside and the first thing you do is you go up on the porch and you, you know, that's where all the beer and wine and soda would be or the overflow and, you could shake off your shoes, uh, but you'd probably wear them. And then you go into the kitchen, and on the right was a table uh, with all the appetizers and drinks and 
then to the left was the fridge and uh, the door to the basement uh, where little Andy wasn't really allowed to go too much, but he always liked to try to sneak down there because uh, it always smelled a little bit weird, but it was really just a smell like a, like a natural gas smell. And the house is warm and people are inside and they're kind of dressed up and not dressed too fancy, you know, like sweaters and pants or, you know, Santa Claus ties and, and they say, wow, this is a lot of uh, laughing going on and quaffing and, and chattering and people haven't seen one another in a long time. Then you go into the, the, from the kitchen, you go into this one room and it's a big room with a big table that you can see to 12 to 14 people. And people are just taking their turns eating at the table and the table and nearby the table is a buffet, you know, with turkey and all that, all the fixings. And, you know, the greatest of potlucks, uh, from across, uh, uh, central New York and even the extended family bringing in, you know, it's got that ambrosia pudding thing or whatever the jello thing and turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. And behind the table is a room where the, all the littlest kids go to watch TV. And they're in there. There's about 16 kids on one couch, uh, snuggling, cutest thing ever, except when they, uh, when the commercials come on. And there's other kids in every possible seat, and there's kids coming in and out. Uh, and uh, maybe there's even a kid with a bowl cut uh, that might be a little Andy. Uh, probably has on his favorite uh, shirt uh, at that era, which was a gray Shirt with purple stripes, uh, probably a long sleeved uh, collared shirt. Uh, and he's probably wear that almost every day with his little bowl cut and his innocent eye. Is hoping he would still get a toy, even though he had aged out of getting toys. And Elfie looked around, and the Christmas tree looked around, and they just saw people like, uh, uh, that were like uh, glad to be around one another, uh, and that had set aside any part complicated part of their lives for the evening. And, uh, yeah, there was a, you know, extra, you know, humanity everywhere. But, uh, for this night, it was like they were participating in something traditional and, uh, like, uh, that they were like returning to their nostalgia and creating their own nostalgia and eating a lot of bread. Oh, oh, the rolls that they would eat and then the cookies that they would consume. And the older people, uh, young adults, uh, college age uh, to their 20s would debate who's going to play Santa Claus. Uh, and, you know, everybody did a gift exchange, so Santa Claus would eventually show up and put on a show. And the kids couldn't believe that they had been lucky enough for Santa to come and give out gifts. Uh, and, yeah, there were some people that would be disappointed, like little Andy, when he got clothes instead of uh, a toy. Because uh, he didn't know... Uh, 
uh, you know, that, uh, hey, you can be thankful for things. Uh, yeah, but also because he had that little, you know, imaginary, like saying, well, I'm going to get this is going to be the year I get the toy I dreamed of. And so it was a good growth moment for little Andy to uh, say, okay, well, I don't get everything I want. I'm still uh, in the snow is still going outside. And uh, yeah, then Alfie looked at the Christmas tree uh, then they like took a walk and said, why'd you bring me here? And, uh, at Christmas, she said, why don't you take some time and get to know some people who everybody like, uh, go ahead and give it a shot, uh, and see what happens. And Elfie started going around, uh, and, uh, he'll say, what are you, how, like, uh, instantly said, what are you, uh, what are you, whose kid are you? And Elfie said, like, would make something up. Oh, I'm little Andy's. Oh, you're Ted. Great to see you. Uh, and uh, then Elfie started saying, I'm Elfie. Uh, I'm a friend of the, like, I'm a friend of little Andy's. Uh, and they said, really? Uh, the one with the vacant eyes. Uh, and Elfie said, that's the one. Uh, the one that e- eats everything. Like, n- inedible stuff. And they said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Little Andy. And he said, great, uh, well, it's good to have you here. Have you had a, one of these cookies? Have you had any food? Go ahead and sit down. And uh, at some point, the Christmas tree that took a walk, walked off uh, to the next adventure for the Christmas tree. But Elfie stayed behind and shared in a moment. Uh, and Elfie said, I'm not sure if this moment is real or memory. But I can feel the spirit of uh, the holidays of saying, hey, let me just bask in this moment. And Elfie found like a weird continuum between lying alone in a bush uh, and how that felt to being surrounded by people and and warmth and and just a, a momentary lapse in worry. Uh, to say, hey, let's uh, hang and eat and laugh and talk and uh, enjoy one another. And Elfie said, wow, both things are really possible. And uh, this is interesting. Maybe next year I'll go to the Elf holiday party. And Elfie said, I I know I can always access this warmth too. Uh, just by thinking of it and, and sitting there and saying, huh, yeah, isn't this nice lying where I am right now? And, uh, you know, I do have uh, that kind of caring within me uh, for other people and for myself. And I'm thankful uh, for other people and I'm thankful for the moments I have to myself uh, and then Elfie said, you know what, I want to go back outside and jump in the uh, compost heap. And Elfie went back outside after a while and thought about lying in the compost heap, but thought better at that and just stood there and listened to the holiday sounds, listened to the cars out on the street, listened uh, to the parties, uh, listened to the silence between the falling snow. And soaked it all in, uh, and really enjoyed one more moment alone. Uh, good night.
I want to thank everybody that became a patron, Carrie, Jennifer, and Stephanie. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Erica B., Erica A., and Colleen, thank you, thanks, and good night. Aaron, uh, Spencer, and Claire, thanks, thanks, and good night. Alex, uh, Michael, and Terry, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Courtney, Leanne, and Jason, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Sarah, Emma, and Lily, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Lily, Hillary, and Pratayush, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Meredith, Claudia, and Marnie, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Libby, Morgan, and Kristen, thank you, thanks, and good night. Ryan, Ann, and Ben, thank you, thanks, and good night. Michelle, John, and Charlotte, thanks, thanks, and good night. Bonnie, Kate, and Anna, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Brian, Andy, and David, thank you, and good night. Uh, Jordan, uh, Dina, and Abby, thanks, thanks, and good night. Betsy, Janet, and Kristen, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Wanda, Patrick, and Stacy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Tiffany, Daisy, and Amelie, thanks, and good night. Uh, uh, Laura, Hamilton, and Jensen, thank you, and thanks, and good night. Emily, Joan, and Karen, thanks, thanks, and good night. Megan, Matt, and Mary, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Gail, Lori, and Marsha, thank you, thanks, and good night. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, over on PayPal, I want to thank Kathleen. Uh, Lynn and Tom, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Wilbert, uh, Christian and Robin, thank you, thanks, and good night. April, Carl was a K. April, Carl was a K, and Allison, thanks, thanks, and good night. Rob, Matthew, and Kim, thank you, thanks, and good night. And uh, then on Venmo, I want to thank uh, Kristen. Uh, Tiffany and Anya, thank you, thanks, and good day. Thanks for the support, everybody. Thanks, and good night.